Okay, so we're ready to go then? Yep. Yep. Alright. I always hate starting these things. Like, <laughs> we well, believe in you, Paul. Everybody's just waiting on me to, like, you know, get the words right in my head. Alright. Oh, I hate it when people just are, like, waiting on me. But luckily I don't have to do that much. John, I hate you. <laughs> I don't even think... Why even do an intro? Just, that's... Just start it like that. That's a good point. We'll just start the episode like that. Welcome to the SoxCast, episode 19.1, everybody. I am your host that is still just always angry at John. I'm Polly. And Sorry. Little, little programming note. Uh, we usually do our topic episodes the second half of an episode, but since this is episode 19.1... Uh, and our guest will be sort of flying out of town soon. Uh, we're going to have to do it the way we're doing it now. So to get things started, kicking it over to my immediate virtual right, he's probably going to say Zweehander at least once during <laughs> this episode. It's Rhett. Hi. How you doing, Rhett? Thinking about Dark Souls. Thinking about Dark Souls. We picked the right podcast to want to be sitting there and throwing some thoughts around about Dark Souls. Cool. cool. And to my immediate virtual left, he's wheeling, he's dealing, he's drinking, not thinking, never cowers, never showers, and he's always stinking. It's John Thire. Zvei Honda is how it's actually pronounced. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Rhett, Rhett went through Zwei an entire Rhett, Rhett went through an entire <laughs> let's play, a, a series of videos calling. I it, knew I was doing it wrong. Calling it Zweihander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it um, actually Zvei Honda? That's how I think it's uh, Zvei Honda said. Zvei. Zweihander. I can never, I can never do the double R's. Zweihander. <laughs> All right, and also, we hi. have we have a very special guest joining us this episode. Uh, he is an accomplished writer and uh, all around awesome dude, but he is also the champion of all video games, and he's got a trophy to prove it. It's Mike Foster. <laughs> That's I forgot I had a trophy. That's accurate. That is who I am. By the way, uh, I'm okay with calling it Zweihander. Oh, no. thank you. No, I'm on that team. no, no, Mike, don't make me kick you off the podcast before we even get started. <laughs> the, w- the one true weapon. Yeah, that's Zweehander's fine with me. That's the only one I used all game. <laughs> Once I got it, this is Dark Souls Noobcast. The only time I used the this Y hander um, was like uh, like the last character I created. I just I named her Strength, and oh, yeah. I put all of my stat points into strength and just went around one handing that thing and I actually got into quite a few um, invasions uh, doing that and just melted some people's faces off it was, pre- it was pretty great uh, so yeah really so yeah we're all here to take a trip down memory lane through a wonderful little game that we all four love to pieces called Dark Souls so if you haven't played Dark Souls you probably want to tune out now um, or if you're sick of people talking about Dark Souls <laughs> um, and are looking for a great way to lose weight hey stick around I shouldn't make bulimia jokes that's bad um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Mike since you are our guest why don't you get this little shindig started and give us a bit about, like, where does your Dark Souls journey begin? How did you first hear about it? What made you want to get into it? My, my Dark Souls story is actually um, kind of long. But uh, the, the short version is I was working for there's, – there's a games organization called Azubu, and they, they, uh, they have a streaming platform, and they have professional League of Legends teams, and um, they're – 
pretty shady, I think. But mm-hmm. when they when they were first established, they tried to launch a games magazine and they hired a bunch of writers um, to do content and stuff like that. So I was I was working for Azubu in this like beta version of their company when Dark Souls came out, and they sent it to me to review, and I fired it up and I played like 20 minutes of it. And then I, and I emailed the editor and I was like, no, I'm not absolutely not doing this. I don't have time to fucking learn how to do it. Like I'm not doing this. Um, and then it went on sale. Like I think what it was like a year later or two years later on steam and I picked it up on sale and then I played it. I started it again and I thought, well, I'll stream it because then I can just be awful with company. And that was the only reason I think I was able to actually get through it is because, or at least stick with it. Cause once I had started streaming it, people were watching it and I couldn't just abandon it yeah. in we the would, middle. We would have been very angry. Yeah. Cause I remember getting everything up to, to Taurus demon, which I, I know we're going to, we'll talk about, I'm sure that stuff later, but like everything up to Taurus demon was just awful. And that wasn't, it wasn't until that point where I started to click over. So I, I tried to play it two times and really it was only peer pressure that kept me <laughs> in the loop. Oh, well, it turned out great in the end. Yeah, great I did. things happen at other people's insistence. I found <laughs> it depends on how insistent they can be and insisting and insisting and insisting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, Rhett, you're fr- like, what, like, how did uh, how did Dark Souls come into your life? What did you think? Like, where uh, did all of your thoughts come from before you started decided to pick it up and start playing? Similarly, like Mike, I picked it up on a Steam sale, like probably six months or so after the Steam version came out. It was like down to seven fifty already, and I figured, like, oh, I hear this game is like super hard and impenetrable, so I'll I won't be out too much money if I end up hating it. And then I kind of ended up hating it until the Taurus Demon, just like him as well. <laughs> Where I lost to that boss like three or four times. I'm just like, this is fucking bullshit. I'm just clearing the same enemies over and over. And obviously I stuck with the game. I won't go into too much details and completely fell in love with it. It was my like game of the year for that year. And then since then I've played Demon Souls and Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne. And uh, yeah, big fan of the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, John. Tell us about your little Dark Souls foray. Where'd you get started? How did it all come together? What made you want to play it? Um, I played a little bit of Demon Souls um, before Dark Souls came out, and there just wasn't quite like a movement of it then, so I didn't really, and so I didn't really know to stick with it. <laughs> um, got to the Tower Knight like over three or three replays, three times I got to the Tower Knight and just like fell away from it. Um, and basically, once Dark Souls came out, I kind of looked at it, and I knew I liked Demon Souls, and I wanted to get back to it at some point, and I knew that Dark Souls was that and even better. So for the first couple years, I was like, oh, I'll get back to Demon Souls first, and then I'll do Dark Souls. And then I realized I should just play Dark Souls, and then it took like two or two more years until I just... <laughs> and the whole time, I knew I was going to love it. I basically knew this is my exact kind of game. I'm going to dig the hell out of this. I'll play it later and then one night i was like i talked to, i was talking to Reed about bloodborne and then i was like felt some force channel through me and i was like huh i need to play dark souls right now and then started getting a downloading and i was like why well, want to go faster 
after four years. We my brother bought was a big fan of Demon Souls, so he bought um I bought Demon Souls, but he actually got into it and he got Dark Souls right when it came out on PlayStation Three. Three. Cool. So then I just didn't play it. I didn't play it for the four years, and then I finally got to it, and then I tore through it in 22 days and loved it to pieces. Wow. Very nice. My, my, and, there, my... and there wasn't really like a um, liminal period either. I basically started up and was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. And then I kept going and kept going, and it never stopped being exactly what I wanted it to be. It was pretty great. That's that's great. My, my story is kind of like a bit, a bit of a mixture between Mike and Rhett's. Um Basically, like, I, I made the unfortunate mistake of paying attention to a lot of gaming-based communities and websites. At the time, like, Dark Souls uh, came out, and it was, like, all people talked about. And the way they talked about it just sounded so elitist and insincere and just kind of bullshitty. It was just like, oh, man, this game's so hard. The only way I could beat this boss was to cheese it. You know, it's like, oh, you'll never, you'll never be good at this game unless you're cheesing the fuck out of it. And I was just like, well... What's the fucking fun in that? Uh, and uh, somebody gifted me a copy um, on Steam. I think it was shortly after the PC release came out. And I booted it up, and I played about four hours. I got through Undeadburg and uh, up to Undead Parish. I think I capped out my first playthrough somewhere around the Capper Demon. Um <laughs> And, like, I, I think I only fought him once or twice before it was just like, all right, you know, I've, I, I don't have the time to invest in this thing right now. And I just kind of, like, you know, I put it on my um, end of the year list for that year. It's like, this is a game I'm going to play, you know, in 2000, duh, duh, whenever it was that I played it. Um, and after that, um, I didn't have any other misfires on it. The next time I booted it up, I, I, I went straight into the experience. Um, and uh, the only reason I got back into it, uh, there wasn't, like, you know, any point in time specific to why, but it was more like, like, Rhett started a Let's Play, and I was watching sort of the first few videos of that, and I was like, yeah, I could, I could go back and play that game, actually. So, like, I was sort of, like, shadowing him through that Let's Play <laughs> Sort of like like I would play through a part and then I would watch him. It's like, oh no, wait, he went somewhere totally different. So I have to watch this later. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just ended up absolutely loving that game two bits, as you know everybody else here does. Um, and, but uh, like, and the series is just it keeps getting bigger. Like it keeps becoming more and more recognizable. People, more and more people are talking about it. You know, it's like it's such a mainstream thing now. Whereas like Demon Souls, and for like the first, I want to say half a year or so of Dark Souls, like it was a pretty niche little game that you know you only really heard people talk about whenever just like they wanted to talk about how awesome they were at games. It's like oh, I'm playing these really hard games. Um, but like, what do you guys think sort of has like brought that game into like the mainstream success that it's currently having? I, th- I think, I mean, there's a lot in the game that that's clicked with the people who have played it, mm-hmm. but I think the brutal nature of the game made it very, um, shareable. And, and, and while you're talking about this, I just remembered I had tried to play this game and just said, you know, I don't have time to do it, whatever. But what had turned me back around into it, and the reason that I bought it on a Steam sale, is I saw um, a GIF, and I say GIF, and I don't really care what anybody thinks about it. There you go. I'm uh, with you. I am Team GIF. 
I, I saw a GIF that I think was from a Giant Bomb playthrough oh. where <laughs> where uh, someone gets – there's like – it's the skeleton archers down um, – I can't remember where, the name of the – two, two of the giants. giants. And he like blocks the arrow and walks forward and then he just gets kicked off the cliff. Yep. And I was like, that's <laughs> I hilarious. I that GIF too. <laughs> like, what game is that? And I go, oh, it's Dark Souls. Well, I never made it that far. And I think there's something really – there's something to be said for, you know, the sense of accomplishment and all that stuff that you get from it. And that's why you tell your friends about it. But there were all these little things in it that kind of fed out into mainstream gaming culture that pointed people back around to investigating it just because of how ridiculous it could be, I think. Yeah, it's like, like and, and like, think of things like the Praise the Sun meme. Like, you see that everywhere now. Right. It's like, people are like, what's that from? And it's like, well, it's Dark Souls. And, you know, they, they start seeing it more... You know, like it was sort of like their their cipher into that world was like the funny thing they saw, and then they start playing this game and realize, wait a minute, this thing actually is more than just like these funny little things people post about. Yeah, the game has got kind of an infinite depth, which I think is what I think that's why people keep playing in it. But as for why people go to it, it's just so shareable. There's all these funny little things and and anytime you accomplish something in Dark Souls, you call, you know, you want to tell people and bring them in. I, and there's also, I think, that desire to, like, I keep trying to get my brother to play Dark Souls because I know it's going to just make him absolutely miserable for 10 hours. <laughs> and I think there's that's part of it, too, where you're like, man, this is, I'm going to drag my friends through this shit, too. Yeah, th- I think that, like, you hit on a really important part there is, like, the shareability of the game, not only in terms of just, like, I want to drag people through this misery with me, but, like... If you're playing through the game without a guide and you're talking to your friends about it, it's sort of that, that playground mentality of, hey, did you see da-da-da-da-da when you go here? Or what if you have this item and look at this thing? And it's just like, oh, what? Are you kidding? And there's so many cool things hidden away in that game that you'll never find like by yourself unless you're having that open dialogue with people while you're playing the game. That's why it was really fun to play on stream because – there were so many people, I guess there's a certain amount of it where you're, you're kind of having a little bit of it spoiled, but mm-hmm. there, you know, on the second, cause I played through it like twice in a row on the stream and yeah. the second time around there's people like, Oh, did you try this side story? You got to check this quest out, go talk to this guy and do this. And it's just, it's that, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's that old sense of finding the Triforce that's hidden in Ocarina of time because the kid who lived down the street said it's there. Yeah. It's, it's find really Mew cool. and find Mew underneath the truck and Pokemon. <laughs> right, exactly. But those were lies. <laughs> Dark Souls actually has the crazy shit. Yeah, there's there's actually new there's actually Mew under the truck in Dark Souls. <laughs> if, you, if you look if you look hard enough, you'll find him. Don't worry. Dark Souls as if Mew was actually under the truck. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, Red, well, do you, what would you add to that? Well, like when John was kind of wrapping up the his playthrough i didn't want him to miss the big stuff so i'm like explaining to him how to get to some of the secret areas and as i'm doing that i'm just like yeah this stuff is really stupid isn't it like specifically getting back to the asylum and when you have to jump off the elevator oh, that's magnificent this, it's so stupid though the elevator the fact, one is feasible because i noticed that uh, i noticed it too yeah i noticed that one because uh, that's a really big clue i mean it's just like this big wide open sp- base in the elevator that you can just roll out of it's really mm-hmm. easy to see that i did it like the first know, two times i got out of the elevator no i know that part is easy but then you're making like the stupid on, jump that's yeah, yeah the fact that the that jump, jump is the one really really esoteric part yeah yeah and the fact that that jump basically leads to the painted world 
which is like this huge hidden area, like that they hid that much content behind a stupid jump. You have to get it's back to the asylum and go all the way back to your first room and then go to a specific room in on the other side of the world. Yeah. And then interact with the thing by that one it, jump. It's such You're right. confidence. It's such confidence to say in the world that you built to be like, we built this world and people are going to explore it. And, and you know, there's like one guy who's like, what if no one finds that? And they were like, shut up. Yeah. People are going to find it. Oh, and they're going to talk beautiful. about it. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Most developers won't do it. It's so courageous to be like, you know what? We don't care if half of the people who play this game ever find this lake. We're putting it here. Yeah. Oh, that lake was so pretty too. <laughs> there, there are, there are some really dumb boneheaded things like accessing the DLC is kind of really dumb. <laughs> that one's pretty, I mean, admittedly, but it's there so are, there esoteric. Are some it's so, it's so good because again, it's that thing you'll only know about because people will, you'll be talking yeah. about it. And how the, do you do steps, that? You have to like talk to a person and then there's a portal on the water. You, to, you have to just, kill two specific enemies in two different parts of the world that will open up a portal and <laughs> that's it actually. Yeah. That's all there's to it. That one is frustrating for me because I almost found it naturally because I had killed the first crystal golem Mm -hmm. like early in the game when you kill the Hydra. And then I had killed the one in Duke's archive when I went through there. But there was no way I was ever going to go back to that lake a third time to just see if there was anything there because why would there be? Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, though, that Dark Souls does really well. And that's um, there are a lot of games where – the, the thought of exploration is wander around here and you'll find like a thing that you pick up and it, there's a hundred of them. You know, like the, the feathers in Assassin's Creed. Are feathers in Assassin's Creed, yeah. missile tanks and Metroid. Right. Like wander wander yeah. around and find this stuff. Dark Souls doesn't do that to you. Dark Souls says go back to this place and wander around again and you might find an entire world. Like there's so much more payoff to actually backtracking and ex- – it, it, you get rewarded for that so much more that it's kind of built into the way people play the game. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, like, yeah, the combat and overcoming the big bosses in Dark Souls is, you know, it always feels great. But, like, the moment you, like, stumble onto something hidden in the world, you know, like, oh, I didn't know there was a Firekeeper soul over here. How the hell did I miss that? <laughs> you know, things like that. It's just like, it's the way everything comes, like, together so naturally. Um, it's 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 such an amazing piece of work. It outsmarts you. There's one of my favorite things about um, video games in general is when, and and Portal's a really great example of this, where you feel like you outsmarted the game, <laughs> and then like at the end of Portal, you do the portal like as you're you know cruising through Portal, and you're about to get dumped in fire. You throw that portal up, you escape, and it looks like you're in a place you're not supposed to be, and you're like, oh, I'm so much smarter than this game. And it turns out, oh wait, no, I'm only halfway through. I have to do this. And that's what that jump, when you roll off of that elevator, you're like, man, I found this sweet thing. I'm yeah. so much smarter than yeah. these guys. And you're like, oh, wait, now they totally want me to, damn it. Like, this is <laughs> and it always, it always feels that way, too. Like, every mm-hmm. little thing that you, like, you scratch and claw your way to uncover, because, I mean, it's just as much a game about survival as it is exploration. Right. You know, every little thing you add to your arsenal just feels like this huge boon. And it's just really awesome. It feels a lot like Super Metroid in that sense, since that's a game where you have a bunch of these hidden moves and a bunch of different things you can do to um, get to places you're not seeming to be able supposed to go there. Mm -hmm. But you can keep pushing and pushing and breaking the structure of that game, and it 
never actually breaks. And Dark Souls is, feels like the same way. Oh, I love Dark Souls. Cool. So should we start getting into the meat and potatoes of the game then? Sure. Or are we all- I have one more theory about how um, why it's so sure, kind of ahead. embedded into the pop culture audience. Sure. I feel like it captures a very specific um, appeal of a lot of old NES games that just hasn't been present at all, um, just or barely at all since the Super Nintendo, I think. Mm-hmm. Um just like the difference between Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2 versus A Link to the Past, or the difference between Metroid 1 and Super Metroid, mm-hmm. um, the openness, the um, lack of reliance on kind of lock and key structures, um, the t- willingness to just hide a bunch of stuff behind weird esoteric secrets, um, and just being a really challenging action game in its own right, and gating a lot of progress just by making certain areas hard. Um, I feel like there's a specific appeal, appeal of a lot of those games that kind of got um, in an effort to be more accessible, which worked. Um, a lot of that appeal kind of got sucked out and replaced with different kinds of um, engagement. And I think Dark Souls kind of gets back to that and that resonates with people. So it's not even that it's not um, that it's hard. It's that it's not at all patronizing. Yeah, well, it's it, a game that believes yeah. in you. Yeah, it respects your <laughs> intelligence. You know, it's yeah. not, it doesn't talk down to you. It's just like, you know, like it's uh, when I wrote, like, I know I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but since it's appropriate, I wrote uh, an article for Boss Dungeon back in the day, shortly before Dark Souls 2 came out, uh, about how to go into a Souls game with the proper mindset. And the first thing, you know, one of the first few things that I touched upon was, like, people are going to be lost a lot. Like, you will, like, if you're not playing this game with a guide, you may feel lost most of the time. But the example I used was, you know, a screenshot of the opening screen of the first Legend of Zelda game. It's just like, they dump you in the middle of the screen, there are four paths you can go, have at it. You know, the game just expects you to find your way by just poking and prodding at its world, and I think that, you know, it's definitely something that that a lot of modern gaming has been missing, uh, save for maybe the indie scene. Uh, but even then, a lot of those experiences can feel, you know, just as guided as a AAA game. You know, it's like, uh, I love the hell out of Dust and Elysian Tale, but mm-hmm. it, it is a heavily guided experience. You know, it, mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't really expect you to explore as much as it is to experience. Mm-hmm. I think um, you can get closer with some of the secrets in, like, Fez and Super Mario World. Definitely. But but um, if you look at the the... There's a couple extra layers on top of it that give it a different flavor than Dark Souls. Fez has the map and the percentage counter, mm-hmm. and Super Mario World has the map and the um, color-coded levels to tell you whether or not there's a secret. And again, the, it counts the number of um, exits you've found. Mm-hmm. So by not um, contextualizing it as like a checklist... I think Dark Souls' approach is more interesting. Yeah, you're never quite sure. It's like you can you can put the game down you know, after your first playthrough, but you can always look back at it and go, did I did I see everything? Did I do everything I could have? And you know, that, like having that little doubt there keeps you wanting to go back. I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically literally impossible to do everything in your first playthrough yeah. because how, of how some of the NPC quests end up mm-hmm. splitting. Yeah, it literally, literally shuts you out of certain things depending on your actions, which I think is another really brave move. <laughs> it doesn't tell you at all. Yeah, That's it's what's great. Because, so you know, I love, I love Mass Effect, and I love that it's like you can make decisions that are going to affect this, but in a game like Mass Effect, you are well aware that you are making decisions. It's like, hey, 
you know, this guy's probably going to die if you haven't done enough Paragon stuff. And you're like, well, I better do Paragon stuff so I can save this guy later. And I'm going to do all these things, you know. And then with Dark Souls, it's like, hey, this NPC died. And you go, why? And Dark Souls goes, fuck <laughs> you. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Solaire will remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. That gloriously incandescent bastard. I'm just thinking of this game with like a quest log right now. Like, oh, go talk to Sigmire. Oh god! Like, what would it actually like be that. like? Uh, like with like an open world style mini map that you could follow the whole time, <laughs> and like little check pointers that tell you where NPCs are at all times. Uh, That'd be worse. terrible. It'd be, be much worse. Yeah. <gasps> I think or in like, general, or one hub world where you can just teleport to every oh, place. Oh, no <laughs> warp the game too. Oh, we can get to that, but, like, the fact that there's no warp <laughs> for most of the game is really incredible, That I think. really made, like, that makes you really appreciate uh, Dark Souls' world inter- even more. With the fact that you're, you're in it for so long, you become connected to it because you're running back and forth so much. And But that also starts with the world being incredible. Yes, it does. It really does. It is an atmospheric, wonderful I don't want to say I don't want to say wonderful as in boy it's sure great to be here because <laughs> boy is that world oppressive. <laughs> it's pretty pretty rough. It's not a happy not a happy place. And that's what I think Dark Souls does right is it it pushes you to despair and then when you're like okay I I can't do this. Dark Souls goes, "Yeah, you can because you have to." You can, you you can do it, dude. You you you're going to do it. Yeah. And yeah. then you do it and you're like, "Oh, I can't do that." And then the next because if you lose worse. Because if you lose your drive, then that's what causes the all that's the what causes to go the hollowing. <laughs> that's what's brilliant about Dark Souls is that it's like a meta version of itself. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy. It's so thematically tied to the actual playing of the game that it's mm-hmm. so brilliant. Mm. It's like the game will grind you into the ground if you know if you are not paying attention or not prepared. And, and, you know, it's expecting you to fight your way back through that or mm-hmm. or uninstall the game and become hollow. That was one of my biggest moments with the game was when I realized um, that a lot of the enemies are heroes that failed. Yes. Oh. And you're like, oh, wow, this is that's it, it's just something that's entirely different. It's no, like they're the, not in any position that's actually you're you're not in actually in any better position than they are. Yeah, right. It's just like you you are just one of many that have tried and like are you going to rise above or just become another one of them and it's just that's so brilliant you know you're not mm-hmm. you're not particularly pointed at and saying chosen one even though the game sort of railroads you down that but it's doing it in a very it it, it does it from a very uh, interesting standpoint because it's not thrust upon you at the beginning of the game, you know. And I think even mm-hmm. even Dark Souls Two kind of has that at the start, where it's just like, oh, another one. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, you're more than welcome to go out there, but you're not going to mm-hmm. fare much better. You know, you're not the two. <laughs> the two people who explicitly call you the chosen one are um are the creepy snake creature who talks with like a stereotypical wise mentor fantasy guy voice but he's a terrifying snake demon <laughs> outside of that and the other one is a beautiful woman guinevere who turns out to be an illusion who's not actually there to be at all yeah so, the, first, the first two people you meet in dark souls are like you meet you meet a guy who's dying yeah and then you the next person you meet is a guy who's like i quit he's just given up on <laughs> i'm everything. sitting here i'm done it's this mm-hmm. it. so basically there's definitely a, the chosen one narrative is really present there 
and then it just kind of tears it apart, <laughs> especially uh, with all the ending stuff. Yeah, yeah, it 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 it, it, re- it and it makes you sort of earn that to make you want to feel like you know what maybe I am the chosen one, fuckers. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna mm-hmm. be the one to do this. You know, mm-hmm. it's just always those little things that keep pushing you forward. You know, and motivated to see more of this world and this game. And it's just, goddamn, guys, <laughs> Dark Souls is really fucking good. Okay, yeah. Have we mentioned that yet? Can we all can we take a moment and just let everybody know that Dark Souls is really good? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also think that um, while it is an extremely oppressive world, it's just the the structure. There's no like. Um, pushing dramatic reason at all times um like something there there are games that are a lot more oppressive and i think dark souls is richer because it's more relaxed than those games in some in a couple ways yeah it's um, not like, it doesn't feel like uh there isn't immediacy to everything mm-hmm. it's it, there is a slight lackadaisicalness to it where you're just kind of wandering around this place and getting a sense of this world so it does if it had that continuous tension and like dread of something like Dragon Breath of Fire Dragon Corridor or one of the sagas or even like Metroid 2 kinda. Um, I think there it would be maybe more exhausting than it would need to be. And I think it does breathe really well. Yeah. I think it's richer for being able to giving you that room to breathe. Yeah. There it definitely has really great um like crescendos and the, there, there's so many moments in dark souls where you're like, I really, usually it's right where you're like, okay, I'm, I can't do this anymore. You hit a moment where you're like, Oh, I'm just in a pretty place for a second. Yeah. And I could stop. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of really cool, like, I, I don't know if I would call them rest stops, but there are a lot of little things that feel like they were built into the game to just kind of like ease the pain of this experience. Mm hmm. I'm thinking of one in particular right now. Right after you beat the Taurus Demon, and then you go down some stairs, and there's yeah. that sunset with Solaire standing there. Fantastic mm-hmm. moment. Oh, yes. right. Yes. And so, Solaire's so nice. It's this beautiful, quiet moment where you're just chilling with somebody. He helps you out. He gives you one of the soapstones. And then you turn around and go on the bridge, and the dragon burns you to death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know. Dark Souls doesn't have many cheap shots, so but I think that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I dodged it. It's a funny one, though, because one of the things that I like about the game is that they don't actually just drop a save point or a bonfire right when you kill a boss. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they drop that cheap shot right when you're most likely to have all your souls because you just killed the Taurus Demon. (laughs) (laughs) I walked back after I beat the Taurus Demon. Smart man. But that's how, yeah. I don't know. I I think something's up here. I'm leaving. (laughs) And I stayed back all the way back. And then I walked back, and then I was... Felt rewarded for having done that. It's a game that makes you make tough choices like that. Do I retreat mm-hmm. for now? And just kind of going back on the whole thing about why it has been a phenomenon. It just feels like to me Dark Souls is kind of like the complete antithesis of modern AAA games where it's difficult and it doesn't hold your hand and it, you have to find your own way. But then it's so much more rewarding when you actually conquer through it. And it doesn't explain its mechanics at all. <laughs> It has I mean, like little text boxes. Yeah, in the it, tutorial. it tells you what the buttons do. Well, does it ever tell you how to jump? I think so. No, no way. It does. Okay, because <laughs> you just roll or whatever it is. Like I know they tell you how to do the plunging attack, but I don't know if they tell you how to jump specifically. Because mm-hmm. I don't. Because that's one reason I've always thought the 
I acknowledge that you can see I'm going to roll off this elevator through this hole. Uh-huh. But I don't think there's really no point before that in the game where you have to jump. Mm-hmm. So to, it's not – there are moments in Dark Souls that require <laughs> platforming and there's no part in the game where it's like, by the way, you might need to do some platforming. <laughs> aren't they it's all, a complete aren't surprise. almost all of them like optional though? Yeah, yeah, I, think sure. most, yeah, yeah. I think most of the platforming in that game is entirely optional. Like the jump um, seems to only be there for you to like get to really out of the way places. Right. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, when I figured out I could jump, I immediately thought back to getting on the elevator and getting to that area and trying it again. So that's pretty cool. It's just that it's a tough jump, and I, every time I would try it a couple times, and you have to walk all the way around when you fall. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll come back to this later. So the whole game, I knew I could keep coming back to that area and figuring it out, and it was neat. So it just kind of had that constant presence in my mind for me. Yeah. The jumping isn't great. No, no. <laughs> it, 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 it was uh, better in Dark Souls 2, but... I disagree with that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I felt the jumping worked better in Dark Souls 2, personally. For me, it made sense it, that in Dark Souls 1, it's not like a legitimate jump. It's just a thing you do. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it feels wonky because you are you feel like you're kind of like cheating the system a little bit every time you jump somewhere. Yeah. But then in Dark Souls 2, it is a necessary part of it. They're like, you have to jump. And it's necessary in several yeah. places. And it's still super wonky. Mm. I'll give I you a point the, for that, yeah. The jumping in Dark Souls 2 felt better, but they made it so much more required, yeah. Where there's yeah. so many items that are placed mm-hmm. behind stupid jumps. Mm-hmm. So I died more to jumping than enemies in that stupid game. I think it has a lot more in common with like some of the, I think it has a lot in common with like the weird esoteric moves you can use to find secrets in Super Metroid, kind of. Oh, yeah, like the crystal flash yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Shine, spark, wall, jump, all those, all those weird things. It doesn't feel as good as any of those, but they're similarly obtuse to interact with, yeah. basically. Cool. So now are we ready to dig into <laughs> the game? Like the, the, the we're going to run the game down top to bottom, give yep. it its due. Are we ready to begin? Sounds good. All yep. right. Yep. So of course we start off in the undead asylum. Who wants to start? Me, me, me. Go, John. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the re- I think the first sign of like, well, I love this game was the. Um, Beating, getting past the first boss by walking through a hole in the wall on the side, <laughs> not being able to beat, or being able to beat the first boss, kinda, but not really. And then sword, yeah, it's possible, yep. but you don't want to do it. <laughs> and it's super obtuse and not really fair. And I, it was just a great, great touch. I thought. I think it just sets the stage for the rest of the game really neatly. Yeah. Although yeah. we. Reet told me, so I didn't get to figure it out on my own. He didn't. didn't he you, waited until I bashed my head against it a little bit. But um, I wonder how long John it was take like, for me to figure it out. John was hitting him for one damage for like an hour. This game's really hard. <laughs> no, I think I told Reet. Reet, I know there's some trick to this. How do I get past the asylum demon? And then you're like, walk through a door. Oh. <laughs> uh, to, to be on, to, to be fair, I made the same mistake the first time I played the game. Yeah, I was like, surely I can do that. Wait a minute, I'm barely. Mm-hmm. Ni- Come on, this I, game I, can't be hard for this reason. <laughs> yeah, I looked at I looked at it. 
I played it a couple times, and I pretty much knew right off the bat there. There's there's a trick to this, and there was. <laughs> yeah, it turned out just go into the room a little more, you dingus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like like from a narrative standpoint, you know, like uh, when you're first thrown in and you get a glimpse of the per like of like of like a person uh- that has thrown you in. Yes. His name's Oscar. I think. Yes. Okay. I was. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. When you get a glimpse Sorry. of Oscar throwing you in, and like you actually run into him later in the game, mm-hmm. doesn't he throw in the other body with the key on it, mm-hmm. and not That's you yourself? Yeah. yeah. I think you start off. You're already in there. So there's that kind of desolate status quo after that really bombastic. Oh yeah, we skipped the intro cutscene. Right. People like, pay attention yeah. to the cutscenes in Dark Souls. There's just the one cutscene at yeah. the very beginning, and it's like five minutes of lore dumping, um, and then nothing else for the rest of the game. <laughs> they do that five-minute thing which sets up basically everything you need to know, and then there's no more like exposition about the world um, just launched at your face for the rest of the game. Thank it's really God. classy. <laughs> the yeah. intro is funny because like when you watch it the first time, like nothing means anything to yeah, you. Yeah, it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah, when you that's go back, another thing. Once you've beaten the game and go back, you're like, oh man, they totally mentioned like all those bosses I defeated at the end, like Seath and Nito and Gwyn, they're all in there. Yeah, there's no context to anything. When you watch that thing the first time, they're like, the furtive pygmy took the stone. I'm like, what in the <laughs> shit is going on? Like, oh, there's a fire. And then what's really crazy is they're like, there's all these things and there were dragons, but they're gone now. And then there were these guys, but they left. And now it's you're an undead and you're in jail. And fire. And they don't. There's just no explanation. And it really is. It's like you said. You have to watch it after you beat the game. And I kind of like, watched oh, it a couple times okay. more as I progressed. I wonder on the console version or whatever. If you hang around on the title screen, does it go play that cutscene, that little scene? I'm not sure. I don't think okay. so. Honestly. Okay. Weird. Well, I watched it on YouTube a couple more times as the game progressed, as I was progressively able to make sense of it. And it kind of made me excited for what was it? What was to follow? Yeah, it's just like by the time like you've gotten you know fifty hours into the game, that cutscene is a distant memory, and it's just like I didn't even remember those bosses uh, and things like that being mentioned in the opening cutscene. By the time that I got there, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's but just it's, weird that they start with like almost like a Lord dense. of the Rings text dump. Yeah, it's pretty dense. With all these characters, but then it's so cool to go back and be like, oh, this all kind of makes sense now. Yeah, huh? they, they, they actually were thinking here. People who say that, like, who pays attention to the story in Dark Souls, but if, if you pay attention to it, you're in for some really cool shit. You do mm-hmm. get rewarded. It does, they don't, the story is not provided to you, but if you make the effort to follow it, it's, you, it does pay off yeah, if you ser- pay, several times. Pay attention to like item descriptions, and a lot of the time, if you just look around your environment, you can piece a lot of interesting things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that uh, I know Mike had a, a very interesting moment on stream in an area we'll talk about later, where it was just like, "Wait a minute, you know, this belonged to this guy from this piece of lore." What? That game is—it's full of stuff like that. Yeah, it's just like it—it's like if it feels like even things like the enemy placement were carefully thought out. So that they would tie into the narrative and make sense. That, and that's what I tell Apple's people. Apple's being an actual character blew my mind. Instead of just like a random mm-hmm. creature, there's like, oh, this is a character who ties into other characters in this story. And has equipment that I find later on. 
Yeah, yeah really every single character is like everybody you encounter is tied in. All the like main you know, the named people or the really scary things they're all tied together and they're all like tragic and horrible and yeah you get rewarded a lot if, you, if you're i mean like you run into havel in the bottom of a tower and he just stomps the shit out of you and if you're not following anything you're like well that was a big guy but mm-hmm. it's so much more valuable if you're it pays off a lot more if you are paying attention to everything, even though it's really hard and you might not understand it until way later or your second time. Yeah, yeah it's I, I really don't suggest trying to unearth every single little detail like that your first time through because, you know, you're in this world to experience and enjoy it at your own leisure. And, you know, trying to like you could drive yourself crazy looking for every detail like that. You know, it feels more like that's there to reward people that want to play through it again or on a new game plus or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my, my strategy was to get to almost the end of the game and then bring up a wiki and just tear through every <laughs> single thing that I um, <laughs> hadn't quite found or <laughs> I found. So I went to a couple secret bosses I missed. I um, read up on all the characters I encountered and on their stories. I finished um, Seafried and um, Solaire's stories and oh. just wrapped up all those things. So yeah, I, kinda, when I, finished, I think that's a good I approach. <laughs> when I finished the first time, I went through and I watched like three hours of YouTube videos about oh God, yeah. <laughs> explaining the lore and explaining all the heroes or the characters. And it was just the only way to do it. It's not I, when I got Dark Souls 2, I was I tried to do it from the beginning. I was like, all right, I know it's all in here and I got a notebook. And I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. And you just can't. You cannot Dark, do it that way. Dark Souls 2 really doesn't have the depth of stuff no. that this one no. doesn't there. No, no. It's, it's, it's the B stuff, team. It is definitely, it is the B team that created that game because the A team was off making Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Another thing that makes it really hard to follow like your first time playing through is like when some of the stuff will be separated by like 20 hours of gameplay. Like the ring behind uh, Artorius's grave being like a backstab thing. Yeah. And then way, way later in the DLC, you meet the girl who's like shows up after you kill him. And you're like, oh, that was hers. I get yeah. it now. But like making that connection yourself would be pretty difficult. Yeah, because you'd have to have just this incredible memory to piece it I all think, together. I think we can like um, talk about the whole lore. Th- I've always been kind of um, not really that interested in the idea of lore. Like I tried, um, I tried reading the first Lord of the Rings book the, earlier this year, and um, there's that whole idea of bu- world building and telling, teaching about this um, world, and it's and like the whole games that happened, like encyclopedias built into the game, little in-game wikis you can Google and look around at all this stuff, and they're so fascinated with their own made-up world, and at some point it feels kind of masturbatory because mm-hmm. um, it's just lore and world building for its own sake and it doesn't actually serve any kind of narrative purpose and it just doesn't do anything for me. It's like, oh great, you wrote an encyclopedia about stuff that doesn't actually exist. Good for you. <laughs> or, or things that will like I will likely never encounter in your game. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, like Xenosaga does that a lot. I know Final Fantasy 13 did that a lot as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. with their big in-game codex of terms and places and like yeah i i don't care what time people in bodum go to sleep usually that doesn't do anything for me at all that's what i always tell people about dark souls is that 
Dark Souls is a very rare example of every mechanical decision backing the narrative and every narrative decision playing out mechanically. Yes. And they are they're perfectly hooked together. There's no filler, there's no chaff, it's all important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's super uh, yeah. rare. I think all of the lore in Dark Souls, Dark Souls is useful insofar as it almost all of it enforces um, key thematic ideas that are present throughout that game and um, just become clear as it progresses. Because I, I think know, the lore I serves sa- a purpose. Like I, I agree with what you're saying. That mm-hmm. like I, like I said, I love Mass Effect, and if in Mass Effect Two, there's a whole encyclopedia. You can read all about the uh, every planet you could possibly go to. Yeah, has it has like a Wikipedia entry, and none of it matters. It yeah. just doesn't have anything to do with anything, but except that it's there. Yeah, somebody wanted to write about a shitload of planets that you you don't actually visit in that game. And don't actually exist in real life or in any way impact your experience of this right. story. So that's where I get kind of like that masturbatory vibe. Yeah, it's, it's just like, data yeah. for the sake of data. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or like the um or like the books in Skyrim. You can pull out books uh, from the bookshelf oh, and man. read full <laughs> books and it's like this this doesn't serve any purpose. There's no it's making a more fleshed out world. What what's the point of that? What does it actually serve? I don't see any inherent value in this process. And Dark Souls um, consistently made me uh, the lore painted an interesting action and actually interesting statements, actually interesting themes, which is what made it valuable to me. The thing that gets overlooked about the asylum a lot is that it is also a very clever tutorial mm-hmm. for. All, pretty much every challenge that you face later on in Dark Souls, you face a very small version of it in the Asylum. And there there are little things, you know, the signs are posted around and you can read them and it tells you like what buttons to push or whatever. But that Asylum is built from start to finish to teach you like it's like your survival kit. Here's everything you need. And then after this tiny little boxed off area you're going to have to use this stuff however you see fit. Yeah, you're the one that has to put it all together. It's like we're showing you the very the most basic way to use everything at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to take that toolkit and apply the tools necessary to get through any situation you may come across. And it's it's really unique because you know, in another AAA game, the tutorial would not be just a place where you do things and then you learn as you go. The tutorial would be like a series of prompts yeah. that say, well, if you need to dodge an arrow, hit, push B and look, you know, <laughs> jam the stick to the left. And it's, you know, oh, like I said, we keep going back to, you know, the, the from just has confidence in the people who play and they know they're going to work it out. But that's, it's such a really smart way to say, to teach somebody how to play your game without making it feel like a tutorial or, or pulling back the curtain and revealing that's a tutorial at all. Right. Look at world one, one of super Mario brothers. That, mm-hmm. that is an, exactly. Exa- that is an excellent example of teaching you how to play the game while you're just playing the game. Like mm-hmm. you're learning these things, but you're not having to like specifically press button prompts or catalog it in your brain. It's just, you naturally mm-hmm. learn, Okay, this walking mushroom thing's bad. I jump on it. Did you mm-hmm. know you can jump on shells? 
<laughs> Kick a shell to kill multiple enemies. <laughs> Killing ten enemies in a row will score a one up. Right. Super Mario World is when they introduced those little dialogue boxes, right? Yeah, those were optional, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they were optional, so that's fine. Dark Souls, Dark Souls has the little text prompts that you can bring up, but also it's a PlayStation 3 game, so it has like 30 million buttons. So I feel like that's an yeah. okay concession to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, you um, know... The heart of it is still that 1-1 one, one tutorial, though, like your guys are saying. Yeah, I mean, it's... it would be super unfair to not tell you what the block button is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it could do it, but that's... Dark Souls has a really good... There are very few moments in, in Dark Souls that are forced, cheap difficulty. Most of the time in a game, when you up the difficulty, what that means to the game is you have less ammo and enemies take more damage, which isn't actually more difficulty. It's just like a tedious way to make the game harder yeah, to play. Yeah, it just it takes variables and puts a multiplier on them and, essentially. Right. And from could have easily been like figure it out and that would have been hard, but that's that is a cheap forced difficulty mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a skill-based mechanical one. And I think they did a really good job of dodging that in most cases. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they even go over like they even sort of plant the idea that like some walls can be broken by how you get your first ex- Estus flask is that like the the ball, the ball comes rolling down the stairs and crashes through the wall and it's just like maybe other walls can take hits like that. I did not take that away from that at all. Yeah. <laughs> that, that did not really? That's like, that's sort I of think like, that's clever. I that's think what that I sense. thought it was. That's what I thought it was. No, I, I'm sure other people did. I'm just saying personally, I'm not, I'm too stupid for that to have registered. Uh, I can see a lot of other people thinking, uh, or, or not even like noticing that wall. Or, or noticing that it wasn't busted before that boulder came crushing down, because like when you're getting crushed by a boulder, the first thing you're going to think is, Oh fuck, I'm being crushed by a boulder. You know, the last thing you're going to think is, oh, fuck, I'm being crushed by a boulder, but maybe that means there's a secret wall. <laughs> I I got, I um, saw the wall and I got hit by the boulder and I turned around and there was, and then there was a hole in the wall and I realized, oh, look, this got crushed by that boulder. Mm-hmm. So I didn't make the mental leap to like crushing other walls, but I did make mm-hmm. that mental connection between those two secrets, which I think, those two things, which I think was really clever. Cool. Awesome. So, so we, we. <laughs> We we got to, you know we we defeat the asylum demon hooray for us we we get to do our mighty plunge attack for the first time which just feels amazing <laughs> well like, actually one wait I think there's a really good example of of the story unfolding for the people who look for it in the asylum mm-hmm. which is um Oscar throws that body down he gives you a, a key and you're like okay whoever that guy was mm-hmm. and then you go through and you get smashed by a boulder because everybody gets hit by it the first time and <laughs> and then there's a knight in there and I don't think it occurs to everyone who plays the game the first time that that is the same dude yeah and that he got knocked into that room by the boss that you're about to fight and yep. that's like a thing that you've got to put together on like your third or fourth playthrough where you're like wait there's a hole in the ceiling and this guy's injured, and he was just on the roof. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, wow. It's the same guy. It's ah. an amazing little, yeah. like, that revelation is so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. You want to hear another cl- funny revelation? Cool. Um, when you're walking around outside and you hear that slow stomping. Oh, boom, shit. Boom. Yeah. And then you kill the oh. asylum demon. And, and it then didn't the stomping stop. continues. Yes. And then you get back there 35 hours later. And, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, my God. That thing. What's funny, you can actually see the stray demon at the very yeah. start when you look right, but most people, again, are going to assume when they see the asylum demon, oh, it's the same dude. Yeah, right. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Very. Just, I remember the first time I killed the asylum demon and still heard the footsteps. It's like, wait, is something like? I guess that's just the music. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. Oh, I'm the just, game's glitching. I'm just gonna go out. Well, but yeah, because people, you know, the game wasn't exactly the most stable when it first came out. God, I don't know how people figure. Like, I'm thinking you come out of the asylum and there's a bird's nest there, and I just don't know how you're like. If you didn't play Demon Souls, I don't know how you're like. I should take something out of my inventory and drop it here oh. and turn the game off. Yeah. And see what happens. Like, That's you, some, I'm you know staggered what? by those. Wait, turn the game off? What I, are you talking yeah, about? I'm thinking, John has no idea what you're talking about right now because I never told him about that because it's stupid. To, to get oh. it to work, you have to drop specific items into the bird's nest and you'll get traded items. The birds will give you items or whoever. Oh, that's the, hilarious. But that's the way funny. that you do it is you drop an item in the in the uh, nest and then you have to exit the game. You have to like pause and quit game and then reload the game. And then the item you dropped is replaced by the item that you're traded. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. It's yeah. really stupid. It, it's supposed, it's supposed <laughs> okay. to be... By brilliant, I meant that's pretty stupid, but it, I thought it was clever. It's I supposed it to funny. be... Like, like, basically what it's supposed to be is, like, you're supposed to exit the zone and come back, but it's faster to just exit the game and come back. Right. It has to reload that. Yeah. Basically. <clears throat> that's kind of weird. I appreciated when, Blood, or when Dark Souls 2 made that way faster. Yeah. And, and then I appreciated it more when Bloodborne just got rid of that. I have not played Bloodborne yet because I do not have a PlayStation. There's no crows that trade you shit in it. <sighs> Release it on PC. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Never gonna happen, unfortunately. It will. It won't. You keep Mike. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna love you for holding out the faith. And if it happens, I will be the first to. There come. is no such thing as permanent exclusivity in this era. It well, will if you're happen. Talking about emulating it's, it's, it. <laughs> Demon Souls has been. <laughs> Demon yeah. Souls hasn't got a Demon PC. Demon Souls release. hasn't been released, and it was uh, sort of a co-funding job by sony as well i believe i would be really but so was dark souls not was it though no, dark souls no. was different but publishers. it was a ps3 exclusive dark souls yeah was but it wasn't like by yeah oh wait what huh. dark souls is multi-platform yeah dark souls is on xbox Three. 360 huh. ps3 and pc i always and thought Wii it launched only on ps3 no no i think cool. that's why dark souls ended up being so much more popular is because it went to 360 yeah and then PC. That's a good point. Well, I'm still holding out hope. I think it'll happen. <laughs> like I said, man, if if it happens, I will be the first to come to your door with a bouquet of flowers as a thank you. I'm not buying a PlayStation 4 just to play Bloodborne. I'm not doing it. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm the same. I'm in the same boat, really. <laughs> yeah. What about a PlayStation 4 for Bloodborne and Bloodborne 2? I'm <laughs> <laughs> picking up what you're putting down. Hmm. <laughs> All right, so... We get carried off by crows once we exit the asylum. Again, not explained. Again, not so, like, explained. You walk to the top of a hill and you're like, yeah, crow picked you up. It's whatever. You're in Dark Souls now. And they drop you off <laughs> at your sort of your your main hub around of the world, uh, the Firelink Shrine. Great little place to start out. And the first person you meet, like you said, is just like, yeah, don't bother. This place sucks. Just yeah. give up, dude. Yep. <laughs> and, it's your completely, your, and it's your nice, safe zone. Yeah. Um, for a good chunk of the game, it, it's the only ch- area of the game that plays music. Mm-hmm. So everything about that area is designed to make you feel kind of comfortable, like it's a nice hub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like how it fills out as you progress through the game. Like, at the very start, there's only three people there, including the firekeeper. Mm-hmm. And then if you wander too far off, oh, there's enemies over here. So it never feels completely safe. 
But then as you go through the game, like all the NPCs you rescue show up there. They and start migrating got... there, and you can find them in really weird places sometimes. And, and they murder yeah. each other. Just, yeah, you know, <laughs> that too. Just Dark Souls things. But it like it didn't immediately strike me as like the safe hub. I was just like, okay, I'm here now. I don't know. And then you leave it, and you don't come back for a while. Yeah. But when you do come back, it's one yeah. of the greatest moments in the. I think the whole game. Yeah, there's two the... moment. There's two moments where you return to the Firelink Shrine um, after a huge chunk of it, after the after Blighttown and after um, the uh, Undead Parish, and I think both moments are extremely sharp and well put together moments. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that those are both right next to the bells too. Yep. Hmm. Oh, I think when yeah. I, I'm pretty sure when I got to Firelink, I walked around and looked at stuff and I probably tried to talk to the bird. And, and the other thing that I did not know is that I didn't realize you had to, cause I'm coming from this place of regular games. The dark souls is not a regular game. The crestfallen warrior. Is that his name? The mm-hmm. guy who's there. Yeah. You have to talk to him like a hundred times to yeah. hear everything that to he get, has to say. Yeah. To get his whole story. Yeah. And you I think be- I tapped a once and I was like, cool, I'm going to go in this graveyard and see what's down here. And like, <laughs> it just, that is not the correct path. Well, yeah. it's dark souls. You can go wherever you want, the, but there is no correct re- path, but if you recommend a, it, if you're a dark souls newbie, um, let's, let's not go to that graveyard starting out. Okay. Let's, uh, yeah. it wasn't Actually, until later I realized you talked to the guy multiple times and he has more to say, and even though none of it's useful, the only the only thing he tells you is like, yeah, there's a bell, and it's there. One's up and one's down, and whatever, dude. You're it's we're all dead. We're all dead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> whatever. Just, he's over it. He's Nobody cares. <laughs> but the bell thing is so great because it gives you a clear goal for the game. Yeah, and, if, I, if, if, and that's like, something like, like all the other Souls games kind of lack. Is Dark having, Souls Two, especially, does not have this thing. You know, like a thing that you're striving yeah. toward. Like with, with the bells, it's simple to like sort of like get a short term plan together. It's like okay, like I sort of got an idea of what I'm doing now. I'm gonna go look for some bells. You know, whereas Dark yeah. Souls, Dark Souls Two, is just like enter level one, the giant place or whatever. You had no idea what you're doing that entire game. Yeah, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, with Dark Souls, uh, yeah, I really like that. There's that return after both um, bell rings. Yes. Um, you mentioned, like Reed mentioned um, on Twitter, he mentioned Metroid One in comparison because that's another game where you ring two bells and then go to a <laughs> big end game area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in Metroid, the you dead end when you ring the bell. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, but in Dark Souls, they flow, they flow all that together really naturally, and it's really nice. Yeah, the thing I realized about talking to John about Dark Souls, I guess he realized it, and I was like, oh yeah, like there's no dead ends really in the first half of the game. Like the closest is kind of like when you see the demon ruins and turn around, mm-hmm. but that's not mm-hmm. a dead end. That's just, I don't think I need to go down there yet. <laughs> Same with Tomb of the Giants. You're like, yeah. ah! Uh, this doesn't feel like an area I need to be in right now. Tell you what, it's real dark down there, and I, I've got an aversion to dark places. Let's let's go somewhere <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah, it makes the game feel so big when you can keep going, just never really hit a dead end. I guess mm-hmm. th- there is the butterfly, but then that opens up so much. Yeah, that it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's just like a circle. That the whole um, und- uh, dark root basin and dark root. Um, garden area is just one big interesting circle that connects with a whole bunch of other areas. So I don't really look, look at anything in that those zones as being dead ends either. Yeah. 
just a nice, cool little seamless world that sort of wraps in around on itself enough to where, like you said, like you don't ever feel like you hit a dead end or anything like that. And it definitely screws with, you know, a traditional way of, because when I play a game, especially if it's, you know, like a third person RPG type game, um, I want to find, I like to go to every area. So the, the process is always, okay, I'm in this room. I'll go through all the unlocked doors and I'm sure I'll find some keys and then I'll go through all the locked doors and I'll go into every room like, you know, uh, one at a time. I'm going to, I'll go, Mm -hmm. okay, as far as I can go left and now I'm hit a dead end. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to go all the way right. And in dark souls, you can't do that because you, if you're like, okay, I'm going to go down this path and see where it stops. You're like, (laughs) Oh, well, okay. You're just now. Keep... I'm in a horrible place. You're wading deeper and deeper into the poopy, <laughs> right? Um, you cannot. Kind of, what's you can't different... just break it down into pieces and then explore every last part of it. You've got to make decisions about where you should be at any given moment. Mm-hmm. That's part of what makes the Castlevania uh, post symphony Castlevanias feel kind of mechanical to me, is because you get into that very systematic mindset of filling out this maze, mm-hmm. um, getting to each under. Visit every unlocked area. Yeah, you have keys. Visit every area you can unlock. Visit every area you can unlock. Da 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 da. And right. if you just if you just keep plugging away at it, um, you don't really. There's never a point where you actually have to really think about it. It's that can just systematic um, yeah, filling just, out of the maze. Your process of eliminationing your way through the game. Mm-hmm. And in Dark Which Souls, I think is kind of lame. And in Dark Souls, you can't really do that, right? And I mean, it's, it's also possible. I- it's possible. There are very few areas that are locked at the start of the game, um, mm-hmm. but in terms of like your first time through the game and getting your ass kicked, there's probably a better path for you to go. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's soft locks progress. It's like you, it, kind of like Metroid One or like Dragon Warrior, where you walk over a bridge and suddenly the enemies are way harder. Yeah, it's like the so game is like, like yo, I, need, you, I should come back here later. The game's like you can do this. I'm not gonna stop you, but there's gonna be a bit of a price. You know, in terms of skill that you're going to have to pay. Skill and time, because cause Dark Souls does have experience points and levels. So you do, there is a an aspect of, maybe I should come back here later when I'm better at the game and when I'm stronger because right. I've put more souls into my character. Mm. I think there's Which a I think slight... Is, I think oh, works fine. Yeah. I think there's a slight danger to it um, in that when you're coming into Dark Souls and you, and you don't know what it is, it's really easy... The only thing that you know is that the game is hard. Yeah. And then it's really easy to take those steps into the graveyard and be like, and, and keep running your face into that longer than you need to as yeah. a new player, because you're like, I know that it's hard, so I got to figure this out. And mm-hmm. I think there's, I think they did it right. And I think it's like very confident of them to be like, people will figure it out and it'll be okay. Yeah. And that's, you know, I keep saying, but I think there's definitely a danger for a new player to be like, but it's supposed to be hard. I was like, it's it's not supposed to be vicious. Mm-hmm. I yeah. slammed my head against yeah. the catacombs for as long as it continued to feel rewarding, and then the second I stopped feeling like I was making continuous progress, it came to my brain, oh, I can just turn around and come back here later. And which is so another very spent, not normal thought. In a yeah. Game. So I spent three hours in the catacombs. I think after the um, after the first bell, or maybe a little before it, um, and. I was continuing to kind of make progress into this area and figure things out, and it was way harder than it needed to be, mm-hmm. but I still was able to get through it okay, and I still felt like I was get rewarding, and I still was getting souls, 
So it was – when I let, when I decided, okay, I'll turn around and come back later, I didn't feel like I'd wasted my time. And when I came back to it later on in the game, all that I'd learned was still useful. Mm-hmm. And it's also nice because you can be like, okay, I'm coming back for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I will remember this. You come back better <laughs> armed with equipment, with knowledge, you know, with the, like the stats if you need it. And it's just it feels better to come back to areas that were just like the bane of your existence the first time you were there. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about being so open as well is that it makes for interesting speedruns. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> if like, you've never seen a Dark Souls speedrun, I highly, highly recommend it. I remember Tajir did a video for the LPO where he goes straight to catacombs yeah. and kills uh, Pinwheel. the boss that – he kills Pinwheel within like 15 minutes and then goes oh. to talk to the blacksmith and upgrades the scythe to fire with the souls huh. from Pinwheel. So he's got like a super strong weapon like 10, 20 minutes into the game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> And and the thing about Dark Souls 2 that I really like is that not every encounter is is necessary. Like, you can just book it through that entire game if you want. You can Mm -hmm. run from everything. The thing about Dark Souls that that you really like, not the thing about Dark Souls 2 that you really like. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to just run past nearly everything in Dark Souls 2. (laughs) Uh. I, I kind of wish the AI was a little bit better about letting you run past it. Yeah, well, I, in, in Dark Souls One, they ch- the chases I felt were really fun because a lot of times I would feel like I'd gotten past away from the enemies, and then I'd get hit in the back, and it turns out that they'd follow me across half the level. Like they have the, crazy uh, leashes. The the um cool the big scary mini boss guy to the side in the un- first undeadberg area. <laughs> I, Ran into him and then ran far far away back across the level. Went down a ladder. Went down another ladder. I was like. Kind of catching my breath, and then there he was, right behind me. Um, And that's—I don't think those guys ever give up. No, I don't think they do. (laughs) I think once you piss them off, it's just like, yo, you brought it. Now don't just (laughs) sing it, bring it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I kind of dug that. I thought that was an interesting tension adding with some of the enemies just chasing you that long. And I like that they could were kind of smart about it. Like they could go down ladders and stuff like that, go through doors, all that jazz. Cool. Well, you mentioned the Undeadberg, which yeah, is usually <laughs> usually the first place that we want to stop off. Uh, the Undeadberg mm-hmm. and the Undead Parish. Uh, any thoughts on the Undeadberg and Undead Parish? I think, personally, that it's one of the better level designs in the game because yeah. it... it, it it's open enough for you to explore, but it's, it's, it's contained enough for you to have a good idea of where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the, the level of enemy that they're throwing at you at that point is teaching you really the basic stuff of, like, keep your shield up, roll away if you need to, attack after the at- enemy attacks, learn to strafe around your enemies because the enemies in Undead, uh, Undead Burg and Undead Parish are kind of slow, get you some mm-hmm. easy backstabs. It does a really good job of being that opening area where it, it's sort of, like, expanding on what the tutorial taught you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's it tons represents of stuff a... to find as well. Like, it, oh, it's, definitely. Oh, yeah. just enough. It's that you so can dense. Around. Like, I found some of the secret treasure chests and found that um, secret shopkeeper. Bought a key off him. Opened a door. Found another treasure chest. There's a crossbow <laughs> there. Now, someone told me to kill the shopkeeper so I could steal a sword. I told him <laughs> no because I wanted a big fancy sword and not a little wimpy katana thing. Whatever. <laughs> I um, will say that it is 
when you the the path from that bonfire to defeating Taurus Demon to crossing the bridge and kicking that ladder down. Oh, it feels so oh, good. Yeah. I it think that so good. might be the hardest bonfire in like I think that might be the hardest bonfire gap in the entire game. And if it's not that one, then I think it might be the next one where you're going from that bonfire all the way through until you either find the blacksmith or go back down to Firelink. Yeah. Because that's when your skills are at the weakest. Yeah, and, and, it feels, and they're so they're infinite. They're so far apart. It feels mm-hmm. so insurmountable. Like once you hit the parish and you start fighting like the tougher knights, and it's just like, oh god, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like they're they're attacking like three and four times in a row, and you're just like, can't, can't you walk around them? Isn't there a way around them to the other to the blacksmith path? Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is but which is the still, way I found. You still got to fight a few on the way there. Yeah, you got to yeah, go through true. a couple of balder knights. Yeah. Not to mention that big pig thing. <laughs> All right, here I'm going to go ahead and make a big statement about um, Dark Souls right now. I think that um, there are no areas where there aren't enough bonfires. I yeah. think they. I think there are some area. There are a number of areas where there are too many bonfires. And Dark Souls 2 sounds like every area has too many bonfires. <laughs> every area yep. has like three or four bonfires. Oh, that's Yeah, bullshit. but Dark Souls 2 also has – it also has too many enemies. Yeah, that Dark Souls 2 is like, good god, like why am I fighting like three or four enemies at once in a, in a, in a combat you know, system that really wasn't designed well for it? 2's mm. big weakness is actually countered by Dark Souls 1's huge strength, which is – Dark Souls 2 doesn't breathe. It's completely relentless. Yeah. It's just uh, packs of guys yeah. you have to fight for 60 hours. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Dark Souls 2 is just a combat slog mm-hmm. and nothing mm. else, especially like the back third of it, which is just like a hallway yeah. with a oh. of enemies. Oh. Oh. It's literally a hallway. Well, I mean, mm. every area, like the castle is super linear, the shrine of Amana is super linear. It's- Does anybody think there's a a place in Dark Souls that has that needs more bonfires or needs few like not at I all. Think, um, I think that there's the tri- the two terrible area. I think there's two really oh. bad areas late in the <laughs> game that are the only areas I don't like, and they're filled to the brim with um, boss fights and bonfires, and it's just tactless. And there's just a boss fight and a bonfire and a boss fight and a boss fire. In Dark oh, Souls no. one. Yeah, in I Dark know Souls, what you're talking about that's yeah. the, uh, the demon uh, ruins. Yeah, demon, demon ruins, ruins and Lost Isolith are very classless and tactlessly designed. Lost Isolith feels like they were in a hurry to get that. Yeah, thing done. they yeah. were. I don't think that's a rumor. I think straight up they were like, yeah. "We're out of money. We got to ship this." Yeah, and we'll yeah. cut the deal so to sell it I th- later. <laughs> so I think what what we were talking about with Undeadburg and Undead Parish, I think both of those represent kind, especially Undeadburg, kind of represents sort of the platonic ideal of how a Dark Souls level should progress. Just one bonfire, uh, a classy shortcut back to the bonfire mm-hmm. you find mm-hmm. later on, and one boss, um, and just a whole big dense level in between you and those different things, and it's filled yeah. with secrets and fighting and interesting little tidbits. Totally agree. Especially, I especially love that one bridge right outside the bonfire where you get pelted with fire bombs. Oh, that's so cool! Like, <laughs> you've got to make that mad dash yeah. into three guys. 
I love it's it. It's a great feeling. It's great. And it's right and it's actually right after the bonfire, so you get that room to kind of figure that out. Yeah, yeah. It's like that that like I remember like the first time I played the game, I, I was at that bonfire for quite a while. I learned mm-hmm. that area and I learned, you know, I got myself a method to get <laughs> back to where I needed to be. You know, mm-hmm. after quite a few attempts of making it, and it's just like it feels so cool to like run under the fire bombs, and then like you're in this room with three dudes, and it's just like you roll in this area and hold up your shield and yeah. do this. And it's you just get like that I jump from shit down. into shittier. Great, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then there, you get through it and you figure out that method. And then in, in uh, I think it's in the parish. Um, there's like this little balcony you've got to walk around and then like there's rats in this one room and there's like, yeah, and you a, get poisoned, yeah. you get poisoned and there's a rat on the bridge and you've got to take him out and then you've got to like get your way in and try not to get poisoned. It's just like and poison is no joke in Dark Souls. Not at all, especially at the earlier stage. Like you've got poison, which it's not too bad if you've got some hit points behind you, but mm-hmm. if you, and then you have toxic and then you go toxic <laughs> and then toxic which is just straight up mean i love that there is a a black knight in undenburg oh god yes. it's so good yes i, I love it every- because you're, you're exploring you're like i found a shopkeeper i found this i found that i'm gonna go down this alcove oh, there's like dude down here i can probably fight him and he's like no you can't it's like no <laughs> you're not ready for this <laughs> you're not ready for me come back when you come back when your balls have dropped son that was actually and that's what's crazy is when you play dark souls a lot you still you're never done getting better because i started i knew we were doing this podcast so i went and i played a few hours of dark souls one last week just to like get back into the world a little mm-hmm. bit and i started a totally new file and Killing that dude was hard as hell. It and really I'm is. good at Dark Souls now. And it still w- was a huge sense of accomplishment to be able to circle around him and, and make it. But it took like 12 backstabs. I mean, it was hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even when you parry him, it is a pain. Like he's just got a, a, a wealth of hit points to soak up your early level damage. And mm-hmm. But like it's really smart for them to have an enemy like that there at the beginning because it's both a test of skill and it's also a way of saying, maybe you don't want to go here yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also you can dash by him, grab the ring, and then just die. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that uh, to, to gain Rhett's favorite sword uh, at the very, like, right, if, right yeah. after you park your ass in Firelink Shrine. If you want to go down, just <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> uh, That's what I was saying. You that dash to the go. graveyard is so fun where you're like, I'm going to get some binoculars, and I'm going to get a shield. And I'm gonna get a Zweehander. Ah! <laughs> I tell I tell you though, it's it's like like if you're a first timer, don't 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 fart around with that. I don't think you know it is frustrating to keep going in there and dying if you don't know the way. You're not gonna know where the items are Just in that get area. Just sword and upgrade it to ten. There you go. That's what <laughs> I did. Just do that. That's <laughs> I how had I to play more up until I got this the the Honda. And I enjoyed the claymore. Oh, you know what? I, I wanted to go for the I wanted to go for the biggest sword I could get at any given point of the game. So that's what I got first, and that's what I got second. And I, I did, worked pretty well. I think basically, I used- basically, and every time I played one of the tried one of the Souls games, my goal has been like, okay, um, I want to be like guts from Berserk. How can I get to this stage as quickly as I can? And then I asked Reed, "What is the biggest sword I can get right now?" <laughs> claymore is a one-handed strength sword, right? No, it's a two-hander. It's a great sword. Oh. No, nah, it's almost as big as the Zvehander. Because I think I used the Claymore through the whole. Yeah, Claymore's good. Claymore is better. Claymore's great. 
I had Claymore. The, uh, I had yeah. the I had the Claymore and I think the Halberd through most of my first playthrough. Mm-hmm. The Halberd is pretty awesome. Yeah. I really like that scythe. I might check that out some more on another playthrough. Mm. Scythe's cool, it's big. That would be my one of the few complaints I have about Dark Souls is that there are some very cool items that don't really pay off all that much. Mostly like we- all of the boss weapons. Weapon yeah, like I did the uh and I know we haven't got to this point yet, but I spent untold hours trying to get uh, Calamite's tail. Oh my god! And you oh, get it, and she, you're like, well, like "Tell us about this." this. Like, I remember shit. this stream specifically. Oh, it was a marathon. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. But we did it. Yep, we did, <laughs> and it wasn't worth it. <laughs> the reason it took so long is that I was determined to do it alone. Because if you summon someone, yeah, it's way you can easier. easily get them to distract while you play tail duty. But you did it by yourself. I did it alone, and it's really hard. I would, mm. no, I would probably not do it again. Oh but. God! <laughs> it's like so we're trying. Where, to- yeah, we're in undead. We're in the parish. We're in the parish, uh, which is where we meet uh, some of our first major bosses. We've talked a bit about the Taurus Demon. Uh, Can I just say, Taurus Demon almost got me to quit the game. Sure, I, I love that there's dudes in a tower there too. You walk across, yes, and it's so there's mean. crossbow guys there. It's so mean. The first time you're there, you like you start running across the bridge. Oh, and then... can I talk about how I fought the Taurus Demon? Sure. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I did. I um. I went up. I found the ladder and killed the guys and did the backstab thing and then hopped back up there. Oh no, no, I didn't do that. I was trying to line up the jumping onto his head thing and then he leapt up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I found out. Oh, so I can opt to play this on a circular arena where I have more mobility, but he can knock me off way easier versus on the straight bridge where I can't really get by him very easily. So I I jumped on his head. That when I finally beat him, I jumped on his head and then did the back and forth on the bridge so like i'm trying to keep space so he doesn't back me into the other tower <laughs> and it's so tense and it's like this great sword fight thing going on that moment when you've got to run back and roll through his legs oh oh it's that that was one of the most um you know like a really the really good fights in zelda 2 yeah those that was the most that that game that maybe was one of the most moments that felt the most like that in dark souls for me because going back and forth on that basically 2D bridge um, fighting this guy and it was really intense and really fun. Okay, Red. Souls is, yeah. is filled with moments where you've got you have to decide like, okay, I'm gonna die or I like I can take two swings at this and finish this mm-hmm. but if I don't hit him both times, I'm gonna die. The oh, answer, Yeah, the answer is always just go for the one and then pull back. The adrenaline you get when you're about to beat a boss is one of those things where you're gonna overestimate it and fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. I can't count how many times yep. I had a boss down to like one or two hits left. And it's just like, no, nah, I can do this. This ends now. Okay, well, there goes my face. In my little new file, teeny, he fell off the bridge. Little teeny tiny sliver on smog. Little teeny tiny sliver <laughs> left on smog. Oh. What are you saying? What? Oh, in my new file, he fell off the bridge. Really? Oh, wow. Like I, I was like, I did something and like I dodge rolled him and he like wet, like wiggled weird and he just fell off the bridge. Oh, weird. I, I was like, that was that. cool. Crazy. There's almost that. like, there's almost like a day of sexy, um, <laughs> day of sexy, um, <laughs> level of kind of depth with the way that you can approach that one encounter in like three or four different ways. And the fact that you can fall off the bridge or like Metal Gear Solid three. Um, where you've got where you can approach these encounters in like a dozen different ways. Yeah. They're all valid. 
Um, and I think the Taurus Demon is a really sharp example of that. It's one of the better boss fights for that level of where you can like the first couple times I tried to beat him without taking out the archers too. Wow. <laughs> I got okay. pretty close actually. Would advise that. I wonder, do the archers hit him? Hmm. No. Oh, that would have that, been, that been like really clever. That's too bad. Yeah, it's not that clever. On the other side. Yeah. So yeah. Rhett, uh Taurus so Demon my, almost <laughs> made you quit. So my first time I was I think the fans of this game do a disservice to it by doing the whole oh it's so hard and impossible yeah. motif. So I was almost like kind of going into it with a defeated mindset of it's going to be too hard for me. Mm-hmm. So Taurus Demon comes, I put my shield up, he knocks me off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so he kills me like three or four times. I'm just like being really stubborn and trying to like block his hits even though it's clearly not working. And then I'm talking to Polly and I'm raging about the game and she just goes, try a plunging attack. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh yeah, the asylum demon. I can do that again. And I, I also happened to go back and find the Zweihenda, and, tr- and I tried a plunging attack, and it did like half his life, and I won, and I was so excited. Oh, that's. I, I think, think you the, know um... people talk about asylum demon, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Taurus demon as the place where a very large chunk of players drop out of Dark Souls. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I. Uh... Asylum Demon is yeah. really forgiving, honestly, with how yeah. much damage it does. And there's a bonfire right there. Mm-hmm. Where Taurus Demon, you have to go through that whole level again. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think um, I'll make an addition to like my platonic ideal of the Dark Souls level, of the one, the one checkpoint, the clever shortcut, and the one boss fight, and then the super dense level. Mm-hmm. Um, one or two elements that are a little bit unfair in a clever way. Like the um, the Black Knight off to the side who just beats you to a pulp without you realizing what he is, mm-hmm. and then the Taurus Demon being having a bunch of different having the enemies that you um, attacking on the side. I think Dark Souls is really good about applying adding a couple extra moments that would not you would never show up in something like A Link to the Past um, right. or a later gen Zelda game. No, nothing Miyamoto y. A Miyam- later gen Miyamoto game would never let happen. Like getting past the asylum demon by just leaving through the door. I think the game is very good about tactfully handing out those handful of unfair moments, like the curse frogs in the depths or oh. the toxic or the toxic dark shooters in blight town. Oh. See every, there's one or two moments in every area that go, that have that. Oh, but uh, also, but the game has so much more flavor for those handful of unfair they're just a little moments. bit of pepper on the potato that, that yeah that, that exactly. make yeah. it pop a little bit they give it that spice yeah even like the firebomb throwers in the very by that bonfire mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they're memorable because they kill you and they're a pain in the ass yeah mm-hmm. i think you can make this argument to like quick man's level in mega man 2 <laughs> like that's not really like great design if like you're thinking of like this platonic idea of like what i keep saying that um (laughs) what perfect game design is like um but the game is still richer for having that there right like everyone really remembers quick man's level and learning it even though it just is kind of a memorized fest yeah um so i think the which one is quick man's the one with the the laser beams lasers like you, oh, gotta, yeah. you gotta keep going down, and then the lasers. Actually, up. I think I think a better example of that is in um, Heatman's, where the 
the boxes disappear that you're jumping across. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's the one box that jumps right up above, above you. So you can't, you have to jump before it spawns. Die. So you're almost certainly going to die the first time that happens. The yeah. only way you can do it is to memorize the pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And quick man's is like that too. But I always think of heat man's is like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And then still like, remember it. You could do it today. And then there's like later on in the game where you get to the um, crash bomb boss where it goes too far. There's way too much where it really is just kind of bullshit and it's just ladling all the bullshit. Um, and that's probably like kind of like the Lost Eyes of Mega Man yeah. 2. Um, so, so you can just by looking at these, one, these couple areas where they go too far with it, you can see how um, clever they are earlier mm-hmm. where they just know how much spice to add and then pull back before it actually becomes unpalatable. Right. So then we move on to our next boss in the parish, which would be um, the, 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 right? the yeah the gargoyles. <laughs> I was trying the to gargoyle. Think, I was the one to gargoyle jumps out. Yeah, the one. <laughs> yeah, the gargoyle fight where he jumps down and you fight him, and that's really cool. And then it's halfway, really good, it's really good uh, about not letting you get full of yourself. Yeah, because you, you finally beat that Taurus team, and you're like, "All right, I think I got this. I understand." Mm-hmm. And then the game's like, "Now here's two things." Also, well, no, I like the way fire. they start. I like the way they start that fight, though. It's just like you're fighting one. It's like, "Oh, this guy is not too bad." Mm-hmm. The asylum it has a, demon it even was- has a cutscene. It even has a cutscene introduction, doesn't it? Yeah, where the thing flies down, and yeah, you're completely prepared, more than prepared to deal with that one gargoyle. Yeah, it's like, "Oh, <laughs> this guy is not even attacking quite as much as the the Taurus demon was." These these belfry gargoyles and nothing. And then, like, halfway through the first one's life bar, a fucking another one swoops on in. It's like, oh, good. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> We're doesn't, so late. Doesn't, um, doesn't Dark Souls 2 have just, like, a ton of, oh, now there's two of them fights? Six. Every six. fight. Well, the gargoyle fight has six gargoyles. Yeah. But every. <laughs> three at a time. Almost every fight in Dark Souls 2 is like, hey, remember that guy? Now there's six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really so again. It almost doesn't even have to do with the um, whether or not it's hard. Whether or not Dark Souls Two is harder, it can still be have more spice than it needs. More of that kind of clever, slightly clever unfairness, but then it overloads on it. And so, even if the game's not harder, it can still overload on that. It's like, I like a bit of buffalo sauce. I like a little bit of buffalo I sauce every now. I really <laughs> like this metaphor we're coming up with. From uh, the asylum to the gargoyles, I think there is more creativity than in all of Dark Souls 2. Absolutely. Like, I, and I mean, I know a lot of people like Dark Souls, and Dark Souls 2 is not a bad game. I don't want to No, step not at it, all. Like, I think there is more variety and more to see in that chunk than all of Dark Souls 2. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, I know a bunch of people that really, that love Dark Souls 2. Um, all of them hate Dark Souls 1. They're wrong. So, you they're, yeah, that. they're wrong. You should just let I don't them know. know what conclusion to draw from that since I don't ha- I haven't played Dark Souls 2 um, the but- conclusion you should draw is they're fucking wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's Austin let's just say it, it. yeah yeah it's Austin it's Austin Austin, he, who who consistently has the worst opinions about <laughs> really games. really smart though <laughs> ever he has like cool podcast now you can listen to it it's critical oh, I would it's really cool yeah I want to listen to him and his terrible opinions <laughs> Yeah, he he's wrong. Literally, if you ever looked at his Twitter feed, it's literally every wrong opinion people could have about video games. He has it. Basically, every time I start talking about Dark Souls, um, his he would pop up. You're killing me, John. 
You're killing me. Just that. What? Just those words is kind of like the still mad about thing. Or you're killing me, John. I'd say Dark Souls one never has um, too few bonfires. You're killing me, John. <laughs> Blight Town is awesome. You're killing me, John. <laughs> I like the uh, funny. I like that you you kill the gargoyles, which is super hard. Mm-hmm. And then you go ring the bell, and there's a cutscene. It's like you rang, but the, all the cutscene shows you is that you rang the bell. Yeah. It doesn't give you any context at all. Like it's not you don't see like a door open. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, it's just like hey, well, you rang this bell. And then when you're leaving, you run right by an NPC that most people never talk to. Yeah, it's just he's positioned in such a way that he's just literally on your blind spot. Yeah, he's just like I missed him. Yeah, the wall and you just go right by him. And he's like, isn't he the only like character in the game that can cure that, that, that can get rid of, absolve you of your sin if you kill NPCs? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, the partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dark Souls is filled with um. It's mostly like basically optional um secret and obtuse moments i think that's another reason that it's got that kind of that it's had that appeal it has that simon's quest vibe to it except it's not just to progress through the game those are the, the things that require like simon's quest level of obtuseness are all to the side yeah and i like that kind of obtuseness i think that that is an interesting flavor that i enjoy um when it's when it's employed like that Absolutely. I think there's an interesting sense of, you know, in, in Dark Souls, there's kind of a moment where you ring the you ring the bell, right? The guy tells you, "Hey, you need to ring these bells," and you're like, "All right, depressed guy, I'll go do that." <laughs> I'm playing I'm playing a video game. I guess I got to do whatever the first person tells me to do. So, you go ring the bell, and you get the little cutscene. You see the bell ring, and then nothing happens. Like you're still there. And yeah, you've got to, yeah. I mean, unless I'm remembering this you're wrong. You're not given a moment to be lo- you have to, to like, like relish that victory. Back. Yeah, you've got to trudge your way all the way back. Yeah. Mm. It's not like the Little crow shows up and like today. flies you back to Firelink. No, it's just you, you've got to trudge your happy ass back, work for it, figure out where the mm-hmm. hell you're going next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every boss gives you a hum- homeward bone, which I thought was a nice, uh, gentle touch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, almost everyone I remember gave me a homeward yeah, bone. Yeah. I, don't I never, I, I never didn't, I never ran out of homeward bones. Another thing I like about ringing the first bell is that he tells you, like the crestfallen guy at the start, tells you that they're at the top of the world and the bottom of the world. Yeah. So you ring the first bell, but then you look up and you can kind of see Anne Orlando from there, and you're like, "I'm not at the top of the I'm world. I'm not at the top." <laughs> and then it's like, but you don't really get- know what to make of that information at that yeah. point. And you're like, am I going to get to go up there sometime? And the answer is totally yes. Oh. But we will oh. get to that. We will get to yeah. that. Um, so basically, like, I think where most people end up next, uh, and because it's listed this way on our outline, is uh, the, dark, <laughs> the Dark Root Garden and the Dark Root Basin. Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, people usually end up running through here uh, from uh, inc- your first encounter with the blacksmith, and you can keep going down. Uh, and you run like hell past that demon and statue in the bottom. Nah, you, you fight him. Like you gotta try to fight him. You fight the times. you fight the Titanite a demon that's down times, there, and then you die, and then you run past him. Nah, he's not that bad. It's another great moment though of putting an enemy that's kind of probably too strong for you right next to a bonfire. Yeah, it re- mm-hmm. it's really smart because even if you do fuck it up, you can just run right back down. It's not a big deal. I think Dark Creek Garden very is delicately part. balanced. Part I think that's one of my favorite areas. It's a really it's, cool area. 
It's a quiet moment. Yeah. Yep. The whole trudge down to the um, Darkru Basin is there's mm-hmm. no enemies. And then there's a bonfire and it except leads to a different area. Black knife. And then there's oh my no enemies except for that fucker with the halberd. There's one black knight <laughs> there. <laughs> and then I um, got past Havel and then it pooped me out in the um, pooped me out. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, got me out at the um, bottom of the Darkru Basin and I realized, oh, now I don't have to walk all the way down that thing every time if i want to fight this hydra thing mm-hmm. um which i ran away from the first time because it was looked murdery mm-hmm. and then i got to it and eventually every every area in dark souls i would mess with it a little bit and then if i i felt like it was too hard for me i'd pull back for now and then i keep coming back and revisiting poking a little bit further and then come back i did that with the catacombs i did that with the basin and it was so rewarding and I didn't fully map out the basin and the um, uh, and the garden until after An Orlando. Wow. Hmm. I think this part of the game here, when you've got it, starts to open up a bit. You've got like more paths that you can take. Yeah. Like I was so blown away by that. It was this like a revelation of like I don't know where to go next. I can go anywhere. I, like yeah. oh my god. <laughs> like oh. w- w- and poke at the just, world. Like, love that there's this giant hydra there and it's not even a boss character it's just this thing shooting water at you mm-hmm. like it doesn't have a health bar and you're just like am i am able I to do anything to do yeah or... is that just background is it an npc should i f- i hit it i think i hit it <laughs> and then you cut off its heads yeah which is always really cool ah! what is the story with what's the story with the door that hot, like the, the door in Darkroot uh, Garden, because uh, you've got to go down the path and you fight the tree guys. It's the uh, it's the needs the crest of Artorius, so it all ties into kind of Artorius's yeah yeah. And lineup. you find that when like the uh, the blacksmith has someone it sells it right 20, yeah the first blacks yeah the first so it's a huge amount it. of souls. So that's another thing I had in my brain that whole game. Like hmm, maybe I should drop the souls after the I got I got a bunch of souls from this boss. Maybe it's time to explore the garden further. And then mm-hmm. I'd find eventually, like I think after beating Sen's fortress, I backtracked and was like, "Let's poke into the garden a little bit." And then I got killed by a gerbil. And then I was after creating some NPCs, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I'll come back here later." And I just kept poking and poking and prodding at these different areas of the game. It was just so rewarding. I had this map that I kept. I kept redrawing this map to fill it, filling it out as I and leaving little dotted lines going off from areas that I knew had other paths off from them so i had all there's one point where i just had on like 10 areas filled in and then like a bunch of dotted lines going everywhere mm-hmm. uh, and just no everything was interconnected i found that connection with the connection I, one of the most mind-blowing connections i think is the valley of drakes and um and the uh darker basin that's really awesome yeah yeah that one's really good Step out, step out there your first time and just, like, get electrified in the face. It's always really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Felt good. Mm-hmm. Opening the door in Valley of Drakes and open, opening the door in New Londo and finding the Valley of Drakes. And like, oh, I remember that door! <laughs> when when you have two dotted lines, two, M, two possibilities, yeah. and then they link together. I think, I think the thrill of um, finding connection between two areas that you um, already knew about in Dark Souls is better than the thrill of beating a really tough boss. And I think I that's probably the best that. high I think it's really of cool. the game. Especially before you get the warping. Yeah, that's yeah I would totally agree so with that. Good. I think the garden's also interesting because 
first of all, it's way the the garden basin area is so much huger than you grasp the yeah, first time you're there. It's so because wide open. When you come back later and you realize that, oh, there's a ladder by this waterfall and I can go up here and there's like a whole other thing over here. And then also there's no – you go through to do the moonlight butterfly thing and that's like the A to B – I'm going through this place and I'm going to kill these mm-hmm. things. And Which itself is very – is completely optional. Mm-hmm. But then Sif is also there. Yes. And it's a completely separate direction and a totally different area that you've mm-hmm. got to wander around and find. And I mean I'm sure – we could probably talk all night about Sif. But oh, <laughs> it's just so good. very emblematic of what that game has to offer that. That zone is enormous. And it's connected to everything and it's completely open and there's a bunch of mm-hmm. optional crap in it. And I mean, you could spend 10 hours just there. Yeah, just farting around, looking at the place, like exploring all the paths and then mm-hmm. bumping in, bumping into some a very, <laughs> very, very mad doggy. Oh, I can't even take it, man. Oh, so do we talk about do we talk about the Sif fight? Since we're I, yeah, I mean, can, it's this is when it would occur early. Well, or after Andrew Londo. <laughs> can I tell Did my you? Sif story? Sure. Sure. So on my second character, I was playing like pure magic as a wizard carrier character, and you have limited number of spells, mm-hmm. so like you can't miss. You gotta be strong enough to take down a boss. Mm-hmm. So I'm fighting Sif. I'm low on spells. Low on spells. I've got one spell left. I hit it, and I'm out completely out of spells. Sif isn't dead yet, but he's low enough to the, when he goes into the limp stage. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> so, it's a- I'm out of spells. Sif is limping. I switch weapon to a dagger. Oh no! Ah, that's awful. I won the fight. Ah. It took a long time, though. That's the most like out over overtly like Shadow of the Colossus moment. I yeah. think Sif in that game. is just such. There's so much depth to that fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just from a narrative standpoint, from the way the fight mechanically plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this giant wolf with a fucking sword in his mouth that goes ballistic on you. It seems uh, so random at first. Yeah. Right. And, and and then, like, as he gets down to about a fourth of his health, he's, he starts visibly limping and isn't quite as able to attack you. And as you keep attacking him, he just gets weaker and weaker, and it gets sadder and sadder. Well, mm-hmm. he, Sif does not want to fight you. No, he doesn't. That's the the horrible thing about it is like he does not. This dog is saving is trying to to save your life. Yeah, by he's you. trying to stop you. It's just like it's not like I'm trying to kill you with murderous intent. I'm trying to make you go away because what to save you from the abyss. Yeah, and the and the alternate cutscene on that is too oh, much man. for me to handle. Oh god. What's yeah. the alternate so cutscene? I don't think John knows about this. If you okay. do the DLC before ever fighting Sif in the main game, oh. Sif will remember you when you go to fight him in yes. the main game. And he's even more like, I don't want to do this. He's sad. He's very reluctant. And it's just like, we shouldn't do this. Yeah, he act- recognizes you from the abyss. Mm-hmm. And then and I think the music might be different. Like, I mean, it is... Or it feels different, at least. I'm not it sure is that it is way more impactful. But it feels it, that fight is a heartbreaker. It really is. It really mm-hmm. is. And it's not actually that hard. Um, like I think this is a good discussion for like how 
the the difficulty gets hyped up for Dark Souls so much, but I feel like Dark Souls is hard because a bunch of other special things about it require it to be hard in a couple ways, mm-hmm. rather than it's everything else stemming from it's it has to be hard. I feel like the difficulty is an extension of other choices rather than the difficulty being the whole point. Right. Right. Which is the core flaw in Dark Souls yeah. 2. Yeah. The fact that the Sith fight is super memorable without being super hard kind of speaks to the fact that that game, how that game um, compels people in ways beyond just this is really hard because there's lots of games that are really hard. We can just load up an old, yeah. load up a Genesis emulator and have, and show a bunch of really hard games to people all day. But a lot, most of them aren't going to resonate in the same way as Dark Souls. So there's something more to it than that. Absolutely. Yeah. That said, if you go to Sif right away, he's pretty. Oh, it's it's a fucking yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a pushover of a fight at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did get the hardest fight in that game, but. So never mind. My my perspective might be a little warped there, but. Yeah, if you fight him late in the game, it's on the easier side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's still tough. I mean, there's no, there's not really any boss fight in Dark Souls that's, that's easy, except for maybe, what's the tree one? But that one's more annoying than anything else. But tree, I, I can't, tree, I can't tree, think tree. of one. I can't remember uh, the tree one. What's the, her name? The fire one. Um. Oh, God, that one. No, no better, don't, don't, let's not talk, fucking talk about that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not there yet. Where are we now? We're in, oh, the, we're in the garden. And we're, we're, about, to the depths, we're about to hit to the depths. Which is yeah. my least favorite area. Which I, is an area I love. I uh, hated yeah. the depths. I hated every moment. Oh, it's super, again, it's super deep. Oh, yeah, and how many, let's, let's keep this in mind. How many bonfires are there in the garden? Uh... I God, think it's, it's just that one at the start. It's just, there's it's just one. one. There's one at the bottom of the, um, the basin, too, right before the ba- entrance to um, the Valley of yeah. Drake's. Right, right. There's one in the basin, and then there's the one that you find up by the door. Yeah. Wait, there's one. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I was thinking of the one. Because um, there's a hidden the one by the, um, there. Hmm. I was so, actually thinking of the one by, um, by <laughs> the, the, by the blacksmith. Right. You're right. That's not even in the in the garden, is there? There's another one in the garden? <laughs> There's a hidden so, bonfire huh. in, um, behind a, an illusory wall. Yeah. yeah. I kind of love those because it's like um, they, they always put those in areas where they don't quite need another bonfire, but adding one, but it would be really nice, like in Sen's Fortress. Yeah. yeah. So they put one off to the side kind of hidden, like an, uh, or in um, uh, the catacombs. Yeah. There's one off to the side. If you pay attention, you can find it. Yeah, there's one in the Tomb of Giants as well. That's very helpful. Yeah. Really? Huh, I, mean, I thought there was only one <laughs> in the Tomb of Giants. Huh. Well, there you go. But, uh, yeah, the depths. Oh, it's a big... Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Can I tell my... Sorry. I know this is going to go super long. <laughs> We're going to be five hours. Go. So I remember seeing, by kind of spinning the camera around, seeing a bonfire near that 20,000 soul door mm-hmm. and, and thinking like, oh, if I open this door, there'll be a bonfire on the other side. But I never actually bought the key. <laughs> and then I went all the way, like, from the ladder through the gerbils, like, through the hunters. Because you can get to the other side without yeah. ever buying the key. Yeah. So I, really I, get cool. to the, I get to the other side of the door. There's no bonfire there. I'm like, what the fuck? So I, <laughs> I go back to the other side. I'm just like, there's definitely a bonfire there. And then I just randomly hit the wall, and it disappears. And I'm just like, motherfucker. And that was, like, that was my first illusory wall. I was blown away 
oh my god because then you realize there might be these in like every other area yeah how many of these have i passed yeah it's like yeah. the first time it's like the first time you play metroid and bomb a block and you bomb your way through a wall it's like oh whoa this mm-hmm. changes everything the rules have changed yeah. Yeah. yeah everything's changed now now the real dark souls can start or yeah. Zelda one where you can bomb 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 walls and burn bushes. Yeah. Or in Dragon Warrior where random uh, okay. tiles will yeah. have like I- import game important items. It it keep it's that same appeal. Yeah. yeah. Coming back to. Moving on to the depth. Uh, yes. Well, we, we, we didn't Capra talk demon? about we didn't talk about the Capra demon. But... Oh yeah. Lower oh on yeah. Death so let's dedicate a couple of minutes to the Capra demon who is. Let's not because fuck that guy. It, it it it's one of the bosses you'll fight in the parish. Um, no, it's and, in Lower Undeadburg. Or Lower Undeadburg. Yeah, that's he's, right. He's in the Berg. In the it's, Berg. Just, it's just kind of lazy. They took a pretty easy encounter in a in an interesting room layout, and then just added two extra enemies to it, and so it's harder than it needs to be without being in like in the clips. Yeah, particularly the, the clever Capra way. Demon is kind of the second big stopping block I've seen people get to. Yeah. I, could say I beat him in two tries. <clears throat> well, what cracks me about you? him is that he's – you go through all this like nightmare trying to beat this guy. Most people have a really hard time there. Mm-hmm. And then you get – then like 30 hours later, he's just a, a regular mob. There's it's like a dozens enemy of fight. those guys. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a big boss with a couple of cleavers and – it, it, his attack patterns aren't really all that bad. The only thing that's really hard about the fight is the fact that it's such a small room, and for some reason, they have two attack dogs in there. You've got to win that fight in the first five seconds. Yeah. yeah, you have to win it in like the first five or ten seconds, or you're just not going to win it. Or, yeah. well, you, just ha- you just have to beat the two right. wolves, right? The, and then you can do a leaping attack, which is all, always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, just beating, just not getting mobbed by the two wolves. Oh, um, another fun thing. How some of the bosses have cutscene intros and others don't. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's really, from a comedy standpoint, it is pretty funny going into his fog gate and then the dogs rush you down and then he just does like a leaping attack and you're dead and you're just like, what the heck <laughs> just well, happened? There, that, that just happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dark Souls can be like funny. <laughs> yeah. I think the funniest moment in the game for me was in Sense Fortress getting smushed by an elevator into a bunch of spikes. <laughs> Oh, I think God. I, at that point I just burst out laughing. That's such a good one. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So the depths. We're moving on. The depths is like sort of the the sewer level of the game, if you mm-hmm. will. It's it's. I think this area is super confusing. Like I get turned around in it yeah. all the time, and I don't know why because I've looked at the map, I've studied it a lot, but I still just like I, I get turned around. I, I get turned around so easily, and I keep losing track of like you know, like which area of the depths I am in actually. And like where, where, which way is, you know, the boss and, uh, which way is the sort of dead end. The only thing you definitely know is that you don't want to go all the way down. Right. That area with the curse frogs always spins me around. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good with the rest of it, but that one is just like, I don't know how to get out of here anymore. I I feel like I get turned around in the depths as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, I think and, there's there's only three areas in the whole game with um, curse enemies. How many people got cursed once in the depths <laughs> and then f- went through hell to fix it and then just panicked like and then carefully, painstakingly went through the depths and like fell down there and then panicked and ran for your life away from the frogs and had that, I thought that was really fun. I got cursed my first time there. Even. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. 
but I so did not get cursed through my first playthrough. Oh wow! I somehow Happy. managed to not have that happen. Yeah, I got cursed my first time. Except but... for, don't you get mandatory cursed by Seif? Uh, yeah. So no, except not, for that one. Not, you not get on killed the, um, by him. You get killed by Seif. You don't get um, cursed by him. At least it's oh, not mandatory. Then, no, I don't think so. I don't think I got cursed. Hmm. But um, yeah. Uh, I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, I, I got cursed, but. It wasn't such a big deal because I had been buying one of every item I saw anyway uh, mm-hmm. at a shop, so I did have a way to reverse the curse. That's, That's good. good. <laughs> I like deaths because it's kind of a gradual... They like The levels get bigger as you go. Yeah. They yeah. kind of ramp up in difficulty. And this one's like inherently a maze. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably one like... of the most confusing areas. I think you're right about that. It has always felt to me like the most video gamey part of Dark Souls. Yeah. Oh, that was definitely Demon Ruins for me. Like when yeah. it's just boss, boss, walk, boss, enemies, boss. Mm. I can see a bit of that in the depths as well. It felt maybe yeah, kind of like like it felt like a video game maze and less organic. Even though I know that it's supposed to be like a sewer system and stuff. Uh, it still had a feeling to me of just like video game, but maybe just sewers are just such a staple in video games that you can only really tie them to video games now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also has, I think, probably the lamest boss in the whole game, which is that rat. Oh, whoa, 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 Gaping dragon is freaking awesome. It's no, I said t- the rat. rat, rat, Oh, the rat. Oh. The rat is stupid. That's just like I don't that's know why that. That's. Just I a, mean, I'm not. I'm not super just, into gaping dragon either. But the rat, I think, is probably the worst. It's and just like it literally just is just mini boss, right? It literally is just a bigger version of the normal venomous rats you're fighting. <laughs> I yeah, always killed silly. that thing by like throwing stuff at it. From yeah, that's what I did <laughs> until my fifth character, and I was finally like, I'll fight that thing, and then I jumped down and I fought it. I'm like, yeah, that's shitty, anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's just not a good fight. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know really. I don't remember enough to feel any negative emotion about it. <laughs> While we're on the topic, though, the gaping dragon's pretty pretty lame. Like it's incredible design. Mike, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch you. It dick. took me like ten times to beat that boss. He's got one of the coolest designs of any boss. I that love he's that design so easy. much. Like, the fight's so cheesy. Cheesy. So, he's basically it's, helpless. It's Mega Manny. I think it's, is what it's, you're thinking it's of. It's sort of a. It, it reminds me of a PSO boss, really. It's there's like there's like two almost two tiers of bosses in Dark Souls. There's the ones like the Taurus Demon, um, and maybe the Gargoyles and Ornstein Smog that are like super dense, um, strategic, uh, sword fight, um, just encounters um, that kind of like Zelda Two, where there's a lot of depth into like where your positioning is, where you when to attack and when to pull back and everything. And then there are bosses that where they have like patterns, and you learn the patterns, and you learn when to attack. And they're often big and spectacle fights, um, and they're a lot easier. And Moonlight Butterfly, Gaping Dragon. Um, oh, there's probably more. What am I missing? But um, I, uh, I I really like those fights too. I feel like um, Sif probably. Mm-hmm. I think that those spectacle fights, those mem- those learn the couple patterns, learn their moves. I think there's a lot to be said for the value of those fights well, and I'm glad, glad that they're there to provide sort of a contrast to the other enemies. Yeah. Dark Souls 2, like, every boss was kind of the same. Dark Souls 1 has definitely way, way more variety in what you're yeah. fighting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, the, the and the design of that gaping dragon is just absolutely terrifying. Oh, it's so it's, so it's cool. cool. It's so gorgeous. It's like somebody split open a rib cage. And do you guys have the Design Works book? I because did. it's amazing. Red yeah, has it. Uh, I do not, unfortunately. I would recommend that you pick that thing up because it's. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think that kind of also ties into the um the uh, different the variety of the music soundtrack uh, mm-hmm. the boss soundtrack. Like um, Dark Souls One has a really big variety of different kinds of tunes. There's a lot of them that are the big bombastic, bombastic music, like basically all, all the stuff that feels like it's in the Ornstein smog theme mold. Yeah, and that fits. Taurus Demon has that as a piece like that. And then there's stuff like the Moonlight Butterflies theme, Sif's theme, very just very like. Coral, Eth- I guess. Eth- ethereal. 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 Um, ethereal. <laughs> very beautiful and gorgeous and understated. Mm-hmm. Vinyl boss theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think the game is much richer for that variety in the same way that it's richer for having those um, maybe more Mega Man boss fights in addition yeah. to dense Dark Souls box fights. Mm. Cool. Like that was that was Austin's thing. Was that Dark Souls Two is good for having all those big sword enemies, big sword fight bosses, big guy with sword boss fights because that's the only thing Dark Souls is really good at. Really, <laughs> like the only thing uh, Dark Souls, the only thing Dark Souls is good at is circle strafing around an enemy. That's it. <laughs> that's your definition of Dark Souls. Austin, get the fuck out of my podcast. <laughs> He's not in here. <laughs> He's not. But I'm just preemptively banning him. <laughs> Um, so we go on from the depths, which is a very video gamey kind of area. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a sewer, you know, you get your way through the sewer, you fight a really awesome boss, despite what Mike wants to say, because his opinion Mm -hmm. on the matter does not (laughs) matter. You get cursed probably once. I think it's worth, it's worth noting that any complaints I have about Dark Souls are very small. They have to be, it's gotta be relative to like, cause I really think. I think Dark Souls might be the best game of that generation. And mm-hmm. for me, oh, it's either th- that or maybe Mass Effect 2. But I think, and it, I mean, not to say that it's perfect, but I think Gaping Dragon is kind of lame. But in the context of Dark Souls, like it's still amazing. Yeah. Like we can go to town on some of the, on a couple of later areas and that I can tear <laughs> it. Yeah, we're um, going to get there. Yeah. yeah. But, but that, the, the clearness of Dark Souls' vision is so just pristine that I think it transcends any of its little minor, any of its indiv- execution faults. Absolutely. Yeah. That vision is just always clear. Absolutely. So uh, also as clear is that our, uh, like, the next area of the game. It's clear that a lot of people <laughs> absolutely hate this area of the game. Oh, I, however... Shit. I, however, think it is one of the best parts of the game. Yeah, uh, I think is, the only reason they don't... Um, it has a crappy frame rate on consoles, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it runs at like 15 if you're lucky on consoles. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that, that sucks. A part that's of a shame. That's a huge shame. And that's kind of on the developers, I guess. Yeah. But so it's, it's if you the, play it on the PC version, then... It's the, the infamously named, and appropriately named, really, Blight Town. Who's taking, a, vac- who's taking a vacation with me? <laughs> it's a great name, by the by. Blight Town. So good. It's so good. It's just... Mm-hmm. This is an area of the game where I think that it really is sort of just testing every skill that you've learned up to that point. Like, even before, <laughs> like, the game's, like... 
the game's real crescendo. Even though that, I think, is a much huger like implementation of all the skills you've learned. I think Blight Town, along with having its own little fixtures that make it unique, I think that it really tests everything by that point. Like you've got to be playing and your 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 Dark Souls engine has got to be running on all cylinders or this place is going to stomp you pretty hard. <clears throat> mm-hmm. For me um, it's also the place where you know, up until you get there you're like this game is amazing. I can go anywhere. There's so much to explore. And then you get to Blight Town, um, and you're like, I don't want to explore this. <laughs> <laughs> There's so yeah. I can go anywhere, but I would really rather not. This, that, this place is really, terrifying. That's really what makes the exploration work is that you can get to an area and be like, okay, not now. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's what halts it from being the systematic mechanical exploration of like a Castlevania where you're just kind of going through the motions filling in a maze. Mm-hmm. And it helps, it, it helps also – I don't even think we've mentioned this. Um, Dark Souls doesn't have a map. Yes. And think that that is so important. It is to such a better the game. exploration works, works as well as it does. It is such a better game for not having a map. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's no exploration and that there's no warping for the vast majority of it um, is what is, I think, the two of the lessons that people should take away from Dark Souls when they want to make a Metroidvania or whatever. Gonna have to bleep that yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I said it sarcastically, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, Blight Town. This is an area of the game that is. Like it's probably the darkest area of the game you've been to. Um, there's very little light. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of very evil hazards in the area, specifically uh, some enemies that love to pop out of the shadows and that you really can't see most of the time that inflict you with toxic, which is a faster moving poison and can kill you about four times faster than normal let's, poison. Let's just be real. It's a death sentence. I it think really at this is. point of the game, it's yeah, just, okay, it, if you get this status effect, you die. Unless you've stacked up a bunch of the... Um, greater poison healing mushrooms from the undead forest um, from the dark root forest then it's a death sentence the, the, thankfully you can, you can hunt those fuckers down once you kill them they stay gone because I think if they didn't that area would be completely unbearable what yeah. the blood art guys? yeah maybe they don't come maybe. back? they don't they come st- back no yeah they stay dead I, I, I feel like that was a little kind of a weird choice since all, every other enemy that doesn't come back is pretty like strictly like a mini boss type yeah. encounter they're usually unique it really um, felt to me like a balancing thing though I think that yeah, it they, felt like they made that concession um, because they realized it was too hard without making it even though it's not the most organic choice yeah yeah they would have had to either completely nerf the toxic because mm-hmm. it's a death sentence, yeah. especially if you don't have the fl- either like ten Estus to chug or or the blow. Or the, well, even like it's gonna run you out of Estus quicker than you can. Like by the time you chug an Estus, you're probably gonna have lost half of what that Estus already gave you <laughs> yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think making the toxic dark guys stay dead is like an example of the game choosing um, functionality over like purity yeah. of design. And that, it it squicks me out. It makes me feel kind of bad. It makes me like, oh, um, but I'm okay with it. I think it's probably the right choice, ultimately, even if it's not the most elegant one. And boy, oh boy, getting invaded in Blight Town isn't that uh, the best? <laughs> I don't think I, that happened to me actually. You got yeah. invaded in Blight Town once, Mike. I remember Did because I? I remember the first thing that like I remember a quote that you said that I quoted on Twitter afterward was like. 
like what kind of heartless dick invades in blight town <laughs> that, sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like me yeah that was you i remember so that, that. Was first, that, that was actually the first time i won an invasion um i got invaded once and and undead bergen died and then every invasion after that i won and the first one i won was in blight town in the swamp and i felt really good my first right. major invasion win was in the depths uh, there's cool. a spike bridge you've got to turn over uh, to cool. cross. Do you remember that? Uh, you mean catacombs? Oh, never mind. Okay, I get those two areas mixed up. I know. Never mind. <laughs> we'll hit that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, catacombs are like sewers, but for dead people instead of poop. Yeah. Well, basically, all I basically what I did was I coaxed a guy toward the bridge, and he either had the choice of waiting it out and just like disappearing from my world after a certain amount of time, or he had to come across the bridge to get me. So he came across the bridge. I flipped the switch and flipped his ass over into the abyss. <laughs> not the abyss. Not the abyss. abyss. No, no that's, not, that's not capitalized. That's, that's later. <laughs> um, so uh, other thoughts on Blight Town. I really like Blight Town because it's like from a narrative arc, it's your lowest moment. Yeah. Like it is yep. the area you don't want to be in. It's like guarded by these three huge guys at the very start of it that mm-hmm. will like. Oh, yeah. Bumble one hit you and then after you get by that there's these horrible like mole rat people and fucking toxic and the funniest thing about it is it's like the one area that has bonfires in the middle of it yeah just just out in the open there's one like on the rafters and then one in the swamp but the thing about those that is so evil is once you rested them you're stuck in blight town yeah Yeah. you're not getting out so it's like this point of no return where if your shit breaks, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's really scary. It is hard to get back out. <laughs> and it's so genius that they put it after depths, which is another pretty linear area. Mm-hmm. That it's a it stri- makes That's the it, cool thing, is that like the path down from Lower Undeadburg, Depths, um, Blight Town, Quaylog yeah. is just a straight shot. Into it's hell. Ca- <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the um it's very much like um wreck ship. Meridia, Lower Norfair, and Super Metroid. As I, that's just a good point yeah. of comparison for me because it's that things, same building. I really like Super Metroid. You keep and tying I can things to Super Metroid, it. and it just makes me love you even more. Then at the very bottom of Blight Town, you have that swamp, which is another one of those cool, um, like things that really sh- <laughs> isn't like classically good design. Like it's a it's a swamp. And to get to the area you need to go to, you have to walk into it, and it poisons you and does mandatory damage. <laughs> and you're just constantly poisoned in this area. I mean, there's almost no avoiding it. There are areas that you can stand and run to and roll to to, you know, like to, to stop the poison counter from going. Because you're not immediately poisoned in this mm-hmm. game. You're like you're not a, yeah. immediately hit with any status effect in this game. You, you get like yeah, there like there are a few gauges that pop up. It's like you know, this is how much poison damage you can take until you're poisoned. And mm-hmm. uh, took me a while to figure out that. But I and good lord, Blight Town! It's uh, the, the the swampy bottom low <laughs> diarrhea <laughs> diarrhea pot of that swamp. Yeah. Good lord! I love well, like how the they... first. There's like two. It's almost like there's two halves to Blight Town. There's the first half, which is yeah. like. From the first to, from the beginning to the first bonfire, and for the first bonfire to the second, mm-hmm. that's very much like the classical what the demon soul level, the dark soul level ideal, where it's just a dense little area with like the one cool beat of the um, 
toxic dark shooters that you have to dodge. And it's like really rickety. It's really hard to like get your bearings as to where you need to go or where you're going. Mm -hmm. It's a great little maze, but it kind of directs you in the direct way you need to go subtly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really like it for that. And then the second half, and then the second half is just this giant swamp that's just almost as big as like the um, the some areas of the forest. and just to get anywhere in it, you have to walk through the poison swamp. And then the bosses, the bosses in this giant white mountain in the middle and off to the side of it. And, and anybody let's have- not forget <laughs> that the Blighttown Swamp is also where there are two illusory walls in a row. Yeah, oh, yeah. To find a tree, that, like, <laughs> you go into a tree. And you hit a wall and there's a chest behind it. And you're like, cool, that was an invisible wall. And then I found a chest. But wait, there's another invisible there's another. wall in this room. And now I, there's a tree and now there's a lake. Like mm-hmm. that most, I think if you play through probably without any kind of guide and you don't talk to anyone, I'm going to find Ashley. I think you're probably not going to find it. Mm-hmm. You can see it from um, Tomb of the Giants, can't you? I think you're right. You can see it from somewhere. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, there's you can see it. There's definitely a clue that it's there. I mean, you mm-hmm. can see a giant ass tree when yeah. you're in the upper Blight Town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that the, the second, grand- oh, that yeah. second illusory wall behind the treasure chest, <laughs> you gotta like wiggle past it and then hit it. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of, kind of not insane. worth it. <laughs> yeah, like you have no. to fight all the way down this tree, and then you get down there, and there's just a dragon guy. That lets you into another covenant that isn't explained, just like every other covenant. <laughs> I didn't engage with the covenant stuff at all, yeah, for what not, it's worth. Not really worth well, it. Well, I had I had kind of a thematic journey where I um, met Solaire, joined his covenant, had him invade to help me um, fight the gargoyles, which is the only time I used an invasion, but it built up my relationship with Solaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually I met the dark, the dark evil snake. And he was pretty convincing. And then the next time I met Solaire, I realized, hmm, maybe maybe we're not exactly fighting for the same thing, actually. And then I joined the Dark Covenant with that guy. And then I met Solaire and Lost Isolith. And I just had this, like a split, it was like this friendship that splintered as our goal, as we realized that our goals had diverged. And he died and I took the other path. (laughs) It's really hard to take him all the way to the end. Yeah, yeah. You have to mm-hmm. be you have to like enter specific zones at specific times and there are moments where you're I almost did it. It's like I you kill it. someone, but if you keep going forward, you screw it up and yeah. then he'll get like you have to there's a moment in the game where you kill a boss, but you have to stop going forward and back up. Yeah. Or you'll trigger the next thing yeah. for Solaire. It's kind of tricky to, to get him all the way through. You have to like join the Spider Covenant. From Are we Quay talking about keeping him alive? All yeah. the way to the end, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's bonkers. Like, I, for me, the na- very natural concluding point is when he bites it and lost eyes lift. Like, getting to that point is a very natural progression that I think most players will find um, on their own. And I think that's fine. I think the, that you can save him is a cool, nifty side thing. Yeah, you have to do the Chaos Servant side thing yeah. to save him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the one covenant that actually affects like a okay, single player game. Thing. <laughs> Everything else is really just PvP related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, like I said, the, the sense of joining um, K- 
Catalan's uh, covenant <laughs> in, and abandoning Solaire's covenant felt like it. Yeah. Mattered mm. to my character's journey. The game's really good at giving you those very intimate sort of... Because for me, the big... The thing that I think that I followed really closely was the um, the Siegmeier quest. Oh, man. That was and when really I ran good. into him later and had him die, I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, the first thing I'm going to do is figure out how to not do that next time through. Because mm-hmm. I want to like, take this guy through. Trying to hit a slug. <laughs> His, yeah, his his story That's so Dark Souls. His story is so sad. <laughs> it's just like every time you encounter him and you like you help him out, but in the end you're just making his situation worse. Yeah. Because he loses more and more faith uh in his in himself and becomes you know, more and more full of despair the more things you do to help him mm-hmm. that he eventually hollows and it's just that is the saddest damn thing that's the cruel mm-hmm. twist of it is if you really like him letting him die with honor is yeah. like the best thing yeah. you can do for him if you actually save him it gets so much worse yeah mm. and there are so many cool little stories like that in this game like like so many of the side quests are, are worth, like, trying to go through, whereas in Dark Souls 2, I thought they were just... Like, like Luca Teal was the only character I really liked. Mm-hmm. But even I, was the I priestess tweeted- lady who I saved. I felt pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. In the tomb. Mm-hmm. I tweeted this at you after I finished, and I, I can't... I honestly can't remember a single character from yeah, Dark Souls 2. Yeah, um... Luca Teal was, like, the masked swordsman lady. Yeah, uh, I, when you told me that, I went back through and I looked at her story, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, okay, that would have been pretty cool." But yeah, like, it, I did a, not. It's I didn't track as, anyone. I don't think it is a hard as balls story to go to like to keep going though, because like you have to take her into like every boss fight, and she can't die. Mm-hmm. Oh, she, she's like a fucking tank though. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it, it, she does. It, she is not good on so many of those bosses. Like the smelter demon will fuck her up smelter demon the only storyline in dark souls 2 that i liked was the two guys trying to kill each other oh um this like pate yeah pate, pate. yeah because yeah. it's kind of a twist on like the murderous npc and then the patches type character yeah yeah and then whichever oh one yeah know. patches man dark souls is so good <laughs> patches yeah. patches such a good old trusty patches yep if you're a new dark souls player uh just remember that Whatever Patches says is the absolute <laughs> truth. And um, if you missed, don't, if missed, you want him to be cool with you, definitely just be like, "Yo, dog, I'm a cleric." Yeah, he loves clerics. He loves healers because yeah. he's huge on clerics. I just wa- I missed Patches on my first playthrough, <laughs> so I went through the tomb without the lamp. Oh God, you are insane! <laughs> it took me like twenty minutes. <laughs> I, do- I don't great. know how he did that. I don't know. Like- I think I I think I fell down and by chance landed on a lower path and then skipped a big chunk of the level or yeah, something. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of speedrunning tricks you can do I think I'm there. triggered one of them by accident. Yeah. Wait, we're way ahead of ourselves. I we know. are. We are. So um, in, the center of, in the center of the Blighttown Swamp, there's a big scary mountain. Mm-hmm. And you go to and you... <laughs> this is... Um, uh, we, we, enter, we enter uh, Quaylog's domain. Uh, Quaylog is a big naked spider lady. Uh-huh. Um, and John is in love with her. I can see that. I can see that. I'd take her to the movies. Yeah, yeah. Why not? You might have or to buy a few extra, by her. Might have to buy a few extra mm-hmm. tickets. 
I mean, in my experience, the the threat of murder is usually makes a relationship slightly more fun. Yeah, it it just keeps things more exciting. Got to stay on your toes. Exactly. Or mm. all eight legs. Why not? Uh, and Quaylog is she is the second bell uh, guardian um, amazing chest ahead amazing chest ahead is I found I was looking through old t- Dark Souls old old tweets to see if I what I said about Dark Souls and I found one that just apropos of nothing was like spider ladies and snake ladies are way better than mermaids <laughs> it had nothing to do with Dark Souls I had just tweeted that at some point <laughs> apropos of nothing and then I told you Dark Souls had a spider lady. Oh, yeah, that's what, why. As I, far I, as I, spider I, ladies go, she's a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like her fight. I think it's got a, a lot. I think it's a good combination of both using uh, the skill, mm-hmm. like the bosses that require skill, and she's also got definite patterns. Um, yeah. And, and like how I she think can that's like. Where, that's where Sif kind of fits in, or um, the Kimari, Calamari, Calamite. Calamite. Calamari. That's one of those. Man, Calamite Damacy. Vicious. Calamite Damacy. Calamite don't Calamite don't fucking play. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah. Um Quaylog is a really, really good boss fight that, you know, she is a good check of, you know, if you're good at your pattern uh recognition and you know how good you are at uh blocking and dodging and all those fun things. It's overall pretty damn fulfilling boss fight. You go She also has my favorite summon. Which is the girl who's just like in, <laughs> in her underwear? Yeah, um, Manny What's her Mildred. Name? Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. a great name. <laughs> yeah, she just and and her like her, Manny her Mildred's AI is kind of really dumb. It'll she just, has a bag on her head. She has a bag on her head and is wearing essentially like a, a bikini made out of sandpaper. Yeah, uh, and she's just kind of like she runs around and just whoops the shit out of Quaylog. It's awesome. And, and like she just stands in the fire, doesn't care. It's just like what a, you could stand back and like watch those two go, and by the time Mildred drops, I would say Quaylog would have lost probably three fourths of her health. Best Jesus. summon, <laughs> best summon, best summon in the whole game. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. There, there's a summon later though that's even crazier that can literally just like there's no way the summon can lose to the boss. Mm-hmm. The Which summons one? are really nice. Are a really nice addition. I think I didn't use them at all aside from the um, gargoyles mm-hmm. since I had all that early game momentum kind of, and I was like. Okay, I think I can probably beat these guys, but it'll take me a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I just summoned and got through that. But then every, for the rest of the game, I didn't use them and had a great time. Yeah. Um, but then for all the people who have much harder time with Dark Souls, I think they're a really, really nice class. Yeah, and addition. you've got to have humanity in order to use them. So mm-hmm. it's that's not true as well. So it's not like you know this is a, an automatic get out of jail for free card because you've got to expend a resource in order to get the summon, and just having the summon still isn't a guarantee of victory. Mm-hmm. And that resource is the only um, actually permanent um, way that you are punished for failure in Dark Souls. Aside, yeah, like you, you drop souls, but you can get them back. The huma- losing your humanity is an actual penalty for yeah. failure. Yeah. Yeah, when I did my second playthrough, um, one of the things that I did was drop a soapstone. Like, I would kill a boss, and then I would drop a soapstone outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't go ahead until I had helped somebody else do that boss. Or And then when I did Dark Souls 2, if I went through a really hard thing, I would drop a soapstone. Yeah, just, just, I would just hang out there for a couple hours because it was, it was so much rougher. 
Yeah, I um, summoned way more in Dark Souls too. In, in Dark Souls too, like I, I found one of the best places, like early on, to just grind souls is the um, uh, the fake Ornstein fight. Yeah, that's a good one. It's real easy to just drop a stone there and like ten thousand in a matter of a couple a couple minutes. Just boom, 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 you're done. <laughs> So what happens after Qu- I saw I Quailag. saw a YouTube fight of that and it was really sad. Just like oh, uh, what happens after Quaylag? You uh, go down to the elevator mm-hmm. and you ring the bell, but you don't take the elevator yet. No, right? You go back up on the ele- the thing the dog makes go the uh, lift. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> that lift in Blighttown is like is uh, you know it's it's a big wooden frame, you know, and it's got oh. the, the wheel that turns in the middle of it. The big pulley system kind of deal. Yeah, and if you look in the wheel, there's a dog running. Yeah. In the really? Yeah. It's oh, running out like a dog. Oh, You never dog. noticed the dog? No. I didn't see that either. Yes, it's I really cool. I did that lift that I did. Um, that lift Cap- is tricky. Oh, God. The Capra Demon and the Four Kings combined. Good and, lord. And Koilug. How many times did I backstep off of that lift? <laughs> Yeah, what? that that probably could have used a little more fine tuning, but oh yeah, great moment in the game. At the end of the at the end of the gargoyles, you look up and see an Orlando. Maybe at the end of um, oh yeah, uh, at the end of the Quaylock fight, you look out and see what looks like a pretty red city, and you go down the stairs and you walk out and there's a whole other area. Yeah, demon and, ruins. But, but demon just ruins. saw the big cutscene that showed the big gate from earlier in the game getting opened up. So you have a new goal now. Yeah. yeah. The demon ruins like is separate from that goal. So the game kind of dra- gently leads you away from the demon ruins at that point in the game. Yeah. But just um, knowing that it's there opens up that game so much more. Yeah. So when you like when you find your first blacksmith, there's another area you can easily go looking toward. Um Th- that'll take you to a closed off area. Uh, Siegmeier will be hanging out there, kind of bummed out. He's <laughs> like, I don't know how to open it, and, and that 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 gate doesn't that game does that gate doesn't open until you've rang the second bell after defeating Quaylog, and that takes us to uh, another one of the my favorite areas of the game. Oh, Sen's Fortress. That gate has a definite like barrier to end game type stuff vibe, where yeah. it's like I'm gonna go through here later. Mm-hmm. Cool. I remember Sin's Fortress is great. Oh, looking at a gu- I remember looking at a guide for Dark Souls and it called the Two Bells quest like an early game thing. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> this is early game. How long is this game? It just took me 20 hours to ring two bells. Mm-hmm. I- I'm at the end now, right? This is the end. Mm-hmm. Basically, basically, um, I think all the pacing. The Sin's Fortress and Orlando both come right after each other, and they're one linear streak. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, the pacing from the beginning of the game all the way through Anor Londo is essentially perfect. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like that is there. And again, there's nothing, none of the dead, no dead ends really. Um, it's just that straight, really cool pattern where you loop around through Undead Burg and Undead Parish and then back to Firelink Shrine. And then you um, find that path in the Undead Burg and go down to the depths, Blight Town, Quaylog. And then back to the Firelink Shrine. You go back to the Firelink Shrine and see the Firekeeper dead. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no. A, or you mean the Firekeeper that John killed. I don't, uh, I don't buy that she was just find, dead. When you, you find her dead. I don't, you, buy that you were, I don't buy that she was dead when you got there, mm-hmm. John. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's and, no witness. No. <laughs> and um, 
and you go through, you go, um, you see a little bit of New Londo, and that's creepy. You see a little bit of Valley of Drakes, and that's creepy. You see oh, a little bit of Catacombs and um, Tomb of the Giants, and those are creepy. You see a little bit of Demon Ruins, and that's creepy. There's so much still that's left to explore, but you still have all this momentum. You know, so you're right. The world feels open, but you ha- still have this momentum built leading up to Anor Londo and Sense Fortress. I never thought about that before, but by the so getting to Anor Londo is where the game kind of shifts into what I would consider the second half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the time you hit that point, you have seen like through a window, basically all of the places that you're going to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've peaked with the exception of having to go back to Anne Orlando for, um, whatever that thing is that opens up later. The the Duke's archive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With With the exception of that, You've pretty much seen everywhere you're gonna go. Yeah, the Duke's Archives is the one, but it's all the Duke's Archives is also the the only yellow door that you're probably going to run into on a normal playthrough. Like most players aren't going to dig deep into Demon's Ruins or Tomb of the Unknown Giants, right? Um, so that yellow door is kind of like a clear presence of like it's another one of those. It's like the gate where it's like, okay, I know I need to come back to this later. It's worth noting that if if you're gonna go to the Painted World. <laughs> now is the time to go get that doll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't done yes. it yet, you need to do it now. Do you want to talk about the pain? No, we can't talk about Painted World until after Sense we've Fortress. Got, we've got to get through Sense Fortress We're first. cruising into Sense Fortress, but, <laughs> Sense Fortress, but, Fortress, but before so you go, yeah. <laughs> you need to swing back by the asylum and grab that yeah. doll. Mm-hmm. I just want to say I love how when you – there's that moment of victory or kind of – how do I put it? Like when you ride that elevator up from New Longo Ruins – back to the Firelink Shrine. If you don't know oh. that connection, it was there already. Getting back there so quickly is like a huge relief. Mm-hmm. And then the Firekeeper is dead. And, it's and like, you're just like, oh, fuck, I can't even rest at this bonfire anymore. Your, <laughs> sa- your, sa- your safe space has been taken away. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. such a vulnerable moment. Silent Hill 4 does something similar. We're like, we're halfway through the game. You've had this nice bed, your bedroom, where you can always come back and heal up, and then it starts getting invaded by the ghosts in the rest of the game. It's a really interesting reversal, I think, and it works really well in Dark Souls. Like Plus there's that, that can, scary... Games that can take away your safety nets in a safe manner that doesn't make the game completely unplayable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I that that bonfire goes out. Yeah. Yeah. And the um, scary snake guy is introduced at that point. Mm-hmm. But he talks like a normal, old, wise old man. And he tells you you're the chosen one and all that. So he's saying all these nice things. But he's a scary, like, he calls himself <laughs> the primordial serpent. Mm-hmm. Which calls to mind, like, well, primordial ser- serpent vibes. Primordial serpent is just another salutation. It's just like Mr. or Mrs. in Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty traditional. So it's calling to mind, like, all that scary biblical imagery... So you're like, I don't trust this scary snake thing. Um, so it's it's just a very non-plus moment to have, like, because in any other game, I think a character like that would talk like, hello, I am the primordial serpent, and I have an <laughs> offer for you, chosen undead. And instead he's, hello, I am door-to-door. He might as well be Peter Molyneux. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Would well, you like to lies, stick my I think balls? he lies a little bit less than that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. But he sounds like a, he, if he sounds like he could be like 
the Morgan Freeman character, the guy who's guiding you along on the, onto the proper path. Right. Just, just like Winnebier later. Like, oh, finally, someone's going to tell me where to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> except that, except there's that non-plusness to it. I think I think that's the whole. That's part of the big mo of um, Dark Souls One is taking that chosen one narrative, chosen hero narrative, and then just kind of flipping it on its head in a number of key ways. And the ser- the serpents are a big part of that. I think. Yeah, I totally fell for his shtick. Yep. And then when I beat the game, I was just like, "Wait, what the fuck?" Wait a minute! <laughs> I didn't even know there was a second one the first time through. I'm like, missed no, that entirely. Exactly. It's hard to get. Find a, a yeah. pair, I looked it up the requirements, and it's hard to find on your own on accident. Um, and I then just John didn't happen on accident. <laughs> I didn't. I just happened to get to the second one before talking to the serpent again, and I walked by it like five times without talking to it. So I never, like, I never um, opened up the. Uh, before getting to the abyss, I never opened up, put place the bowl, right? The Lord he, Vessel. He, he, mm-hmm. beat, he beat Anne Orlando and carried the Lord Vessel with him for like five hours. That's just <laughs> and then, crazy. And then, and then happened to beat New Londo Ruins first, and Koth showed up. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> who does that? John. That's does. just. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's such an off the beaten path thing. Cause, you know, like, first thing you do when you get it is like, oh, hey, I got that thing. I'm going to go let's give go it back to the- talk to the destined snake guy. Yeah, let's yeah. go talk to creepy Peter Molyneux snake guy. Huh. Oh, my God. So, yeah, Sen's Fortress. Sen's Fortress. How, long did, how long did Sen's Fortress take, y'all? Ah, uh, a couple hours. It took me a yeah. while. It's, 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 it's the first a part of the game where it's like, it's basically focused more on traps than it is. Uh, a more combat-oriented experience, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the tra- traps are really smart in how they're taught to you and placed in that oh, zone. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because, mm-hmm. again, they're unfair, but they're unfair in a clever way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like them for that. And also, learning, being able to trigger the traps on the two snakes at the opening. That's so fun. It's so great. fun. It's so great. And it's rewarding every time because you're pissed enough that you have to trudge your way all the way back to where you were. But it's like, motherfuckers, just step on the switch. Y'all are dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've had one. I, like, I ended up clipping one of them once. And like the first two arrows hit him and the third one got me. So that <laughs> oh. was fun. That was fun. I had that happen. <laughs> um, I think I said something on on Twitter that like Sen's Fortress is better than any is like the best 3D Zelda dun- is better than any 3D Zelda dungeon. Um, I kind of like I like that. Yeah. Cuz it feels the most like a self-contained unit sounds, than almost any bold. other area. Sounds bold. John but, is John is like, prone to making bold statements. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he it's thinks a, the saga games are good. So he's he's he's, he's good at bold. <laughs> it's I, a really good Dark Souls is kind of like this it's like a combination of big spaces and small spaces Mm -hmm. and it's really smart about how it deploys them. Mm -hmm. And sense fortress is an example of like a really good small space. That's really intricate and overlapped on itself. Lots of shortcuts, right? The shortcut back down. There's the, the, the second bonfire isn't strictly necessary because they have that cage shortcut. Yeah. But also that cage shortcut is kind of hidden away. Mm-hmm. And so is a second bonfire. So most players will stumble onto at least one, I feel like. And people like me will find neither. <laughs> there's, also an, there's also an NPC in there that you can totally miss yeah. trapped yeah. in a cage. What, is that, that's Big Hat Logan, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I missed him. John is like, who? <laughs> Uh-oh. 
You don't need I, him. I remember him from the loading loading screen flavor text. Oh, big that Logan! I read about him. Time for Basically. a new time for another playthrough, John. <laughs> Basically, if you play a a mage character, you yeah, need that guy. You want him saved, <laughs> but otherwise, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, the boulder puzzle um, in there is really clever. Yes, I, mean, I like that. that. And that there's an actual explanation for where the boulders are coming from. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. It's a lot like the dog in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's was just really, really clever. I really enjoyed that moment coming out of Sin's Fortress. And then you see the giants putting the boulders in there. And that's you're like, really cool. <laughs> nice work, like, Dark Souls. Nice, they, they, nice. They, they gave purpose to everything. It's just like, you know, where any game could have just been like, it's falling boulders because fuck, it's a fucking video game. You know? <laughs> yeah. But then you've got like the giants throwing them down the chutes and it's like, oh, that is such a cool thing. Yeah, it's weird because Dark Souls does kind of, it wears its identity as a video game on its sleeve, but it does that by building a world where all of the video gamey stuff makes sense within that world. Mm-hmm. It's so like all the stuff with the bonfires and the hollowing and everything, it, it creates it's all super video gamey, but it's video gamey in a way that's internally consistent with the world that's presented. Yeah, it's contextualized in a very I don't know if I would use the word believable manner, but I, I, it's the only thing that seems appropriate because like I never felt like I was being talked to like I was playing a video game through that. It was just like I just kind of accepted hollowing uh, and humanity and things like that. These mechanical things as just a part of this world's nature. Yeah, the mm-hmm. way that the like I said, the way the mechanics are married to the narrative is just it's so top like, I think that Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons is the only other game I've played where mechanics <sighs> feel like they're tied so... to the narrative. That game is so mm-hmm. good. You can play. You can play like something like Eco. And it's this totally different approach where it's like, let's remove all the video gaminess. Mm -hmm. So they have combat that's just kind of mashing one button and is very simplistic. And they don't have any button prompts on the screen, so you don't know what, how to swing your rope. Right. Um, And but then Dark Souls embraces the, hey, this is an action game. Um, Let's create this world where all of that stuff that's necessary for an action game to function makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Just really cool. Mm-hmm. Sends fortress, and then you get to the top, and, and uh, this is where the other NPC I was talking about is. Uh, you can take—I I can't remember his name. I think it's like Targus or something. Oh yeah, you have to take all your clothes off and what? jump across the gap. Um, well, oh. there's an NPC uh, that the, the, the you can summon there. Uh, oh. Takes- oh, I met him. I met that guy that you jump across the, where I jumped across the gap. Yeah, he's like another vendor. That's a vendor. You're, mm-hmm. yeah, you're talking um, about a different. I'm guy. talking about a summon uh, for that fight. Um, that uh, I guess that they just tweaked the stats wrong or something. But he can literally go in and take on the Tower Knight by himself, just mm-hmm. like, and you you can just stand back and watch the fight happen, and it's over in like less than twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. Huh? Black Iron Tarkus. Yes, that's real. That's that's funny. Um, well, but where, no, where does that's, the see, iron... that's, that's what's so genius about it is I don't think that's an accident mm-hmm. because so Black Iron Tarkus, all these heroes that you encounter are you. Yes. And Black Iron Tarkus, you find his corpse in an Orlando. Yeah. And, and you loot the Black Iron armor off of him, mm-hmm. which means, uh, of course, he kills that, that night. I wore that armor. But you know what I'm saying? Like, of course yeah, he like kills you, that night because that he, he's the only person that makes it to Anne Orlando. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> There you go. Oh my god. Oh wow. Okay. The game, it could be a, it could be an accident, but the, like it I don't makes think perfect it is. Sense. I think that like well, even Demon Souls, um that game has elements where like when you were fighting certain types of enemies, you, like the kind of items that you'll find in the area just laying around makes sense because those are the type of people hanging out in that area. So it all seems like everything in just as it's, in, it's contextualized in Demon Souls, I think that you know we're absolutely right, and that it's contextualized in the same way in Dark Souls. Yeah, everything has a reason for being where it is. Yeah, there, there's just not a lot of things laying around for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taking it's taking that Team Eco aesthetic, but still embracing the video gaminess of it. And not presenting it in a way that is immediately recognizable as video gamey. Uh-huh. And um, so, so any other cool, fun, sends uh, Fortress stories before we move on? I think everyone here made it to the top and then fell off, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I definitely did that a couple times. Yeah, that jump Funny. you mentioned having to take off all your armor. Mm-hmm. I, I missed that. <laughs> Probably because I was playing offline in 60 FPS mode, which I guess messes with your jump distance. Yeah, it messes with your jump distance. So I missed that jump, and I said, I'm never trying that again, and I didn't on my that character. Oh, I definitely oh. got caught by, like, the last swinging... What are those things called? Uh, the pendulums. The pendulums. Oh. Those are so classic. Oh. I definitely got hit by, like, the last one. Oh. The last one's pattern is just off a bit to where you have to, like, what is it, like, make a run and roll? Or you won't make it? I know you've got to have almost a full stamina bar to clear that last set. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the bottom of Sen's Fortress with the tar and all the Titanite demons? That's craziness. I loved that. It was so scary uh, and so impossible. <laughs> it's impossible, and the only way you're going to have a chance is if you got the uh, the rusted ring um, If you went when you went back to uh, the asylum. Uh, at oh, the beginning yeah. of the game, because you can't walk around in tar and shit, unless or water, unless you have that ring. So that's two things you need from the asylum. Yep. So you know how you said in Blight Town, you don't want to explore because you just don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I've never like actually cleared out the bottom of some sources because I just don't care. It's it's it's, it's just a bunch. It's just a bunch of titanite. It's just a bunch of titanite and some humanity. It's not a lot, but you know, titanite. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes at a premium in that game. Mm-hmm. The Titanite demons always scared me. There was never a point where they stopped scaring me. They, the they, get, that, um, they get consistently harder. Yeah, uh, and they're the also that I got placed to, harder. That I, to the point that I ignored the shortcut in Lost Isolith because um, a, I was just done with that area, <laughs> and um, b, I was like, it was a scary red Titanite demon guarding it. So I missed um, Solaris side quest end until so I had to trudge back into Lost Isolith um, later on. Those things are never easy. I mean, like, you run into – every time you find one, it's hard. Yeah, they're always always balanced in a way that, like, even at your best, they're still going to be just doing a whopping amount of damage and their attack patterns are just really disorienting with how – The one in Anne Orlando is so Mm -hmm. hard. Yeah, because that room is, like, so small. Yeah. (laughs) Where is that one? I forget. He's just in a room in Anne Orlando. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like, the room's that. wide open. Oh. Like, you can snipe him if you want. It'll take mm-hmm. you a while, but you can. I never, I never beat any enemy that way in Dark Souls. I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can. It's obviously no problem there. Yeah. But I, yeah. I just went through the game without really doing that, and I felt pretty good, satisfied about that. 
I'm glad you didn't fall for the newbie trap of the Drake sword as well. Mm-hmm. I was going to yell at him if he went for that. Yeah. Oh, the Zayander, look at that thing. It's so big. <laughs> yeah, the Drake sword is like a newbie trap. Uh, it's a sword that you have to, like, kill the dragon on the bridge. You have to, like, you have to go under, like, the bottom part of the bridge and shoot, like, 200 arrows into its tail, and it'll, yeah. dro- and it'll drop the Drake sword. And, hey, it's a flat 200 damage, um, but it doesn't scale with any stat at all. And by the time you get, and by the time you get to Sen's fortress, this is where most people sort of get smacked in the face is that one, the Drake sword can't be upgraded Two, it it doesn't scale with stats. And by the time you get to Sen's fortress, you're doing like 15 to 20 damage to the lizard dudes. (laughs) Yeah. And if you've been piggybacking on the Drake sword the whole time, you're not as good at dark souls. No, as you, should be. you, you have not been learning how to appropriately, you know, attack an enemy, how to defend and how to, you know, yeah, you've if, not learned timing at all. If you get the Drake sword on your first playthrough, when you get to an Orlando, you are in trouble. You are done. You're done. Yeah. You're going to have a really rough time getting through that zone. I don't know how you'll get through it unless you just run from everything. And even then the bosses are going to eat you for breakfast. Now I want to try a Drake Sword run just to see how hard it gets. <laughs> Stream it. An Orlando. <laughs> An Orlando. You go from mm. the Mighty Sense Fortress into mm. the luxurious. One last thing. Yes. That was, um, Sense Fortress was when I made the realization. I feel like um, Majora's Masks dungeons maybe feel the most have the most Dark Soulsy vibe to me because they have that same. A lot of them have that same central puzzle. And yeah. there's all lonely and eerie and kind of hard mm-hmm. and lengthy. <laughs> and all the bosses are pretty action. And most of the bosses are pretty action oriented in that game as opposed to the just kind of like fill in the blank with the puzzle, fill in the puzzle three times in a row bosses of most Zeldas. Yeah. The, the games are yeah. kind of thematically similar as well. I mean, like Majora's Mask is about dying over and over yeah. again as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Majora's Mask is actually maybe smarter. That's a di- whole other discussion. We can maybe get to that when we get to the ending. <laughs> um, but yeah, Majora, it, it, that made me think of how, what I liked more about Majora's Mask dungeons than literally any other fucking 3D Zelda I've played. Yeah. Um, and then that made me think of Dark, and then that's that was reminding me of that when I was playing Dark Souls, and especially Sen's Fortress. Cool. So now cool. we're going to move into the luxurious confines of the wonderful... Beautiful, ever so easy to get through. And Orlando. <laughs> All right, who or wants to go like, first? Or you could be like me. You could go into An Orlando and then go, oh, that's pretty, and then turn around oh, because you God. want to go explore the catacombs and the garden. <gasps> and I make can't the demon believe demons. you left. And then you I left. went back about four, three or four hours later. And then just I deflated the moment entirely. Wow. I didn't even know you could go back my first time. I thought I don't was... even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so I have a question for John. Because he like live tweeted everything about Dark Souls while he was playing it, but he never mentioned one thing. That was which yeah. was the the mimics. The mimics. Oh well they when were did you when did you find your first mimic and why didn't you tweet about it? I think that was in Sen's Fortress. I think I knew they existed. Um, did it get you? Um, yeah, I got bitten into one once. Wah, wah, wah. Really, really funny. I um, love the mimics in that game. Yeah, I got got by one. Too. Yeah, now, I got, the only way to is the only way to dodge them just to hit every treasure chest. You can, Actually, or you can use a 
what's that thing called? Uh, Lloyd's Talisman. Yeah, Lloyd's Talisman puts him to sleep. Uh, but you can also like, like move the camera around, and you can see teeth. Oh, yeah, cool. they breathe. If you yeah. look closely at them, you can see the the lid swing. I figured there's some kind of aesthetic sign to it beyond just hitting them with the sword every time. Also, their teeth are fingers. Yes. Ah, what? what? Their teeth are human fingers. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, God. It's really creepy. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I think swear. the are great. Plus, they have a weird amount of H- a weirdly high amount of HP, especially early on. Oh, yeah, they're super strong. Yeah. <laughs> They were they're oh, usually well, they guarding. They, they're usually they, guarding good shit. They weren't. They weren't strong enough for me to think that for me to recognize them as that long. Mostly because I had this Vehander, so I was taking them out. Probably two, three, two yeah, hit. Probably hits. yeah. They dropped the best helm in the game too. Yes, I had probably oh, like the most the most um, effective balance type of build for going through Dark Souls with a melee run. Right, just big heavy armor, lots of strength, endurance, and vitality. And um, yeah. this Vayhander fully leveled up. Like, yeah, is there? You, you kind of break the game if you yeah. go full. If you go through the DLC, yeah. My first time through the game, like I used uh, like my end game weapon was just a Silver Knight short sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I went strength too. I went. I think I did Claymore start to finish pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the helmet that mimics drop <laughs> is really awesome because it's so just good. it's a mimic. It's you, just a mimic. You wear a mimic on your head. And That's it's adorable. Just, and its head just kind of chomps around. It's great. Mike, I is got the, that. Mike is the only goddamn piece of shit that I know that played <laughs> that game that ended up with every fucking piece of rare armor. For, that He got every single one. For, like, they dropped every single one for him. And I only ever got the fucking bull's helm. I have really good Dark Souls luck. Yeah, I also got, saw a Vagrant. Yeah, he saw a what? Vagrant. Oh, wow. I got a screenshot of it on Steam somewhere. Yeah, it's like what? Cool. Are you kidding me? Like he had cool. every single every single bit of good luck you could have in Dark Souls in terms of dropping items that are either cool or or just look cool. Mike found them. It was like, no, you were using cheat engine, you bastard. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love that I mimic hat. That mimic hat is so cool. It, it actually, it, I think it ups drop rates too, doesn't it? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Uh, anyway. And Orlando? And Orlando. He probably, paid, he probably paid for it with that Calamite tail thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was karma. Vicious. That was karma coming back to, to, to get some payment. Paid in blood. Yes. Uh, Rhett, any cool uh, Anne Orlando stories? Uh, this was the first time I actually had to look at a guide, because there's that area where you kill the gargoyle guy, mm-hmm. and then I just had no idea where to go. I got and super it- stumped. If I wasn't streaming that, I would never have found that. Yeah, yeah, it's. Wait, I got super the hard there. Oh, leaping! Oh, maybe no. I have to look that up. Leaping onto the banisters. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I, th- I might have figured that out on my own. Um, I knew to, how to I jump at that just, point. I think it's just the lighting uh, in that area because, like the, the it, I think that there's like a shadow over it from another tower or something, and it's mm. blocking off. Like, yeah, it's it's just not especially lit. By well. the way, Black Iron Tarkus broke that window. Yes. Yes. And fell to his death. And fell to his death, unfortunately. Aww. I do love how there's like a story behind every NPC placement, though. Yeah. That's it's so cool. really freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. I remember when uh, Mike figured that out on stream. And he was just like, he pooped his pants, literally. He had to go change his pants. <laughs> I was so mad about that. I was super pissed about that broken window. Because there's, it does not, it's hard to find, man. It, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's not obvious. 
for sure. I went up and down that elevator a hundred times, yeah. and going back and forth, and it is not. It's not. Well, it's just like video games kind of don't train you to do things like run up the wall like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You do that, and you think you're breaking the game. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to be on this part of the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm clipping through the geometry. <laughs> but speaking of very, very uh, small areas that you have to run across, um, there's oh, another Lord. wonderful little area <laughs> in Anorlando that is infamous, and it is mm-hmm. with... Uh, Just to be clear, there are, there are three bonfires in Anorlando, one pretty much right near the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, kind of out of the way one in, after that little hidden area you guys mentioned, and then one... Um, about five minutes before the boss in the main building after the area we're about to talk about. Yeah. Right. This area um, introduces, um, uh, I think they're dragon bow archers. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I love this. I don't know why people hate this thing so oh much. Oh, my it's God. Awesome. It's just, it, it drove well, me insane. Um, earlier, earlier, John was talking about those moments that give spice yeah. to the game. And this is the spiciest moment. This is the spiciest. <laughs> yeah, it's spicy. It's a, you have to run up this very narrow banister connecting a couple of buildings, I guess. And then you get to um, the ledge outside, and you're flanked <laughs> by both sides by two archers using dragon bows, which uh, <laughs> these fire ridiculously large arrows, probably about as tall as your character. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when they hit you, they knock you back considerably, and... Mm-hmm. Do quite a lot of damage. Do a lot of damage, but most of the time it's going they to just hit knock you to you, your death, and you're just going to fucking fall. And then, what you have to so you've got to run by the arrows. Yeah, but but then you're not done because then you have to fight one of those guys while the other one shoots arrows at you. Yes, it's so. Hard. It's like the best the best strategy is to get over to the one on the right, which is where you need to go, and then pray, and then uh, parry. Because <laughs> if you parry him, you, you he will get stunned. You can do the quick kill, uh, and you're immune to damage doing the quick kill, and then you can duck around the corner and you're out of it. But it is not easy to do because mm-hmm. you've still got to like by the time like once you get over to to the ledge that you're supposed to be on where you're being flanked by both of them you've got to roll through at least two arrows to get to that other guy and it's a good three or four minutes away from the bonfire yeah. last bonfire yeah you've still mm-hmm. got to do a lot of fighting to get back to this area and it just it drove me nuts like I don't have a mm-hmm. problem doing it now at all like on my level one playthrough it was just like whatever parried mm-hmm. you're done for what it's worth um i uh i spent i died probably 20 times or 25 times or whatever and maybe it just felt like that much against these things <laughs> then fresno told me just run to the run on the right imperium and that did it in one go <laughs> um huh. so no maybe i did it and then fell and then did it again <laughs> um yeah i think the first time i parried successfully i stepped forward and I was oh. really dumb because you fall right off. Oh, <laughs> so that so um, I think that's a weird area for that's a weird area for a couple reasons because that's where they introduce the archers. There's no time before that where you see the archers where you have to engage with the archers on like solid ground or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or engage one at a time, and it's a far away from a large thing, and it's one of the few areas that relies on like very small platforms. Mm-hmm. So. 
It's a lot of spice. <laughs> it's a gut check. It's a gut check and a half. Like mm-hmm. you've just got you just got to get in there and go for it. Like there is no hesitation. You can't just like start running towards him and then oh nope I didn't want to go. You know you've just got to keep going, roll forward, keep going, roll forward, get in there mm-hmm. and time that parry. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's the only that's time. Actually, of the, that's probably the only time in the game we're parrying. Um, is really I didn't really parry at all while I was playing Dark Souls. I didn't start parrying a lot until my second playthrough and my level one playthrough. I parried a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I fucking barehand parried Havel. <laughs> it's parrying is the easiest way to kill the final boss. Oh god, yeah. It's much much easier if you parry the final boss. But otherwise, I think I the easiest way to kill the final boss is to hit him a lot with a big sword, <laughs> and then. There's no actual other part of that. That's all there is. <laughs> that uh, that archer thing in in Orlando is where I got invaded. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is such some, a good story. This is a good I, story. I I had already cleared it. Like they were already down, and I got invaded as I was walking around the corner, and I had that full knight's set. So. <laughs> I walked back to where the archer was on the left and I put, I just equipped the bow and I equipped all the night gear and just stood there and watched while the invader ran up and down and ran up and down and couldn't figure out where I was. Cause he just thought I was a, uh, an NPC. Mm-hmm. And then I walked around and kicked him off the ledge. Yes. <laughs> he used to have a video of it and it was just like one of my favorite so things ever. It, like, it took oh. that guy. It was so the guy never realized it until no. I started running around. Yeah, but it was like a good, what, four or five minutes of you just while. standing there and him like running around like a doofus. It was so good. And then you go through the fog gate and you're inside the crazy castle. Uh-huh. And you're – bliss- this is actually the best moment in the game because you're, you've accomplished very many things and you know there are challenges ahead. Mm-hmm. But you don't yet know – that you have to fight Ornstein and, and smog. So there's a moment of bliss here where you have accomplished as many things as you can accomplish before that happens. Yes. Mm -hmm. But no one ever knows it because it passes them by. Yeah. You don't know until later. Mm Mm-hmm. So our boys Ornstein and Smo, who I, I, I I consider like the crescendo of the game. Like, I think yeah. that this I is think it's definitely the best and boss fight. like, I think I mean, Anorlando and Ornstein and Smo, I think is by, by far and away, like the best climax that game has to offer. I think without the DLC, it's, it's the, probably the best boss fight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple boss fights in, uh, the DLC that come real close. Um, but I think but like, like, sorry, Go ahead. Like, not just Ornstein and Smo, though. It's the whole buildup from reaching Anne Orlando to the getting past those archers and then right. ki- killing the guy who killed your firekeeper. Yeah. Like, mm. you keep doing these cool things and it builds and builds and then you fight yeah. them. It's, really, the whole game just builds yeah, up to that straight moment. up to, to Ornstein and Smog. And, and, even, and even then, you could say it builds up to the point where you kill one of them. And the other one goes super power on you and gains all his health back. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's such a it's cool just thing. The biggest fuck you. I was like, oh, are you fucking serious when it happened? Mm-hmm. The, the, it pushes you as far as you think you can go and then yeah. pushes you just a little bit further. Yeah. Yep. Mechanically, I think this is like where the game is throwing it all down. It's like everything mm-hmm. you know, do it here. 
because right. you were fighting two <clears throat> just highly efficient freaking killers and it's like it's all about recognizing patterns of how their attacks wind up uh, knowing when to dodge managing out of the way, space managing space managing stamina managing your health it is such it is such a, a key moment that the first time I beat it got unfortunately ruined because the game crashed. Oh, I, really? I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I was pissed. Because, like, I, I had spent, I want to say, a good hour or so just trying to do this fight. And then, like, I come out victorious and the game crashes. And then when I reload back in, I'm at the fog door outside. Oh, it's my like, God. <gasps> That was mm. one of the moments where, because I streamed most of going yeah. through the first time, and when I hit Ornstein and 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 Sm- is it Smo? Is that what it's, you say? I think it's Smog or Smo. Uh, so I just say Smo. When I hit them, uh, we, I always say we because I like I consider streaming a group activity, and like we smashed into them a mm. bunch of times. Yeah, to the point where I was like, "All right, I can't even stream. Like I'm done. I'm so mad and frustrated yeah. with this that I cannot keep streaming it." And then I went for like 2 hours more and beat it off stream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was that was like the one point in that stream where I was like, "I have to do this alone." Like I yeah. got I have to f- And what's crazy is that I had a lot tougher time with um Stray Demon than with this fight. Yeah. But this fight was the most emotionally devastating. It yeah. was the closest I came in my playthrough to being like, I am over this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was not sure you'd be back uh, to the game. When it I pushed me all the way to the edge. And now we can all fight Ornstein and Simone. It's no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's still hard. <laughs> it's still hard, man. I did it at level one. I had a blast. It was you're, super you're good. at this game. It was so good. Really like cool. it was it was the most like I've never Who did you been, kill first? Uh I think I went with Ornstein first because Smo's attacks are way easier to dodge. Yeah, Hyper Ornstein looks terrifying. Yeah, uh Hyper Ornstein, I could not have done that at level one. I just don't yeah. have enough faith in my ability to have outlasted him. Um, you know what? I think you're probably still pretty good at the game. <laughs> I'm probably alright. <laughs> Even though you didn't feel like taking on Hyper Ornstein at level one, don't worry. I think you're I think you still got this. <laughs> I abandoned that playthrough, though. I kind of stopped after the Four Kings because I feel like you know, the rest of the game is just not as interesting, I guess. Like, I feel yeah, like I've already I seen... See that. Like, I feel I've seen all of the cool stuff that you could do at level one, and I did it. Like, like beating Four Kings just, like, it drained me to the point of where it's just like, all right, game, I've I've proven I can best you. There's nothing yeah. left in your arsenal that can do this. Um, anything harder than that at that point? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, I feel like if, if, um, Dark Souls was paced like a very traditional, like a traditional game, like a Miyamoto traditional game, it would end with Ornstein and Smog. Mm -hmm. If it was paced like how I would do it, it would go to Torian after Ornstein and Smog. And then there'd be another fight that was pretty easy, but interesting for different reasons. And then it would end. And Yeah. And that, but then, but because it's, um, but, but because they, but then they go for something different entirely where that's really, without the DLC, that's about the two thirds mark. Yeah. And then the rest of the game is spent, um, filling in the blank spaces, um, filling in the unknowns and getting to the dead end of the bottom of the tomb of the unknown giant, getting to the bottom of the demon's ruins and all that. Yeah. Um, And that's also the point, like 
where you can begin teleporting. Yeah. And the yeah. whole game kind of like you can tell the game shifts at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what do, how do you all feel about the pacing at this point? At this point of the game, I sort of feel like it, it's not where I start hating the game or anything, but it's definitely not my favorite part. Like when I when I think Dark Souls, I think you know Undead Asylum to Anne Orlando, and yeah. like I'm com- like I would be completely happy stopping there uh, on any playthrough. Not because I think the rest <laughs> of the game isn't good. Uh, it's just I think that like the back third of the game just is not paced very well. There are definitely some budgetary problems with it. Um, and it's just, I, I don't think like the last boss is all that great and worth seeing either. Uh, I think you've seen all of the best that this game can do if you can reach and finish Anne Orlando. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would end it with Anne Orlando if we were talking like hy- hypothetical, perfect pacing. Mm-hmm. I think in my vision, I would still have new Londo, the abyss, and then it would end. And then you'd go, and then the last level with the final I boss. I really like New Londo. I also yeah. really, we, I really we like want to the talk Duke's about, archives as well. Do we want to talk about um, the, the back third of the game now? And then the, and yeah. the DLC? Well, right, we gotta so get, how do we, how we go from best to, best to worst? What do you think? Before, what do you all think is the hang best? on though, before that, we got to get to the painted world. Yes. Yes. The painted because world. We're, we're in an Orlando. Yeah. We let's, stop by, let's stop by the big old painted world, which this is a you know, uh, uh, big painting uh, in the main hall, and you need uh, an item from the very beginning of the game to get uh, mm-hmm. to get into. And once you step in, you're you not leaving. Leave. You're not leaving until you finish it. There is no way out. Mm-hmm. I think it, the painted world is just a perfect Dark Souls level. I think it represents yeah. a lot of what makes the pacing of individual sections of that game work really well yeah i think in a way the mac the um whole the structure of the entire game can be derived from how the game structures its individual levels you can just kind of stretch that out to how it to a macro macro level and you get something similar to how it actually works well the painted world was the prototype for the game yeah yeah that's yeah. why so, i think that's why it feels like such a keystone and, Pris- and priscilla was going to be tight. your priscilla was going to be your level up lady yeah, kind of like what's the girl from the new the game? Maiden, the Maiden in Black. She was going to be kind of like that type of person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's really, again, the painted world is, it's extremely tight. There's no, mm-hmm. there's That's no exactly beat. exactly the word I'd use for it. There's no beat missed. There's no, there's nothing that you could remove from it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's all, it's, it is gorgeous. It also has the, the enemy that I have the hardest time with in Dark Souls, which is the harpies. Oh yeah, god, those things—they are mean. They are my personal like kryptonite in Dark Souls. I get killed by those things more than anything else. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way they attack is just so disorienting, and like where <laughs> they choose to attack you most of the time is usually just like, "Great, I'm gonna fall if I dodge." You're a real bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, you know, the the painted world also has like. There's a giant dragon, but it's old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, it's just, that there's so many so great Dark Souls things in it. Yeah, it's just like this dead, decrepit dragon spewing mm-hmm. death. Yeah. Quite literally, that's all it does cool. is spew cool. death. If you jump kick, it's dead. You know when you kill it and its butt is sitting there? Yeah, if you it? jump kick it, it just kind of like raises up for some reason. <laughs> and then you can run underneath it and skip straight to the boss. Yeah. That's <laughs> but really I, did, cool. I, I, I did that and then I went back and... um filled in the rest of the area i accidentally I like that. did that like i followed the path to the end and i like 
I guess I had hit forward and attack at the same time when I was just trying to normally attack, but I kicked it, and like the um, uh, the, the dragon butt raised up and I could run under it. And I was like, oh, well, there's a shortcut to the fog wall door. I know it's intentional, but it looks really cheap and crappy the way it happens. Yeah, like, it, looks, it does not look intentional. Do you it, actually it have see- to kick it? I think. No, you have to jump jump attack it. Oh. Is- do. Yeah, I googled it later, and that's what triggers it. All right. Um, and then another... what's really well, yeah. I was going to say what's really strange is like you go through this thing, and and it's Dark Souls, and it's hard, and and you're like, okay, I got to work my way up to this boss, mm-hmm. and then Aww. you just meet Priscilla, uh, and she, you can just walk right by her and yeah. leave. She she just straight up says, you know, you can go. I will let you go back to your world. You know, a lot of people come here by accident, and. It happens, but if you leave, you, you can just leave right now. It's all good. She's yeah, like, I think she that's has, a really nice touch. She has like no the, ill intention towards you, and like she is the nicest person in the game, probably. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to be a complete dickhole. <laughs> but on the other hand, the boss fights in Dark Souls are really fun. Yeah, <laughs> Her fight is really and, good. And let's be honest here. You did go all the way back to the asylum so that you could come into this painting. Yes. So you have things to do. I have things to do, Miss Priscilla. And one mm. of them probably includes your fluffy tail. What's her life. story? She's like somebody. A dragon she, Yeah. She is like so a bunch of racism. Yeah, she's Fitz? like hidden in a Fitz painting. Daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Because people were racist, I think. Yeah. Well, dragon half-breeds. She's like hidden and then supposedly... how Like his Havel's related to this and that's why he's in a cellar. And if you find Havel's stash, he's got cult items because he was secretly a cultist. Yeah. It's just all this stuff layered on. There's all these stories that are out there to find. I really like the maze in the painted world. The It's kind of hidden behind a wall, but then also down a well. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. With the bone wheels. Yeah. It feels like those weird side areas in like Wolfenstein or Doom that just come out of nowhere and that are just completely ancillary areas that are weirdly like sizable and big. Yeah. Yeah. Bone wheel skeletons. Are those oh, the first man. bone wheels? If you didn't nah. go to cat, if you didn't go to the catacombs, those are the first. Yeah. Those ones. are the first. If you haven't yep. gone there yet. Um, ting, 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 ting. You learn oh, to love great. that sound. Ugh. Those things oh. are awful. I love bone wheels. I think they're I love great. them too. I think oh, they're hey, so, I have, they, I have they, like, that's when I, they're, they're when I finally wheels. decided to leave the catacombs was when I ran into those, <laughs> yeah. which turned up at you right before pinwheel. <laughs> Yeah, oh. Mike got that yeah. shield too because he's a dick. I got, I got four of them. Oh, oh I hate you! <laughs> <laughs> I have great luck. You do. Yeah, painted world is, and also how many bonfires are there in painted world? One, one, one. But there's a really good but shortcut. It's a clever, like, there's a really nicely done, like the entire level. It's so well designed, compact, mm-hmm. and tight. Like everything about it is near perfect. Mm-hmm. The it's it feels like it's like the perfect a perfect Demon Souls level yeah. because it's that same thing where yeah. it's completely self contained and then has that n- no checkpoints but a really clever shortcut. Mm-hmm. And then it has feels... that. Go yeah. ahead. No, you go ahead. It definitely feels like the bridge between Demon Souls and Dark Souls, where like <laughs> it's got that single bonfire and that tight design that kind of loops back on itself to unlock a shortcut. Mm-hmm. But then it's also much more contained and small than demon souls levels that tend to be way too big for my tastes yeah Mm -hmm. like you can see like the entire thing at the start when you're kind of looking down on it it's like it's not a big level it's a dense level yeah 
which is really nice. They like they built it to kind of prove that this this is a game they could make. And then they made Dark Souls and presumably they're like, oh, this doesn't fit anywhere. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Put it in a painting. Put it it's, basically this, it's basically just like the Green Hill Zone level in Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah, it's like nobody's going to find this, maybe. And then it's just just as masterful and just as illustrative oh. of the whole game's design. <laughs> it all comes back to Sonic. Oh. <laughs> oh. It all returns to Sonic. I'm going so, to strangle John, strangle John, strangle John. <laughs> okay. Um, Painted World's great. Painted World is fantastic. Yeah, I hated every, I area. hated Painted World. Well, when well, I went, well, when you first got there, I remember when you got to uh, Painted World the first time it. because you kept getting poisoned by the uh, the explodey dudes. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can't but, attack physically without them poisoning you. That's unless you're fire imbued, or huh. you have a really long weapon. Yeah. Like, the mm. halberd got me out of that, no problem. Cool. I came to love it. I got over it. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, I respect it. Yep. When I, I think the weird bone wheel maze and I think the um, the poison enemies are kind of the... And the fact that you can walk right past Priscilla and that she turns invisible. That's really cool. And like, I think and those are you, all the... You have to trace her footsteps in the snow in order to mm-hmm. actually keep track. That's such a cool uh, design. Oh, it's so good. And it fits so neatly with the rest of the game, too. It doesn't feel like a gimmick. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, that, I think that game is really tight and then also has a, that level is really tight and has some really well-placed, like, unfairness moments. Kind of unfair moments. <laughs> well, let's just call them Spice from here on. Spice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Spice. Okay. When I LP'd Dark Souls, I almost got stuck in there for real. Mm, oh, yeah. I'm... And that you can't leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I attacked her. And then she kept killing me over and over and over. Yep. I di- I think I definitely died more to her than any other boss in that run. <laughs> and, like, I didn't fully understand how bleeding worked. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was being really stupid. So she would just hit bleeding on me and I'd just fall over dead and be confused. Yeah. Fun times. Good stuff. That dark I never hole. fought her yeah. and I never will. Oh, I fire. Wait, what? <laughs> you never but she turns invisible. I always walk right by her. And she's got a cute fluffy tail you can cut oh, off. Yeah. Hey, man, if you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. Okay. Uh, all right. Straight right here. Um, where did you draw your line morally while playing Dark Souls? All I don't. You. Whenever, <laughs> generally, when I play any kind of game, I don't attack anything that doesn't attack me. Fair. So when I put, when I went through Dark Souls, I did not. If something attacked me, I fought it. If something didn't, I let it go. Okay, I think when Pers- I, when Solaire died, something kind of snapped. Oh. Um, I went and murdered. I killed the illusion lady in um, Anne Orlando, and I killed her brother. <laughs> um, then I started just killing NPCs. I killed um, Patches. I kind of became the creature that y'all were talking about on Twitter. <laughs> Um, I killed Patches after offering, saying I forgave him. He was like, yeah, and then I just sliced him. Um, and then I got to the blacksmith in the DLC and I was like, all right, time to murder all the NPCs. Oh, no. And then oh. I was like, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> and I got to the priestess lady that I'd saved. I was like, I'm, I'm turning full monster here. And then I was like, no, I can't. I really, I, I fully <laughs> intended to just kill everybody. Before and because I was feeling kind of mournful about having to end the game because I'd finished everything else, so I was like, "Why don't I just murder everybody?" If (laughs) If I can't be a part of this world anymore, then neither can they. (laughs) 
You're insane. You know what's funny? <laughs> that, that giant in the DLC, he actually has like a ton of moves if you fight him. Mm-hmm. He's basically like a fifth boss. Yeah. Cool. But I think oh. if you had attacked him right at the start, you would have locked yourself out from Calamite. Yeah. So that. Oh, no, no. This was after he'd oh, okay. shot Calamite. So I was being extra a prick. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Yeah. He, had, he did you a oh, huge man. favor. He's blind, man. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to murder him. <laughs> But I did. I did. I, ch- I chose against it. I decided you, not to. Can you kill the mushroom lady? Uh, I think so. Oh, I didn't oh even think about God. her. Can't you kill everyone? I think everybody's fair game. Oh, when no, I killed the, when I killed the firekeeper um, in Anne Orlando because <laughs> she's really nice and has a nice voice, and I crushed on her a little bit too, like with Quaylon. And then, but then I killed the brother. And then she went after me, and I was like, well, sorry, I have to murder you now, because you're attacking me. <laughs> and I had to kill Sieg, Siegfried, Siegmunder the same way, so that at that point, there was something snapped. Um, <laughs> so that's when I was like, well, time to kill everybody else. She's well, coming you- right for me! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can kill the primordial serpents. They might just leave. Yeah, I think they Yeah, they leave. leave. Yeah, I didn't go for them. John tried! <laughs> Nope, I, I couldn't kill the priestess I saved in Tomb of the Unknown Giants, although I walked up behind her with the sword kind of raised, so that was that was sort of a Hitchcock moment. Mm. Um, so there you go, peek inside my psyche. Great. <laughs> All right, so moving on. We're, 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 what were we moving? Oh, Painted World. Yeah. We're, we're, we're hitting oh, up uh, the, the loose ends. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're on the downhill loose- now. Basically, yeah. yeah. I think if you, if the game just wrapped up after Anne Orlando, then there wouldn't be any point to the the loose ends, which give a lot of the sense of the world being really big in the first half of the game. Like um, when you if you just end after Anne Orlando, then there's no de- seeing the demon ruins moment. There's no um, be- there's no catacombs. There's no reason for the catacombs and the tomb to even be there. Yeah. Um, so well, I understand that. I'm just saying, yeah. from like a, a standpoint of how much I enjoy the game uh, at its height to when I start really, it starts losing me. Um, you know, like a lot of my enjoyment after yeah. in Orlando is just kind of like in fits and starts. Whereas the first, you know, two thirds of the game for me are just like, yes, this is good. Yes, this is good. Yes, this yeah. is good. I, I was basically me, trying to figure out how to fix it in my brain, and that's where I kept getting stuck. Was yeah. like. Well, then then the catacombs don't have to be there, and I want the catacombs to be there. <laughs> but uh, before we go another two hours posture, you know, postulating how we could fix the game, <laughs> let's go ahead and continue on to the Duke's archives. Are we going I'm, in I order really from like best to worst? Are Pardon? We, are we going from best to worst? We're just going, we going? In the, we're going in the listed order. Okay, cool. <laughs> I didn't, oh, I didn't see the outline. Because <laughs> that's what an outline is, John. Can, you can – okay. Um, all right, let's talk about the Duke's archives. Mike, do you want to start with the Duke's archives? I just I really like the the archives. I like um I really like the Crystal Caves, oh, which is when I when I think when I think of the archives I'm like, "Oh, those crystals are so pretty." Yes. <laughs> um but I think I had a hard time. I got turned around a lot in the archives. Yeah, me too. It's another area that feels a little too big at times. It's very uh, like, like symmetrical, like there's there's yeah. the, two you know, giant there's... identical rooms with five identical floors in each room. Right, so it's it's kind of <laughs> hard to figure out where you are, but I like the way that that kind of shifts the game into 
that's really the moment where the game kind of shifts into like this nice indoor place. Yeah. Where you haven't necessarily, it's like a place someone, it's somebody's place that's still somebody's alive. Somebody's home. Yeah. Yeah. That isn't a thing that happens really in Dark Souls. Everything is like, this is where everyone used to live, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then you go there and it's like, okay, there's a dude still here who's crazy. Yes. But, but this place is inhabited. Yeah. And it's like a completely mm-hmm. different feel than any other area. Yeah. Plus like there's the- a, a mimic in it. Mm-hmm. But and a nice field to run around in with golems to kill. Yes, yes. And that's yes. where you meet Siegmeier's daughter. Yes. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. never seen her. Really? I've never seen her. How many times have you played through that game? A lot. <laughs> and you uh, never But I but I probably stop after the Ornstein and Smo. Where are where is she? Maybe I killed her. I, she's like, <laughs> she's stuck in she's a, she's just in golem. that field. She's inside of one of the golems. She pops oh, out once weird. you kill what? it. Weird. Maybe I've just never killed all the golems there. I killed every single golem there. Cause I was trying to find the crystal golem so I could open up the DLC. <laughs> she's trapped in one of the golems. Yeah. Huh. Swear but, to God, but I'm that. sure there's like, <laughs> like probably some trigger. Yeah. There's gotta be something. You might've had to have bumped mm-hmm. into Siegmeier. Um, I'll mm-hmm. add all of the other instances before you get there. Or oh, she won't be there. That makes sense. I like mm-hmm. the way that intro starts where, especially if you've just done Anne Orlando and you, you're like, oh, I got fast travel now. Let me go check out that yellow Golden gate. Room. Yeah. So you go to Duke's archives and then you immediately get thrown in prison. Yes. And, and lose your fast travel. That's really mm-hmm. funny. That is really funny. It's, really, it's so devilish. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's also okay. the only. Uh, it's also the only um, hopeless boss fight in the game where you just have to die. Yeah. Um, it doesn't use that trick anywhere else. One of very few cheap shots. And it's not really a cheap shot because I mean, I guess it's really a moment. It's really only a cheap shot if you uh, you know have a bunch it, of souls. If you had sixty thousand souls and um, there's no you're way probably, you're not getting those back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to get back yeah, to that to specific find, room. Uh, to find her, the daughter, you need to talk to Siegmeier at Sens, and then in Anne Orlando again, and then at Firelink, and that puts him in Blighttown, and then you'll find her in the Duke's hmm. archive. Yeah. Huh. I'm surprised I didn't meet her. And then she goes looking for her dad, and then that's how their whole story plays out. Yeah. I see. That's cool. That's that's what Ash Lake is for, is for finishing that story. Yeah. Mm. It has a cool little crescendo there. That's really oh, very, that's very, very nice. Sad. Very sad. It's no spoilers. Not, it's not nice, though. No. No spoilers. You can't save him. No spoilers? <laughs> Except for all the spoilers and, that we've already uh, talked about. Oh, so, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, there are going to be spoilers. So yeah, just a heads up. up. So, um, so I found I found the Seath um, encounter very disappointing. Um, because I had a very specific image in my head of Seath from all the lore mm-hmm. um, I'd been reading, and that Seath is a big, scary dragon who has spent his entire, who's one of the only mortal dragons, mm-hmm. and he spent his entire life hunkered up in a library studying, poring over books and everything. So basically, before I ran into Seath, I pictured like this pale white dragon hunkered over a desk with like <laughs> eyeglasses and a candle pouring through books nope. and tentacle monster. And then I got there and it was a crystal tentacle monster. I was like, Oh, 
the only the, time getting, when my imagination, when the, the game <laughs> lost against my imagination. Getting that, getting that tail off a of seeth. Oh boy, that's that, a pretty tough bonfire to run. You got to yeah. go through the field, through the caves. Wait. What? You yeah, can get you his go, tail. You can get yeah, his yeah, tail you can, for the moonstone. Uh, what is it? The yeah, moon. I mean, sword? I can. I whacked I, his tail a couple times. I am I learning get a lot to, tonight. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know he had a tail. You yeah, could get. you can get his tail, but it is really small and hard to get to. It, it's a lot like um, uh, uh, Priscilla's tail. It's stupidly hard to get. Mm, gotcha. Is it fluffy? Well, Priscilla's also invisible. <laughs> Gotta touch the fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Duke's archives, to me, feels... It feels like a weird area, because it it's a lot of, like, different ideas that aren't don't really fit, fit neatly into... Um, the way the game has been structured so far, like dying against Seath and the invisible floors and, um, Oh yeah. And the caves. dying, dying and being, um, dying and then reappearing at a different bonfire. Um, it's a whole bunch of like, I don't know. It felt, it felt there's like an inelegance to it, but also it was cool. So I kind of appreciated it, but it felt like, but I also I also just didn't like that the dukes are, that the archives are so big. So I have kind of a weird relationship with that dungeon. It's definitely yeah. huge, much huger than it needs to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like deliberately confusing with yeah. the staircase mm-hmm. rotating thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I, if it were if it were bigger, if it were smaller and tighter, I'd probably be more okay with the things that feel maybe a little out of place to me. Um, but yeah, that that I have kind of a middling relationship with the dukes archives. I think this is also a moment where you start to kind of see the enemies in the Duke's archives are really nothing of note. Yeah. Uh, like up until this uh, point, you keep, you keep like meeting new things that are more and more interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you get there and it's like, Oh, it's a skeleton with crystals on him. Yeah. I've kind of seen this already. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, it was the fight itself. Pre- I, there's one cool thing about the fight. I really like, um, seeing all the all the cursed corpses. Yes. Um, because I'd been cursed before, so instantly created this huge dread of like, oh god, oh wait, no, I'm familiar with this bad, bad, all that dread from those cursed into corpses the are those cursed corpses are actually other players as well. Yep. Really? Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. If you get cursed and die, you're you create a statue in someone else's game. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Fantastic. Yet another one of those amazing little Dark Souls tweaks. Yeah, but um, the Crystal Caves as a whole, I really like the area just because it's pretty. Uh, I had an issue with some of the geometry and how it's kind of a little too easy to slip off every now and then. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, but I really like the gimmick of like having to look at where the snowflakes are hitting the ground to see. Yeah, that was awfully fun to like see where like the the invisible bridges are because that's re- that's a really cool mechanic. Uh, and there are a couple of them that have some really cool items and stuff hidden out of the way that are like more curvy and they're not because most of them are just straight shots to the end um mm. but there are a couple off to the side that are like really curvy uh, where you can get like uh, some of the gem lizards yeah there's like some lizards and i think uh not a there's sl- like a blue slab i think yeah a blue slab um but yeah that, that was one of the moments that was like the first moment in my first playthrough where i was like you know what? I don't need to find everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like after falling off of an invisible platform for like the sixth time and running all the way back through all that, I was like, you know, 
I'm just going to pass on some stuff from yeah. here on out. Because <laughs> at that point, you probably have a pretty solid build going and feel yeah, pretty comfortable. You yeah. don't really need everything in Dark Souls to succeed. I mean, it is a game where, you know, again, you can play through this game if you want to at level one. And I've done it. And so mm-hmm. it's entirely handed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a little too thick for my blood. I've parried barehanded, though. I parried barehanded because it's faster. Um, but, uh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Well, the, the crafting system means that most players stick with one weapon for most of the game. Yeah, because, like, Which it's... makes a lot of the things you get um, innocent, only useful for... Um, mapping out where things are when you want to try a different build in a different game. Yeah, there's definitely a finite number of Titanite, uh, especially when you get to, like, the chunks and, like, the large Titanite shards, and there's, like, only two slabs per playthrough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Very few slabs. You gotta be, like, like you've gotta kind of, like, start feeling around um, with weapons early on to see, like, what's really comfortable for you and, like, what do you like the feel of, and then start upgrading that. Uh, and working w- around, you know, how you want to ascend that or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a funny thing in Crystal Caves. I actually got really lost there because I thought like that, that Z-shaped area was the way forward. Oh. So I finally got to the end, and it was just like an item, and I'm like, uh, what the fuck? Oh, and no. there's like a developer message at one point that I think says turn back. Yeah. And you actually have to walk forward. Yeah. That got me pretty good. I was like, like, you motherfuckers. (laughs) Devious little game, isn't it? Not. Mm -hmm. Cool. How's the Seath boss for y'all? The Seath Mm -hmm. boss? I I don't think it's that memorable, honestly. Yeah. So John like died a bunch of times to this guy, and I was just like, I don't remember that fight because I've never died to him. Yeah, it's just like uh, you can go in and pretty much just wail on him, especially if you have a strength times. build. <laughs> I tried that, but I think one time I got knocked to the side and then cursed. But mm. then I think I realized I could. I found a curse. Resi- I had. I realized I had a curse resisting, and then it was trivial. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Like, I don't find that fight to be particularly. I like the visuals memorable. of like the, of the crystal spikes coming up and like how you can like smash through those, and I think that looks mm-hmm. pretty cool and all. But and, I don't. I don't think the fight itself is really all that. And interesting. Yeah, I think. I think the best feature is the cursed corpses. Yeah, <laughs> I like when you smash through the crystals and the frame rate drops to like ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even on a good machine, even on a good machine, your frame rate's gonna take a dive bomb because physics. So uh, from. Duke's Archives feels like the game embracing um, diff- maybe different level gimmicks mm-hmm. in an attempt to um, make oh, yeah. kind of keep it fresh in the second. This is something Reed said to me. You said like each of the and I think like on the one end you have like the Tomb of the Giants, which to me the darkness gimmick work fits really well and fits perfectly with what came before. Yeah, um, I think in the middle you have the stuff like the unwinnable boss fight with C, the invisible floors. Um, respawning in a different hit, locked in a um, prison cell, mm-hmm. and then I think on the other hand you got um, better chaos <laughs> on the far far uh, end of the spectrum. We're not there yet. We're not yeah. there yet, but, we're but that's gonna, like we're the farthest end of the spectrum where it's embracing gimmickry, embracing right. kind of dumb puzzles instead of the stuff that works in Dark Souls, mm-hmm. and then not working at all. I so, think it's good though because. Like the last third kind of has these gimmicks that do feel more video gamey, but it keeps it fresh and different mm-hmm. whereas like the last third of dark souls 2 is just a combat yeah combat. yeah yeah and i, I like that much better and the i think third, Mondo and, and the middle third of the giants. first third <laughs> <I think laughs> especially the last third though 
I think New Londo and Tomb of the Giants are just as good as anything else in the game, honestly. Yeah. Speaking of Tomb of the Giants, let's head out to the catacombs in the Tomb of the Giants. Mm-hmm. Pinwheel, Pinwheel's theme sounds like a Zelda boss. It yeah. sounds like a Dark Souls is Yeah, it's, it's Zelda. definitely a Zelda. I think I did Tomb of the Giants I lo- I last. I, I would, too. I hate Tomb of the Giants. <laughs> Earlier on, Mike said he hated Depths. Yeah. I hate Catacombs. Yeah. No matter when I do it in a playthrough, it's, I it is a million times. It is not... A it's a rough time. Su- yeah, it's a rough time. You've got you've got necromancers. Uh, I think there are oh, six of them. I love that when I figured out that the necromancers bring the skeletons back to life. Yeah, that's a really felt cool so thing. Smart. Yeah, I felt so smart. That's really cool. But until you figure that out, it's just like nonstop. Like <laughs> what skeletons the everywhere. Fuck, do you want me to do, game? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Buy a sacred weapon. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's it yeah that 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 place is not super fun. Um, it's not one of the more super, it, it, if you want the challenging part of the game, the 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 catacombs is definitely that. It's just a big grotesque maze of death yeah. and skeletons and not it has a that lot wacky of summon that you yeah. have to like drop onto a ledge oh, and drop off another ledge, and you can summon the paladin guy. Yeah. yeah. It's just I'm not a huge fan of the catacombs. Nah, it feels it feels like purposefully dreary and mean. Yeah, yeah. It's it's relentless until you figure out the uh the, the necromancer trick. Um but even so, then executing that is not easy. So it, I um I play I spent about three hours on this thing before going to um lower undead bird in the depths. Um I kinda love this level. <laughs> I like I just maybe it's because I got and then when I came back to it later it was super easy because I already knew where everything was right. Um, I I I found it like I've attacked it early on when I wasn't really equipped to handle it and the whole process of learning that level and where everything was was very rewarding to me. Hmm. Um, none of none of the beats felt um, especially cheap. I figured out the um, necromancer thing pretty early on, and I thought the earlier frustration was worth the catharsis of the finding the solution. Um, and I, I really like the fog gate that you can find from either side, and <laughs> doesn't actually lead to a boss. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that's I think that's a valid way to look at it. I think it really mm-hmm. just all depends on when you tackled that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's not like the best place to go when you're tired. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> like, I'm I'm ready to finish Dark Souls. Let's go to the catacombs. Yeah, yeah. I got to dark catacombs early on when I was still super excited about it. So maybe that's wh- why it um, resonated with me. I see. Yeah, I think the level design is super good for what is essentially like a straight drop. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. just that level drives me nuts because I always die there. Like, it seems like the difficulty is almost independent of your level because like it just has traps that will get you. Yeah, like the bone wheels especially. <laughs> Don't ting 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 but then the, you get the bone rewarded. wheels with I had the um leveled up and I had the leveled up Zvehander the I, the bone wheels were pretty trivial for me thankfully um maybe it's different with other builds where maybe it's just cuz I always run from them and die oh no the I would like to hang out in the corner wait for one of them to get shields. near me and okay. attack that, and I attack it and then wait for another one to come near me and attack that one dodge it out of the way Dog, I just let him hit a wall. I just let them hit a wall. Letting him hit a wall helps. That's all you got to do. They're not mm-hmm. that hard. You just need to kind of isolate them. Mm-hmm. 
pinwheels or bone wheels. Ting, ting, Pin, ting, and ting, then ting. you go to pinwheel the boss of catacombs. It's kind of a joke. Who's like, he's a really sad story. His lore is kind of a bummer. Yeah. But he's not really that exciting. He's, he's a pretty traditional boss. He turns into a bunch of versions of himself. You hit one. Mm-hmm. His you know, music not, sounds like a Zelda theme. And then the boss itself is like a Zelda boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it a really four is. simple boss. He, he's mm-hmm. like a Zelda mini boss though. <laughs> <laughs> Poor yeah. pinwheel. Weirdly enough, my first Dark Souls character was named Pinwheel, and I didn't even... Really? I, yeah, my first Dark Souls oh. character was named Pinwheel, and I didn't even know there was a boss named Pinwheel. That's huh. really weird. Yeah. I, I like Pinwheel. Just maybe his cutscene was creepy, and I thought he was neat looking. Mm. like the masks that you can get from him. Yeah. Those are real creepy. <laughs> and then after that, um, and then you... Get to the bottom, you beat Pinwheel, and then you're trapped inside the tomb, and you're like, well, I guess the game is just doing a dead end here. Luckily, they just gave me a homeward bone, so I'll use that. Mm. And then you warp out. <laughs> right? Poor John. Wow. Poor, poor John. So you went through the Tomb of the Giants with no light source at all. I don't know how he did How did you? I just walked slowly. You have a little bit of light around you, so you can see if there's a, a One of the necromancers... Really slowly, um, you can. One of the necromancers, like, see, I had this problem too. Like, the none of the necromancers dropped the lamp for me. Um, and when I got I didn't there, use the lamp. Well, I didn't have um, the the helmet either. The sunlight yeah. thing. I had the helm because I did it last. I had to go. I had to go find out how to get that because by that point in the game, like, I couldn't make my way around in the caves of dark, like, in in the tomb of giants because I literally just I couldn't see. My vision was not good enough, and it was just like this was oh. a this was a literal game stopping point for me where I had to just ask somebody like, where can I get a light source? And they were just like, well, have you done da 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 da? I was like, well, you can go get this helmet that should help you out. And it was like, oh, okay. So then I was able to complete it, but yeah, okay. I didn't have a light source going in the first time because. I guess the nec- like the necromancers don't have like a fixed rate to drop it at. Yeah, that's a bummer. I didn't get <laughs> it from either of them either. I think you can get to the first bonfire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not too far away from the beginning, and then there is another is right torch next there. to that. Yeah, and then yeah. you get a torch right there. That's I feel like that's the intended path. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. So when I went in there, I went very very slowly because I had no light source. But then you see those colored gems, and then patches kicks you down the hole. Mm-hmm. But then, and then there's like a, a lamp course. right there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the intended path. And then you also meet the priestess lady, so that's mm-hmm. all nice. Um, I like the. I really love the fact that the torch takes the place of your shield. That is such a cool mechanic. I think that's so clever. I thought that that was going to be one of the really cool things that uh, Dark Souls Two was going to do, but uh-huh. <laughs> you you don't ever need to use the torch in Dark. Yeah, Souls there's 2. no place that's as dark as the tomb. Well, there had been, but they had to remove all of the special lighting and darkness stuff that they were using because oh, it needed to lighting be gate or whatever. Yeah, lighting <laughs> gate. Yeah, <laughs> that's they re- they didn't really call it light gate. No, did they? good. But that's why people were so kind of mad about that was because it actually did affect the gameplay. Yeah, yeah. You could tell, like, partway through development, there just stopped being, like, torch stands everywhere. Yeah, and it also kind of accounts for some of the crappy textures that are in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, hmm, if this place were pitch black... You wouldn't be able to tell that we compressed the shit out of this. (laughs) 
We yeah, if you play Dark Souls 2, you got to get that uh, that pure ENB, that graphics mod. <laughs> it's so much prettier. Yeah, when Mike was streaming his like run towards the end of Dark Souls 2, it's like we were looking at a totally different game. Like, wow. So <laughs> That's really they, nice. I think they overdid it on the bloom a little bit. It's pretty yeah. bloomy. It's pretty bloomy, but uh, it's pretty. So the funniest thing is that Tomb of Giants has this mechanic where it's super, super dark and you have to use a torch. And like Dark Souls 2 thought they were going to base the entire game around that and then wimped out at the end. Mm-hmm. But then Bloodborne actually has a few really, really dark areas that you need a torch for. So, I don't know. Dark yeah, Souls 2 really dropped the ball. <laughs> I, it's B-Team, man. It's B-Team. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel any- like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and Bloodborne form a really nice trilogy. And then Dark yep. Souls 2 comes and mucks it up. You can, yeah. tell that, you can tell that Miyazaki was not working on that game. Yeah, like, it's... it's- it I'm lacks just gonna a lot of, of the thought. I'm just going to think of it as that trilogy because then you have the it's it's very neat and tidy. You can have huge leaps um, from game to game. Each game does something complete is completely different while still having that kind of Miyazaki vision. I'm trying to get to the point where I see the name Miyazaki and think of Dark Souls before Ghibli, <laughs> 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 just for fun. So, any thoughts on Gravelord? Any thoughts on Gravelord Naito? He's uh, right. He's really fucking hard as a mage. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I, cru- I cruise through the whole game as a mage because you can just stand and shoot stuff from far away. Yeah. Until there's a bunch of skeletons on your ass. Yeah. And then it's really hard. Mm-hmm. That's on really my funny. F- first playthrough, I think I smoked him. Yeah. And on my second one, he shut me down a lot. I my- I had a lot of trouble with him on New Game Plus. He had um. Like, I think it was related to my helmet because I went in there with uh, oh, the God. light. And I think that when you have a light source, he just goes absolutely bonkers with this, like, red laser thing. And, like, I just – Maybe. He, he just kept stunlocking me anytime I went in there and it just kept happening and kept happening. So it was just like, maybe it's got something to do with the fucking helmet. So I took the helmet off and I just fought him in the dark and he did not use that attack anymore. Cool. Hmm. That's, one thing, one thing that happened to me on my new game plus. <laughs> so Grave Lord uh, Nito really hates light. That makes sense. His, uh, I remember playing through the new game plus and I was like having problems with him. I'm killing skeletons. And one of the fucking skeletons in that fight parried me. Oh my God. <laughs> like I'm like fighting. I'm trying to do this. And one of the skeletons like, nope, parries me. And I'm like, are you? And there was, there was a video on Twitch of like me screaming at dark souls <laughs> Because of like this filler skeleton in this fight parried me in the middle of the whole uh, Dark Souls. <laughs> That's Dark, Dark Souls. Souls. It was a Dark That's Souls so moment. They do have um, there hard. are tells for when things are waiting to parry you, right? Sometimes. Every, the, okay. I know when the Balder Knights are. Yeah, the Balder Knights when they're pointing at you. Oh, really? Don't don't go at them. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. I remember but, learning but that. Otherwise, Nito. I think carriage. he's. Um, I think he's like probably one of the coolest looking bosses. Yeah, it's but... a grotesque pile of bodies. <laughs> but I think I think what... Nito was mostly cool because we know we we've seen. Did, did Nito and Seath gain a lot from having seen them in the intro cutscene at the beginning of the game? Probably. No. I think Nito does. Yeah, he's cool, really cool in that intro because you're like, oh, there's the skeleton guy. He thinks Nito is Nito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's also an example. A lot of people get really frustrated with that fight because there's too many fucking things going on in oh, it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then that's what playing Dark Souls 2 is like from start to finish. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. 
You know, it's like the weakness of that fight is like, well, they couldn't think of any way to make it really complicated. So you have to fight a bunch of skeletons and Mm -hmm. then it just carried over, I think. But I think that's, that's the example in dark souls of why that's not necessarily the best way to make it more difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the camera in general is not good at multiple things. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a camera and a, a combat system that is really good at one-on-one kind of things, maybe mm-hmm. two. Yeah, one-on-two in, in um, uh, not a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but when you go beyond that, it starts having problems with your targeting, with your ability to keep track of things because, you know, everything's got a tell. So, you're, you know, it's kind of hard to watch the tells of like three or four different things at once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works really well in Ornstein and Smog. And I think that um, less is more when it comes to that stuff. Absolutely. So who likes New Londo Ruins? John I does. fucking loved it. Love it. I think oh. it's a beautiful zone. It's not like one of my favorite things well, to play through, but I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. One one weird thing. Um, so I think the only hard dead ends um, before Anne Orlando are Ash Lake, and if you decide to go to the bottom of the Tomb of the Unknown Giants, right? Mm-hmm. And because Reed said that he ran into that where he got to the bottom and there was a golden door, and then he just had to walk oh. back out because there was no warping yet. Yep, and that's why it's there. It's important that there's no dead ends because with with the dead ends are so obnoxious if you don't have the warp. Mm-hmm. So that that's a little weird, but I guess they did a good enough job of um, maybe keeping the catacombs and the tomb hard enough that most players aren't going to wander into them before um, Anne Orlando. Does that seem accurate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's funny. Uh, Zelaz is playing Dark Souls right now, and he tweeted. Maybe I'm not supposed to be at Tomb of Giants yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's like really early on. Yeah, probably want to turn back, hit the reverse. <laughs> I'm going to back that mm-hmm. up. Well, if you get that 15, if you beat Pinwheel before Anne Orlando, then that extra 5S this class will really help. Absolutely. Hey, hey John, it's yeah. 10. It's 10. What? <laughs> you can go up to 20S. Yeah, yeah, but you get an, you normally only get an extra 5. And then you get wait what? You can you go can, up to twenty SS flask. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I don't, you don't oh. ever need that many. I thought oh. you do in the DLC. Well, yeah, okay, huh? So that's why I kept getting more, get getting sixteen or seventeen SS flask at random times. Um, okay, <laughs> that is because if someone kindles a fire the, in the game, yeah, it gives you one if you're like huh. connected online. Yeah, huh? I wondered what kept causing that. It was neat. <laughs> So, so New Londo ruins. New Londo, <laughs> New Londo, New Londo is a has scary, terrifying, amazing maze, and it's got a great Dark Souls kick to it, which is you can totally go there whenever you want mm-hmm. from the start of the game, but you can't do anything nope. until you can. What is the item you have to have to fight the ghosts? The you have to curse yourself. Yeah, you got to use a transient curse, which lasts like three minutes. Or mm-hmm. you can't fight them. Yeah, and then if you don't, if you do get those early on, but then you get to the, and then you climb down, 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 down the spiral staircase after getting through the whole area, then it's just a pitch black pit. So what do you do? You leap in, and you die, <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um, 
I guess, let's talk about the new Law and the Ruins level first, I guess. Um, I really like the opening up to the um, Valley Drakes. I think that's rad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I guess it's one of the m- least helpful openings, probably. But uh, it's yeah, it didn't really I, add anything. It's but not so it, much of a shortcut, but it's it impressive looking. Connects the world really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was thinking though, if you didn't start with the master key, you could actually use that shortcut at the start of the game if you could run through the area and then drain the water. Mm-hmm. Like you could yeah, use that to you could use that to get to Quaylog super early. But because the master key is a thing, people don't do that. Yeah, I, I always start with the petrified something. <laughs> or I what started is with items that I didn't use. <laughs> the healing items I used my one first, of them. My first I, time I used the master key. I used um, one of them that said it will heal all status effects, and I was like, "Oh, thank God, I'm cursed. Oh, this yes. is so awful. I'll use one." Oh, it didn't heal that. Bye, bye, divine okay. blessing. Bye, divine blessing. <laughs> Oh, wait, I, no. I start with the pendant because it doesn't... It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like the ruler in... Um, or a bunch of the flavor items in Earthbound. The first time I played through, I picked divi- a Divine Blessing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize it's like... Did you just use it and it's gone? I thought when, when it's like When it's like pick a gift, I was like, oh, it's like, it's like your talent gift for the whole game yeah. oh. and I'm no. like oh a heel sounds good nope mm-hmm. one, I, I, used, I, I used it like 10 minutes into the oh asylum my God. <laughs> I, I, used, I used all three um, as I was figuring out the controls and then I just restarted <laughs> I just restarted the file and remade the character because I was like well shit I don't want to do that I used the ring that says it regens your EP- HP and that's oh, what does that but- do it gives you 50 HP. It doesn't yeah, actually regenerate. It doesn't regenerate. <laughs> the description is just straight up wrong. Oh, bummer. But then Jeff Gersman uses that as like his one reason this game sucks. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Oh, f- A single item description fuck. is wrong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. Continuing. So, continuing. So, like, in the, in the greater academic debate of, like, Okay, this isn't continuing, but in the greater academic debate of like video game formabilism or whatever, um, I see a lot of the critics I like kind of come down pretty hard on Dark Souls because it's so kind of mechanically focused in a lot of ways compared with you know the artier, artier, less mechanically focused stuff. It they kind of look at it as sort of like a formalist dream game. Does that make sense? Because um, it's just a big, tight bunch of mechanics and systems. Um, but then you have people like Jeff Gershman, where it's not enough that the game is really is mostly focused on just being fun. It's that it's not doesn't fit his very specific view of what constitutes fun, which eliminates all the weird spice that gives so much extra cool stuff to the game. Right, and all of that stuff is just bad universally and is bad because it doesn't yeah. fit this one idea of good design. It's not. I hate of, that. It's not Call of Duty. It's yeah. seeing the obtuseness as automatically a bad thing. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's, that's and like the lack ke- of hand holding, and that's what mm-hmm. kept games wonderful when you look at like eight and sixteen bit games. It's like a lot of that weird characteristic obtuseness and the mm-hmm. weird things. Like in the time you'd sit there and figure things out, that's what kept games magical back then. Mm-hmm. I think if you're reading into it, a a purposeful act of defiance. Like if you're reading into Dark Souls that. It is purposefully vague 
and purposefully attempting to frustrate the player. Mm Mm-hmm. I can see that angle, but Dark Souls 1 does not do that. No, not at all. Um, it and is vague. It is obtuse, it. but it's all there for you to discover. And it's very, very rarely hard or vague for the sake of being hard or vague. And, mm-hmm. and that's the reason. It's one of the reasons I really hate the community that surrounds Dark Souls games is because you know, one, the wrong thing. besides just being you know elitist dirt bags most of the time, it's just they have to keep propping themselves up as playing this really hard, unfair, frustrating game. When it's just like, nah, dog. It's it's not that bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll all requ- games are hard. That's what's crazy. Have you seen? Have you guys seen the bonus levels in Super Mario 3D World? That shit is hard. <laughs> Games are hard. Crazy. Did but, you have you all played Super Mario Brothers One? <laughs> World Eight and Super Mario Brothers One is harder than anything in Dark Souls by a mile. Yeah, <laughs> but it does. It that did game get is this, so hard. This kind of like edge that everybody has to keep. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's they they've got to have like like it's always like like anytime they mention like the difficulty of dark souls it always feels like they're just trying to amp themselves up to me mm-hmm. you know it's just like oh well look at this hard thing i can do but you probably can't do it mm-hmm. and it's like man shut up get out mm-hmm. of here i hate dark souls fans so much <laughs> so like, new londo new for what, for what it's worth for what one more thing for what it's worth um two of the people i know who really don't like Dark Souls also think that don't really like NES games. Like, think games like Legend of Zelda or Metroid 1 or Mega Man 2 are really overrated I hate and Austin. clumsy. I, I thought Austin was banned from this podcast. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily like, talking guys, about Justin. Guys, come on. Let's, yeah. let's move okay. forward. Okay? I will say, I really like the transient curse mechanic because mm-hmm. it gives time pressure to the area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a scary area in general. And then you have like this invisible clock of like, when are these ghosts going to suddenly become impossible for me to hit until yeah, I take another in addition to being a scary maze. It's such a good decision that there's no timer on that curse. I was about to say, I'm glad that that's not a part of the HUD. I like that they keep, like, cause you, you're not going to know until you, you take a swing mm-hmm. <laughs> or you, or you take one preemptively. You know, like you go to take a swing and you're not hitting nothing but airs. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, that's and so then you're sharp. also on like this narrow walkway where if they hit you in the wrong yeah. angle, you'll just fall. Yeah, yeah. It's a scary area, and they and they go through walls, which would seem cheap, but and it, it kind of is. Makes, it makes perfect sense though. They're ghosts. They're ghosts. <laughs> like They're I ghosts. expect a ghost to go through a wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. So yeah, it's like it's like fitting into that how the later areas in Dark Souls two kind of have gi- in Dark Souls one kind of have gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like the gimmicks in New Londo and the gimmick in Tomb of the Unknown Giants um, mesh really really well with the game that's there, and they're pretty seamless. Yeah, and I, I really they, like the yeah. ghosts. They fit great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it totally makes sense for ghosts to go through walls, and yeah. just from a gameplay perspective, that's also really scary and interesting. Ter- hard to deal yeah. with sometimes, like in that. <laughs> yeah. That one building with like eight of them. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like almost survival horror-y, really. Yes. Um, so let's say that you came to this area with Sif's ring, which I did, mm-hmm. and it says you can traverse the abyss. And so I knew that the abyss was coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the transition to the boss fight at the bottom of New Londo Ruins is maybe my favorite, or at least one of my favorite moments in the whole game. It's a really cool moment. It's a really cool moment. I compared it to Simon's Quest again. 
It makes sense because mm-hmm. it is it is that kind of weird thing where you've got mm-hmm. to think about it for a moment and oh this ring. Mm-hmm. I think they set it up really effectively. Yeah, they really do. No. Like a lot. Like I've heard people say that like they don't think that that's set up well, but there are enough context clues in the game that give you an idea of what you're gonna need to do if you want to traverse the abyss. Mm-hmm. Plus, it lets you fall. Here's the thing. You you get to the bottom of the new Londo, and there's a big spiraled staircase that goes down, 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 down. Mm-hmm. Um, descent is a very powerful tool in video games because it can just very instantly create a feeling of dread. Yeah. Um, the Metro games use that. Um, Subterranean Animism uses that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this moment when you're going down, 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 and then you go and f- jump into the pit, and then it falls you fall just long enough that you think you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, because it falls long enough that when you land, the fall damage should kill you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you land in the pitch black darkness and then the boss music starts and the enemies fade in and there's no floor. You're just in this black yeah, void. Yeah, you're just in this black void. It's just like they could have done oh. so many things there to like establish like what abyss was or like you know they could have done some crazy particle effects in the background and whatnot but the fact that it's just this black background of just like complete solitude and just being sealed away from everything else it's just mm-hmm. it's creepy in its own really weird minimalistic way and you yeah. have to fight a final fantasy boss and you have to fight a final <laughs> fantasy boss the four uh-huh. kings which uh, again, I think this is like you know, we're hitting into the part of the game where I don't think the, 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 the things are really all that impressive. I didn't think the four kings were really all that impressive aside from their numbers, really. It's their They're really the only race in the game. Yeah. Well, like the, I, I, liked the having race. To, I really liked having to run to each one and then trying to kill them before the other ones started swarming around me, too. Yeah, that's, that's it when puts I figured pressure it out, on you. When I figured it out, it it came. It became a pretty intense fight. It took me three or four tries, and I had a really good time with it. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time with it the second time through. I think I mm-hmm. might have one shot at it the first time. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot more than the Nito and Seath fights. Probably maybe just because of that amazing introduction. Yeah. <clears throat> if you take that ring off while you're fighting them, you die. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yep. The abyss consumes you. Yep. Oh wow. Does it look? Does there any effect to it? Do you it just has die? A, it has its own animation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. I'm learning a lot tonight. <laughs> oh my god! There's so then many little comes up as it does for everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> and tempts you to a different a different um, path. <laughs> yeah, I, that never happened for me, man. Uh huh. And he took <laughs> me to he took me to the area to drop off the Lord vessel, and I did. Opened up all the yell yeah, all the golden doors. And then I talked to um, the other one, and he was just like, you fool, you're not one of the chosen, you can't be the chosen one. And then he left. <laughs> well, fine, Peter Molyneux, I'll yeah. go with this other one anyway. Uh, oh, Lord. I, so what, I think this only leaves... Um, it leaves the DLC. It leaves, the DLC. Uh, the, and that's okay. where Dark Souls ends. Yeah, well, let's, let's <laughs> okay. go to the DLC. I can give you. I can give you a quick rundown of um, of, of Lost Isolith and the Demon Ruins. Okay, I've got. I've yeah. got. I've got you right here. <laughs> All right. So I we, think. Yes, well, let's, no. Let's just actually leave it there. <laughs> okay. I no no. I think. No, I want to tear into this. I it's, think it's that there. I know. For me. I know we're like we're running pretty long, but it's worth noting oh. that. 
to note everything that Dark Souls has done right, we at least have to talk about how Bed of Chaos does all of it wrong. Oh, God. Okay. Like, it would be unfair to be like, the game's great, except for this one little part that it's only 15 minutes. Like, it's I think, not. I think Lost Isleth and the Demon Runes are important because they showcase what the rest of Dark Souls does so right. Right. I think the Demon Rune, the Lost Isleth is the level itself, I don't really care how much about. Um, with Demon Ruins, it's literally just straight shot to a boss. Yeah. Bonfire. Boss. Bonfire. <laughs> boss. And then Lost Isleth and then a bonfire. Right. And there's, I think there's one shortcut back to Quelag's domain. And aside from, and then they just, instead of like doing anything really interesting with the level design, they just have a bunch of um, Taurus demons and Capra demons walking around and you just mm-hmm. kind of slog through them. Um, it's so boring. The bosses aren't good. One of them is just the stray demon again. Again, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't and, imagine what they were thinking by just not removing that guy. Yeah, like, he adds I have nothing. him there. Because <laughs> if it was just uh, Ceaseless Discharge. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best name and that's what John calls his butt. If it was just him and the centipede demon, like, at least those are unique bosses. At least yeah. they have in the beginning and end of the area. Yeah. And they'd be a little more spread out. But just Ceaseless having... Discharge's intro is kind of cool because you see him first and then he doesn't attack you until you grab the item. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Uh-huh. Ugh. She's protecting his sister, man. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. But then you go and fight, just you're just slogging. And the centipede demon's a really lame fight. It's really hard because of the lava. And, it doesn't, and the well, camera it's, it's does hard no because favors. of the camera. Yeah. yeah, I beat the centipede demon on my first try just because it landed on me, and then I just wailed on its underside and chugged <laughs> Estus. Um, really just dreadful. Really, Absolutely. really dreadful. And then you go to Lost Isolith. Which has is... a really pretty ceiling. <laughs> yeah, it... Well, yeah. yeah, okay. Have you looked That's, up at that ceiling? It is a really pretty ceiling. That ceiling is HD as hell. It yeah. has a gorgeous hat. That is a next-gen ceiling. It has a cheap hidden bonfire in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't find it. Yeah, um, it's, it's in one of those obelisk things. Yeah, you've got it's to, like, like behind an illusory side. wall. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then so, you fight so better. So, what do you guys think about having to take mandatory lava damage? If you got the ring, it's no big deal. I like deal. it. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like because I, I, I feel like if I have to, if I rag on the lava damage, then I have to rag on the poison swamp, and I like the poison swamp. I just don't like demon runes and lost eyes less, so I don't like the lava. <laughs> yeah, I could see the, that, but you I know, mean, the, the, the damage taken is so minimal uh, mm-hmm. when you have well, the charred ring. Yeah, when you have the ring, it's mm-hmm. it's all right, which is mandatory, I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. see how, how else you'd get to deal with it. it. Well, the thing is that if you don't want to use the ring once you're in like lost Zilith proper. And you take off the charred ring, and then you die and have to put it back on. That is pretty That's, annoying. Yeah, putting it back on over and over again is pretty Gee, yeah. it's almost like Dark Souls 2 made the same mistake. <laughs> so then you get through a Oh big, my god, big... the, the, that bonfire <laughs> thing at the end of Dark Souls 2 is the worst thing I have ever... I cannot understand why they thought that was... Okay, sorry. What did they, they do in Dark Souls 2? In Dark there. Souls 2, if you die on the last boss... You spawn at a bonfire behind a locked door, and you have to put a ring on that opens the door. Yeah. You wait. You have to oh. wait for the door to open. Oh. Then you run down this long-ass path to get back to the boss. Then you put <laughs> your normal ring on, 
<laughs> then you die again and you have to <laughs> do it all over again, over and over. Oh. It's so terrible. And there's literally no enemies. Yeah, it's just a run. That's it. <laughs> it's so stupid. That's so lame. Uh, That's so lame. Anyways, Beta Chaos. Ugh. Beta Chaos felt like a Pac-Man World 2 boss. <laughs> I, I said that, and then I was like, no, that's doing a disservice to Pac-Man World 2. It's just, there's just nothing really redeeming about it. It's It felt like the final boss out of a cheap, licensed PS2 platformer. Oh, ouch. It's just, like, there's, it's not really a boss you fight. It's just a series of obstacles you have to get around. You, like, wait it out. Yeah. It's kind of really hard, um, because the floor falls away randomly, and then getting to the central core, you have to jump off a specific area, and also you have to dodge. It's you have to like time it right so you get between the things that sweep you into infinite into death pits. Yeah, the jump is tough. And, and then you get into the core, and then it hits you with fire. Yeah, you've got to you hope that. Die. Yeah, you've got to hope that the fire doesn't kill you or doesn't like ignite under you. And the odds of either of those two happening are very low. I la- I I went down that slide. Landed on the ground and immediately got hit by fire without being able to move. Yep. It's definitely a very, like, it, of all the bosses in Dark Souls, it feels like the one that is the most random. Yeah. Like, yeah. you beat, you get that one on luck a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It feels or like it feels a boss like out of a particularly lousy 3D Sonic game. <laughs> oh, man, that's... Wow. Uh, feels like I, a Sonic Adventure boss fight. No, it feels like a there Sonic are no boss, boss fights fight. in Sonic Adventure as bad as the Bed of Chaos. <laughs> Oof, that'll be a discussion worth having sometime, but not now. <laughs> I um, think yeah, random sums it up though. Yeah, it's, where it's just, like sometimes trying to make that jump at the end, I'll just go down the slide and just run straight forward. Sometimes the arms will hit me, sometimes they won't. Like, mm-hmm. and if I see them coming, I'll try to roll, and it'll never work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I played the NES Ghosts and Goblins game a long time ago, and I had to look up a game fact for the last level, and it said, exploit these glitches in these spots in order to get through. <laughs> That's what it felt like with Bed of Chaos. It felt like I looked it up on YouTube and looked up the specific path and tried to match that exact path in mm. order to manipulate the crappy system in such a way as to get through. And they have right. to have known that it was crappy because there are checkpoints in that boss fight. And they're the are only no, boss in the whole game. It's the only boss that, that has checkpoints. Like when you clear one of the orbs on either side, like y- y- that stays defeated when you come back to the fight again if you died. Right. So you can just make a straight run uh into the final uh jump like once you get there uh again. It's it's mm-hmm. just like, it feels like they really just conceded the fact that, like, yeah, this, this is, is garbage. And I, th- and I think Miyazaki has even said in interviews that it was not good. Mm-hmm. The thing about the checkpoints is that apparently, I've never actually tried this, but the easiest way to do the boss is, like, hit the orb to destroy one side and then just quit the game and load back in. I've heard that works, yeah. That's really funny. Because you know what else is pretty great? Hmm. Um, when you get to the bottom, you have to warp out. You can't climb back up. Yeah. Um, and there are no warp points in the Demon Ruins or Lost Eyes Lith or Blight oh. Town. So I, I went all the way back to the Firelink Shrine. And in order, because I hadn't cleared out the area yet, I had to climb all the way back down <laughs> if I wanted to see Solaire die. Oh, lovely. So I, I, got think... to the, like, I got to that fight. And I got to him. When I finally got to him dying, I was just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think fuck you. Fight... I, had, I had to climb down here for this. Even though it's a heart-wrenching... All right, go on. 
the Spider Lady Covenant would be a warp point if you'd found her. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's behind an illusory wall that I don't know how people find because it's so random. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I actually found it my first time. I was just like, oh, huh, that's weird. Well, I kind of knew it... that if I went past the Titanite Demon, I could find a checkpoint, but I just didn't feel like dealing with another boss because <laughs> I just wanted to get yeah. through this piece of shit fight. <laughs> It's really bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. No, it is good. What? The DLC. Oh, Wait, we're not through Lord Gwyn yet, are we? Lord Gwyn. No, we do the DLC, and then you fight Lord Gwyn, because you when fight. you win, oh, okay. it New Game Pluses you automatically. That's yeah. right. All yeah. right, yeah. so we're in the DLC. Yeah. The DLC mm-hmm. is awesome. Yep. Yeah. The Ulysses Sanctuary, and then, like, the big boss fights at the end of the, like oh. even the game's like the DLC starts with a really great boss fight. Mm-hmm. That one definitely gets overshadowed by the others. It's it does, sad. but I, I love like how like the gimmick of that fight is the lightning and how it actually does like shock you while you're in the water. Cool. Oh, cool. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That boss is fat. That you know what? And that when you start the DLC. Fighting that boss is your first indicator that, like, okay, this is going to be much harder. Yeah, it's like... Because that boss moves so fast, it's it's a very relentless boss. And it's yeah. not to say that it's cheap or, like, overdone, but, like, mm-hmm. that boss moves faster than any other boss that you've encountered. Yeah. And it's not even the hardest boss in the DLC. Yeah. Not even close. But it's such a... It's one of those fights that just feels good when you've when you've caught the rhythm of it. What's it called? Guardian? Sanctuary Guardian. Yeah, Sanctuary yeah. Guardian. Uh, it's just a really cool, like, it, it, it's, it feels like a one-off boss fight, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't get the credit it deserves, I think, because it really does require a lot of skill to, like, dodge, manage your stamina enough to be able to get in a few decent attacks, and then, you know, stay out of the way of its attacks. It's, it's just really mm. bonkers. I think the problem is that by the time you've unlocked the DLC and actually go to do it, you're probably overleveled for it. Yeah, probably. Especially, especially if you're ready to take on, you know, the other bosses in yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to do it before I beat, the, I beat the Guardian really fast. There you go. Do it before Sif. Yeah, do it before oh, Sif. Oh, God. Then you get a great whole new spin on that story. <laughs> That's what I did the second time through. On my on my new game plus, I did it before Sif. And it's so cool. sad. I, I need to do that so that I can really, really engage with um, the Manus fight. <laughs> And the um and the Calamite Cal- no um Artorias fight. Oh. That's my favorite fight in the whole game. Artorias. Artorias is cool. Oh yeah. I, I think that, uh, everybody's favorite fight in that game is Artorias. That is such just an amazing fight from you know like understanding his tells to mm-hmm. you know like you have to adapt on the fly because he's not always going to take like one or two strikes. Sometimes he'll take three, and it's just like well. <laughs> Did I leave myself enough, you know, room to not hang myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That game is 100%. That is like your final exam on your Dark Souls mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. God, that was fun. I, I think <laughs> the bosses in the DLC definitely feel more balanced for, like, every kind of build. Yeah. Like, you can use a shield on them, but it's much harder than just tanking through, like, Nido, who's yeah. kind of trivial. Mm-hmm. And I'm just realizing it now when Mike mentioned it, how much faster the Sanctuary Guardian is and then all the other bosses are even faster. Like, 
there's definitely an emphasis on speed with those bosses. And I think since this is a Miyazaki game, like that carried over into Bloodborne. Cool. Where that game is way, way more focused on speed and stuff. Yeah. Cool. The way that I beat Artorias both times was to go below 30% and just two hand. Oh God. And just do, and just only dodge. That's, that's the only way I could make it work was to just dodge. Living on the edge. Is that harder? It is pretty hard. Well, if you get hit. <laughs> yeah, if you get Done. hit, you're going to eat it bad. That was the only way that I could really make it work was to just do fast rolls with no shield. Oh, man. I managed it fine <laughs> in, uh, in my regular set of armor, but it was not without its own, you know, unique challenge of yeah. just, like, like I said, it's it's... You do have to, like, watch his tells, but his tells aren't always going to be the exact same attack. Like I said, sometimes he'll just attack once, or then he'll attack three times coming out of that tell. So you've got to know how to, like, watch his animations and adapt on the fly to what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the DLC bosses, like, I used a shield on my first character pretty much the whole game, but they were the ones that were like, hey, maybe try rolling once in a while. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. holy crap. Man, yeah. Artorias. Ooh, such a good fight. And just, like, the story surrounding that fight and that character. Yeah, it's, it's, and also, a, it's also a boss where the story stuff is really deeply felt in the actual fight. Dude's which fighting is, you with one arm, man. <laughs> oh, that his feels animations like are so to, tor- his, to me. His animations are so tortured. He looks like he's in pain. <laughs> and he also looks just... Ugh. Oh, what a good boss fight. And then you meet his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And then you kill her. And then right? you kill her, right? What? No. You guys are awful. <laughs> I, went, I wanted to, but she was gone when I came back. And then you meet his puppy dog. <laughs> you meet his faithful little puppy dog. And that but is... you can't kill because it, it's like in a um, warp thing in like, yeah. a shield, right? Okay. Our, Not yeah, that I would have. It's his shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was his last <laughs> act. He left his shield for the dog. Aww. Yeah. Or for the wolf. It's a really, like, it, it's a gorgeous moment. Ooh so sad it really is it's sad and beautiful at the same time mm-hmm. oh god which is why when you fight manis you have to summon you're contractually <laughs> obligated to yeah. summon sif yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's good oh my shit god. you cannot pass on fighting with sif Mm-mm. the um all the air all the level design in that area is really tight too that's um show so retold showed me that lines oh, yeah. up with the future like yeah, the landscape it if lines you up. Them. Yep, that That's shit is so bonkers. Cool. It's just the way, like, so like the cool. foresight to like put all of that shit together. The way that they did is it's just sheer brilliance. Because it's like when you're going through the forest area in the start, you're like, this seems kind of familiar. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then just when you see like those images that people have made, like lining sh- stuff up, like the extent to which they actually line up to where where you fight Manus is actually the same place where you fight the four Kings. Like, Ugh. holy crap. That's yeah. such an amazing moment. Like just seeing all of that shit come together. If you're new to dark souls, what, <laughs> what we're talking about is, and I don't know oh, yeah. how you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, the DLC, you go through a portal and it takes you back in time. Mm-hmm. So the DLC occurs in the same place that you've already explored, but like thousands of years prior. So what everybody's excited about right now is if you take the map of the DLC and different areas of the DLC and you overlay it on the current era places, 
they're all similar and where they're supposed to be and all that stuff. Yeah, and it's like most designers like and, and, and games like would just use a separate map and kind of fudge it for level design purposes if they had to. They could have just made a, a room, a hub room with like four bosses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, there's new bosses. It's Dark Souls. Play it. <laughs> they they could have done like they, but they they clearly put a lot of effort into that DLC like mm-hmm. it's 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 wow it's incredible it's so absolutely worth it mm-hmm. and I think the descent into the abyss area is really neat yes yeah the I love creepy the creepy ghost creatures the humanity creatures those are so fucking creepy and I yeah. don't know why They're they so weird they creep me the fuck out <laughs> They're hum- well they represent They're hum- the essence of humanity's spirit right mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but then the uh, humanity is the dark soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what made us separate from the lords, and that's so scary. Uh, and there's a false floor, the only one in the game, I think, mm-hmm. that I remember. Oh, yeah. And you just fall. Breaks. <laughs> and then oh. the cat helps you out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dark Souls. All right, so the, um, the Manus fight. Um, I feel like if Dark Souls were a little bit more normal, I feel like that would be a final boss for a different game. Oh, absolutely. Oh, totally. Yeah. I had more trouble with Manus than Artorius, I think. Yeah, it, Manus is just relentless. Mm-hmm. I beat Artorius and Manus pretty easily, probably because I was tanking and also very overleveled. Or not very overleveled. I was around like 85 to 90, I think. Mm. Um. But yeah, I didn't have too much trouble with either of them, but I really that's why I want to get back there earlier in the game so I can really dig into and appreciate their behaviors and patterns. Mm. Yeah. Manus goes nuts at like half health and starts doing dark magic. Oh yeah. God, that's so cool. No, that's it's not. Cool it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really cool fight. It is. Um so it's like then, what I, so the sorry. secret DLC hidden behind the secret <laughs> okay, well, let's focus on Manus again. Any other things, ideas on Manus? Manus feels like I wish what I wish the Dark or Dark Fowls fights in PSO were like in the newer ones. Mm. <laughs> Definitely cool. kind of gives me that vibe of just like this horrible creature of darkness. Yeah, mm-hmm. a profound darkness, if you will. Yeah, he, sure. is, he is very dark. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's more of that. This is we're expanding on the story. This is all yeah. important. And also it's much, much faster and much more like it follows that, that DLC theme perfectly. And Manus is the end of the DLC. Isn't he like you close it out with him? Yeah. You can beat him and then not leave. Um, I fought the other boss after Manus. Mm-hmm. Who else is down there? <laughs> well, the- not down yeah. there. No, it's just, it's the, the sanctuary guardian, Artorius and then Manus, right? And Calamy. Oh, Calamite. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So we have... I was like, yeah. how did you not know Calamite was down there? <laughs> he's, re- he's repressing memories. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was, yeah. Too I much. Like, I thought there were I four guys. About, I first heard about you through the Calamite story. Yeah, I, like, I thought there were yeah. four guys in there. So everything about the le- – so the secret boss hidden behind a secret, secret NPC um, <laughs> in the secret hidden D- secret DLC hidden behind the secrets. And it's yeah. one of the best boss fights in the game. Calamite. Calamite. Calamite's Very really difficult. fucking hard. Calamite is just mean no matter what level you his, are. His moveset is legit. He's got so many different things. Someone told me to give up on Twitter. They were like, oh, it's not worth it. And then oh. I 
beat it and then told them, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, I think, jumping out of my chair, uh, beating Calamite. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that for very many fights, but I did it for that one. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of those, fuck you, motherfucker, you are done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm. we committed, that night that we went after the the tail, Mm -hmm. it was like the whole night. That was, yeah. And that's always been one of, that's always been like one of my strengths playing games is like, I'll keep going. You are persistent. Relentless patience. It's very valuable. And but it took us. I mean, it was probably like three or four hours. Yeah, of just fighting him just over and over me. Again. That's all we were doing. Mm-hmm. And it was a couple minutes from the bonfire, that stacks up. So hard. Getting the tail is so hard when you're on your. Because what you have to do is you have to wait for a very specific thing that he does. Yeah, and then you just have to dodge him the entire rest of the time. Yeah. God. It's but, that attack where he picks you up with his red vision and goes, Pssst, and it like is a piercing noise. That piercing noise. Oh my That's god! Right. He's got that. He's got a dive. He swipes. He's got a tail whip. Mm-hmm. He's. It's like it's like what we said earlier, where he's got the patterns, but also kind of the moment to moment strategy of other Dark Souls fights. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, what we we're talking about with a, a different boss, um, and it's just very very satisfying to figure out. So it's got that kind of both that Mega Man appeal and it feels uniquely Dark Soulsy. Definitely. Also, you can you can fall off of that cliff, which yep. I did once. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, Definitely wow, that's really that. funny. You got to watch where you're going. You know if you shoot Calamite with an arrow, there's a different uh there's different dialogue for when you talk to the giant again? Really? What? There's a there's a moment and I was I'll oh have my to god! Like, it never ends. I'll have to like look <laughs> this up, but there's a there's a moment where if you plug Calamite with an arrow before he lands and starts fighting, the giant uh, whose name I forget, um, like complete. He he's one like, of the he's one of the four knights of. Um, he is like uh, impressed him. to meet you. Like he's like, oh wow! He, it's like he talks to you differently as a person who's awesome enough to shoot a dragon with an arrow. That's really cool. Are you making this up? I'm serious. Because this really name? sounds like that the playground rumor. Like, oh What's, no, Mew's totally under the truck. What's the dude's name? The giant, the Hawkeye Go. Hawkeye Go. I'll look. Hang on. A Wouldn't second. it be Dude. more awesome? Like, if you think he was making that up, don't, if you think he was making it up, don't you think it would be way more of an awesome payoff than he just talks to you better? Like what's not what's not but the trust here? I, I'm not saying he's actually making it up, but it is like it does sound like the it. depth of shit in this game is staggering. Like there's five times today I've been like, oh, I didn't know that was in the game, and I've played it like five times. Time like, for another oh playthrough. God. That I game finished the last one. Oh, that's funny. Calamite's a really good fight. Yes. Calamite's a really, really good fight. Mm-hmm. I I'm love sure. Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. All that's left is Torian. Do we want to wrap up? Yeah. Uh, the killing of the first flame. Yeah. Well, I felt really sad at this point because if Dark Souls had like ended a little bit after Anne Orlando, then it would have been like a very a satisfying meal. Mm-hmm. But the way it's paced instead, it invited me to kind of like suck the marrow out of it um, because <laughs> okay. there's so much to it beyond that. I just was, went into full on. 
I'm going to fill in every corner of this game. I'm going to take everything it has to offer. It can offer me in a single playthrough. And then by the end of it, I was just sad that there was nothing left um, versus a, um, a game that just is tight and ends at a natural climax point, um, which might be perfecter, but it would have had a different, it would have been a very different experience. Hmm. Well, like um, narratively, the last third of the game is like filling in the loose ends and killing all the lords left in this world. Yeah. Like oh, the start that's of the- one more thing about better chaos. It, it, uh, cheats you out of an awesome <laughs> witch fight. You could have fought a chaos witch. Instead, you fight poison ivy or something. You fight the plant guy from yeah. Resident Evil. You fight a tree. You fight a tree, an evil yeah. tree. There's a little bug uh, down there. I do like the the kiln in the first flame in that it's a uh, it's a very Dark Soulsy moment where you're. It's like go kill this king, and you get down there and you're like, oh, he's weak and he sucks. <laughs> he's Piano music is sad. Yeah, he's like totally out of gas, man. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's done. The ending is sixty seconds long. You know what the um, the killing of the first claim, flame was for me? Mm. It was pretty much exactly what I expected and wanted out of um, a dark the conclusion to the game. Mm. And then I, it doesn't um, tell you. It's like, hey, light this thing, and you're like, okay. And for because for me, I didn't know. Yeah. I had a choice and that there was a whole, like, I was making a decision. I'm like, yeah, all right, I, I like this fucking bonfire. I, I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, nope, you just did a thing. Game's over. Mm-hmm. I felt like at that point I had experienced all the mechanical challenges of the game and I wanted it to just um, wallow in the melancholy and be just kind of brief and ha- just leave on a down quiet slow note the more subdued note that it goes for because the the final fight really it's not all that difficult no it's not uh, it's not what it's about no it's not it's about that moment it's about you know watching this guy who's completely out of gas you know struggle mm-hmm. for his last bit of uh relevance and power mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you kill him um i feel like that decision dark souls is very much about um going doing things because you have to in order to continue playing the video because you're playing a video game and you have objectives Mm -hmm. so just giving you this straightforward video game objective and this one text box light the flame and then you're only you can have the option to just walk away from that um i have to think about it a lot more but i feel like there's something interesting there it is very dark soulsy yeah it's got that meta twinge and it also um the there's that big arc of Dark Souls with um, the f- with inevitability of with entropy and inevitability. Everything is decaying and falling apart, um, and the people who kind of hold out against that all die <laughs> one by <laughs> one. And then you get to the end, and you're only really offered this false choice, kind of between just accepting it or prolonging it for a little prolonging bit longer. The inevitable, yeah. And that's the great, that's the one really great thing that Dark Souls 2 does is it mirrors, basically what it says is like, it honestly doesn't matter what you choose because Mm -hmm. it's just going to keep happening regardless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's always, this is, there's always going to be a chosen undead who always does this thing and it always loops back around on itself and the world goes Mm -hmm. to darkness and the light comes back and it's just like Mm -hmm. very dark and meaningless (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about making it cyclical. I kind of like the finality yeah. of the ending the age of fire. 
So that's just, but that's just in Dark Souls Two, as it's presented in Dark Souls One. I'm very satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. Part of me, part of me. Um, what are your y'all's reactions? Further, I'm talking about a lot. <laughs> I, I, I feel pretty much the same as John does. Um, really, so mm-hmm. I really like that moment when you open that area, and it's just like pure white and the staircase. Yeah. Oh. And then you go down, and like the ghosts of the knights are walking parallel to you. That's really cool. It's just oh. such a beautiful moment. It's a, it's, mm. a, it's such a simple thing, and I think a lot of people look at that last area as just being this hugely disappointing end to a great game. But it's like you're not taking in the finer details. Yeah, you got you got the final boss. You yeah. got the final dungeon. You've Orlando, Orlando, Smog, all that jazz. Yeah. It's not like you've been cheated at all. It's like people who complain that like Half-Life 2 doesn't have a final boss. It's like you there is a climax here. You're just you don't, need, you don't need a boss to have an end to a game. You're mm-hmm. following this quest through this degraded world. Mm-hmm. And for the most part you're seeing it get more degraded as you go. Yeah. Until you get to this point that is supposedly the source of this world's power who you already know is in a weakened state. And then I, it's such a beautiful environment where it's mm-hmm. like, cause you you know, you're going to fight this like King and it's going to be, I'm going to get this Lord vessel. I got to open this big ass door and I'm going to do this thing. And you get there and it's just all gone to shit all long before you got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just these knights standing guard over nothing. Yeah. Ugh. I'm glad there are some enemies there because it might be a little weird to traps through four minutes of environment. Um, yeah. Hey, play Dark Souls 2. Boss fights. Yeah, play Dark oh. Souls 2. The ending yeah. of that will give you everything you need. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because the boss fight does is does what I did. I um was listening to the music and enjoying because I had enjoyed the game so much. I was trying to prolong it that much further, so I held off from killing the king. <laughs> and just kind of kept dancing around him, just <laughs> wanting to not finish Dark Souls. And then he killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I got him down to really low health, and then I was like, I don't want to do this. And then he parry, he didn't parry me, he like impaled me or something. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I died, and then walked back through, and then killed him. It's a pretty rare moment in a game where you're... Or it's like in a rare <laughs> occurrence in a game where you're like, I just want to live in this moment for a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I definitely, had, so I definitely had the same sentiments going in. It's just like before I went into the final door uh, for the first time, even though, you know, I fought and died my first time, I stood there at that, like, you know, the final door. and was just like, this is really like, this is like the, like this journey that I've been on, this amazing, you know, piece of art that I have enjoyed, you know, these past mm-hmm. few weeks is finally drawing to a close. And it's kind of a bummer. And you're yeah. in your other monitor, like looking up your build for the next run. <laughs> <laughs> oh what am God. I gonna do next? That time? song is so pretty. All right, let's let's hit the let's hit the three things of. In addition to all the ways in this game, in which this game was clearly designed just for me, um, <laughs> there there's boss music that is scary organ music. The piece of Ornstein and Smog's fight is just a little organ solo for a moment, and it's, it's creepy as hell. Um, scary choir music and there's scary sad piano solo music <laughs> so all three of those things Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter I think hits those two um, and uh, th- those are just aesthetic things that I really really like <laughs> Cool. 
and it uses them to really good effect. So, final that, that, thoughts. Wait, hang on. Why I want to loop back on this because I because <laughs> oh. I looked this up. Okay, I'm gonna go back. Oh, so with Calamite. Okay. In order to fight Calamite, if you go into the valley, he lights you on fire and you die, or you oh. go talk to Hawkeye and he shoots him down for you. Mm-hmm. If you go in the valley and you plug Calamite with an arrow before he kills you, if you what you do, if you hit him with an arrow before he kills you, he'll drop and you can fight him. <sighs> really? And if you, wow. and if you game. And if you kill him without help from Hawkeye, go. He has okay. a different line that he says to you go when you go talk to him. <laughs> but it's super fucking hard because I tried it the last time that I played through. Yeah, there's no way I could do that. I it's think. like you get one shot. Yeah. Or, and then you die. So it's really hard. You get one shot. Do not miss your chance Dark to blow. Souls. <laughs> Anyways, Dark sorry. If you fight Calamite that way and then die, can you do it? try again? Like I think you have to down? shoot him down every time. Okay. <laughs> I think there's probably a YouTube video on it, though. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a YouTube video for everything in this game. Yeah, yeah. Go look for Epic Name, bro, if you want more lure stuff that um, you know we probably didn't get to cover all of it. Yeah, but, him yeah. and uh, what's the other guy's name? Vadi? Vadi. Yeah. Vidya. <laughs> his, uh, his Dark Souls videos are sweet. Yes, good stuff, good stuff. Mm-hmm. So now, can we move <laughs> on to parting... Th- oh my god, <laughs> part, part, Just parting theme idea. Um, maybe if I was going to go into a big deep talk with like someone who didn't like the game, um, probably, I, I wonder, I, I feel like how the game contrasts with something like Majora's Mask or Dragon Quarter... Because those games are similarly desolate for most of them, most of the way through. But then they can kind they kind of spin things around into this really, really earned, slightly uplifting conclusion in both of those games, or like really uplifting. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dark Souls just kind of drifts away and lets the melancholy and wallowing stand. I probably like Dragon Court or Medora's Mask more as stories, probably because of that really earned uplifting conclusion because it feels like it's affirming the value of living in spite of all of this crappy stuff Mm -hmm. um and that's probably the only way i could talk bad about the game with austin or something (laughs) dark souls is a world that when you get to it it's dead and then you kill it deader yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's really you learn all about these gods in the intro movie and then the end of the game is basically taking them all out Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. there's nothing left Oh, so bring on the age of dark. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 bring being, on the age of dark. Being the ever pessimist I am, like I, I really kind of enjoyed the implications of the ending and just how hopeless and you know everything still is by the end of the game. It's like you know you're not really changing much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't save the day. In no, dark not at all. Mm-hmm. Which probably if it, if they wanted to maintain that kind of chosen one subversion narrative, then there's almost no way they could go for an uplifting conclusion in spite of that. They needed just, to tear that idea down completely. Yeah, this, I, there's no way that at the end of the game, it's like, you reignited the fire and now you live in Gwendolyn's boobs. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not going that way. That would yep. be a great ending, though. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be like the greatest nope. ending of all time, right? Gwendolyn's action movie ending. Yep. The Chosen Undead walks off with her on his shoulder. Oh my god. I like the idea of just, li- I just like the idea of living just in living her boobs. In- I mean, they're big <laughs> enough. 
Yeah. Just sleep in there. Here's what it is. Soft and pillowy. I think Gwendolyn is a lie. She's not. If I were going to try and get people to play Dark Souls, I think like my, the thing that resonates the most to me about Dark Souls, besides what I've already said about it being like mechanically and narratively really well intertwined Mm -hmm. is I think Dark Souls is full of these little moments where your paying attention is rewarded like over and over again. Yes. There are all these discoveries for you to make. And there are all these moments in the game where the things you're doing and paying attention to pay off in huge ways. And I think that alone is worth like going through and learning the mechanics and, and suffering, whatever the frustrations might be not so much because it's difficult or it's hard, or you're going to like, you know, overcome this game just because there's all these beautiful moments to be discovered that are, that you have to discover. Yeah, you've got to put the work in it. Like, you're going to get out of Dark Souls what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And it's infinitely mm-hmm. deep. Definitely. There's so much depth. I mean, I mean, even if you wanted to play through this game with a guide, I still think that there's merit in that kind of playthrough because I think that it's a game worth seeing. Mm-hmm. I think a guide is... You know, I when I started, I started with a guide. Mm-hmm. And... there's a downside in that you're not the guide is giving you like an optimized path to find all of the things. Yeah. So that's, you're definitely losing some of the discovery, but it's also really kind of liberating because part of the stress for dark souls is probably for a lot of people is the fear of like, am I doing this? Cause you can do it kind of wrong. You can do it kind of wrong, but the idea of, okay, I'm doing this right. I didn't miss anything important. I'm not screwing myself. I think that takes a lot of the pressure off of it. You can kind of just maybe live in it a little more. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't think that there are too many ways that you could fuck yourself so bad that you wouldn't be able to complete the game. Yeah, I, it would be pretty. I don't know if you can actually get. I in think the you would part. have to try to yeah. really to really fuck up that bad. Mm hmm. But a guide is also going to make sure that you hit like there's no way I find the painting world on my first yeah. place. Right. Not a chance. Oh no. So play with a guide or or like have some friends who play Dark Souls come over and hang out with you. Yeah, or do yeah. a stream and have or your do friends a stream. watch. <laughs> yeah, just have it's it's such a good group game. Yeah, it really is. It would be a fun game to sit down and just pass the controller around, you know, for death. <laughs> You guys can come over. You want to come over and play Dark Souls? <laughs> yeah. Level Let's all one play Dark Souls. I ordered some mm. food. We'll do a level one run. I'm not doing that. I'm not on board for that. <laughs> come on, Mike. I'm, pl- I'm already... I started my other run mm-hmm. this week, and I'm doing it exactly the same. I'm just doing a strength build, just like the <laughs> first time. And it's... Uh, I'm only to... Um, the Gargoyles. Oh wow! So I've I've like pushed through basically to the gargoyles, and mm-hmm. I just I haven't had time to like really sit down and go at it, but I'll go through a little bit and then die a few times and back off. Yeah. So I gotta say, after this podcast, <laughs> I kind of want to play it again now. I really <laughs> want to do the DLC again now. Yeah. Talking yeah. about those bosses. I know. So because I've got I've got two characters like right there, I should probably do that. That'd be cool. fun. There's always time for more Dark Souls. There is. There is. And um, I but guess... But there's not more time for this podcast. There, there's <laughs> not. You know, it's I a think, marathon. I think that we've all kind of 
got the point out there. Uh, we've all really expressed, I think, very eloquently why we all think that this game is great and worth your time. And if you've listened special. to it, it's, it, it is special. And I am totally on board with Mike's assertion that, you know, it might just be the game of last generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it deserves all of its accolades and all of its annoying fans. <laughs> just keep the annoying fans away from me. Yeah, um, it's as great a video game as any I've ever played. Yeah, I love it to pieces, and will probably revisit it periodically for the rest of my life. I will be playing that game, you know, in one way or another, the rest of my life as well. You know, it, it is just such a good game. It's an easy game to you know to go back to because there's still a lot of things I haven't done. You know, it makes and, me wonder. and then when you beat it, it starts back up again and just gently invites you to play it again. Mm-hmm. There was a moment. I think when I was like 12 or 13 that Ocarina of Time came out and all of my friends played it. You know, it's known as being the best game ever made or whatever. But like for Mm -hmm. us, we all played it together and we never stopped talking about it. And it was like a seminal moment in gaming history for us. And it makes me wonder if there's like a 14 year old kid who played Dark Souls. And it's like, that's their Ocarina of Time. You know what I mean? Like that that was the game. That's that be, their specialist game. That would be such a legacy to have, and it's the game deserves it. You know, I think that is yep. every bit as impactful, and it's very every bit as important. Mm-hmm. I would be so happy to hear of like a generation of future game designers in their interviews being like, "It was really Dark Souls." You know, like I played Dark Souls, and that's the game <laughs> I and I knew I wanted to make games like that. That'd be so cool. I mean, so nice. if you look at indie games right now, I want to make a, my game is racing, mm. but if it was Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. well, but that's a bunch of like adults seeing an opportunity was... and marketing niche. Yeah. The, right yeah. now, there's a bunch of kids who are playing it and are thinking, I want to do yeah. that someday. And it's the way they manifest. You know, Miyazaki inter- was interviewed and one of the reasons that the Dark Souls one of the reasons the games tell the story the way they do is because Miyazaki used to read fantasy novels when he was a kid, but his English was bad. Mm-hmm. So he could only understand parts of it and he would fill in the blanks with mm-hmm. his imagination. And that's the games are written in that way. And that's really ingenious. And you know, who knows what kids are going to take away from it. The kids who play this and, and learn from that type of narrative, they could make anything, you know, they could mm-hmm. make, I mean, they could make call of duty 12. They might, Yeah, but there's a lot out there that I think to have it out there in inspiring people is probably one of the, the best things of all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I Absolutely. I do, I do hope we see games that kind of learn from it eventually. Cause right now it just seems like everybody uses dark souls as a buzzword for difficulty. Yeah. And, yeah. and even then they're not using difficulty in the proper way that dark souls uses quote yep. unquote difficulty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not as an end unto itself. Cause exactly. even, even dark souls Two fucked that up. Oh god! Where they were like yeah. the marketing for that was like, oh man, it's so hard. You'll lose all your souls over and over. Oh <laughs> man! Even the yeah. opening cut, the scene, opening cut yeah, scene, that is so bad. Look, there's a big rock, and it tells you how many people have died. Oh edgy. man! It might as well have fucking sunglasses on it. It's so edgy. <laughs> like the first, <laughs> the first achievement is called like "Welcome to Dark Souls." Yeah, and you that you d- get when you die. Yeah, it's like fuck off. <laughs> it's just buying into that fucking hype so hard. Really, just. Mm-hmm. Even the first game was named Prepare to Die Edition when it came to PC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, hey, get your dollars from. Get your but, dollars, get your dollars. Yep. But we, we need to get our seat. <laughs> what do you guys say about that? Yeah. So, uh, Mike, 
I want to thank you very much for taking the time to appear on our really dumb podcast and be here for as yeah, long as you, you have. Thank you so much. Um, Just a pleasure. I love Dark Souls. And I've <laughs> like like I've always enjoyed your writing and I wish you nothing but the best for your future uh, endeavors coming up and you know I thank hope you. don't forget about the little people Mike. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh... I'm just there's an official announcement coming. Yeah, it's just I, I just <laughs> just don't don't forget about the little people, okay? I've actually already forgotten all of all of them. You don't even remember who you're talking to right when now. When I left when I left massively cuz my last day at massively was uh the, at the end of April. Mm-hmm. Um I actually just sent everyone a picture of my dick. Did you really? Like, no. Oh. <laughs> I think that would have been funny. Why would I do that? <laughs> Mike, I'm just tired, and I'll believe anything you tell it me. It is late. We so, um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. I've had a really fun time. That's great. That's great. Um, if we want to keep up with you, um, where online are we going to look for you at? Uh, well, my Twitter is Mike.Foster. You just spell the whole thing out. And um, that's actually the only thing I have now because I have to pare it all down for yeah. reasons that aren't obvious yet. For so, all that. Mike.Foster is the Twitter, and then uh, we'll go from there. Cool, cool. Expect some big news there in a couple days or sometime soon. Yeah, Friday. Cool, cool. (laughs) Rhett, where can we find you? I don't even know anymore. All right. John, where are we looking for you? Um, Farwaytimes.com. And you can find me at the the site you got this at. Um, Thanks, everybody, for hanging in and listening to this dumb thing. And remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.